No! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, because we're about to rock your 8-bit world. That's an improvement. Do we need to hear Stevie? I love it when XSplit or or, uh, whatever it is, right? Whenever OBS does an update. Yeah, so my microphone wasn't working. All right, so uh, (laughs) you guys missed the whole intro, so we'll start with that. Yeah, we're here at episode 250, so that's a special thing. We've got a special guest today, Brian Bruderman, uh, creator of P51 and other great things for the Coco and Tandy 1000. Bruderer, uh, actually. Bruder, yeah. Bruderer. Should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey says, good show, can't hear Stevie. Yes, excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> and then as I was saying in the live chat, we have Canadian Retro Things is out there. Jim Rye, Sloopy Malibu, Mikey, Tom Eric Gunnerson, and Marlon Lee is out there. Marlon Lee, thank you for honoring us with your visit today. L. Curtis Boyles there. AC's 8-Bit Zone. Mikey, Mark Overholzer, Jim Rye, uh, thanks guys for being here. Yeah, we have um, we're at episode 250, so that is a that's a landmark in itself, and we do have a little bit of um, a celebratory segment we'll do. Uh, try not to throw out my uh, my shoulder joint here as I pat myself on the back during that. Um, but um, yeah, no, but and we have a special guest. Mark Siegel has just joined us. And our special guest isn't here yet, so like all episodes of Coco Talk, anything can and will happen. So we're just going to tap dance until our guest gets here, but we got, uh, we're going to introduce our panel, and then we'll probably just go ahead and do our celebration segment sooner rather than later. So on our panel, in the upper left-hand corner, the guy who does the timestamps on our replays, the guy who hosts our weekly Game On Live group session, Sloopy Malibu is here. Hey, Sloopy. Greetings, Steve. Hopefully we will have a good show like we always do. Hopefully. 
What show are you watching? Yeah, first time for everything. We have the organizer of Coco Fest and just damn good looking guy. Grant Ladies here. Hey, Grant. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Good Glad to see to you. Glad to be here and happy 250th show. Woohoo, yes. And um, I think this might be the first time you've been on live with us, David. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, David Craker and his son Joshua are have been a big participant in the Game On Challenge, so you've probably seen David and Joshua's name. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dave and Josh. Thank you for here. Thanks for having us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Our foreign correspondent and news anchor and the guy who worked on that Nitrous 9 thing is here, L. Curtis Boyle. How are you today, sir? Welcome, everyone. Looking forward to this, this special episode today. Absolutely. The guy who's all over the live chat keeping people informed and answering questions and doing all kinds of stuff, Mark Overholzer is here. Glad to be here. Rick Eulen's in the house. How you doing, Rick You. You're muted. Just like me. That's uh, not going to work at all. Hey, right. folks. Um, um, yeah, and uh, Steve, you don't look a day over 249. Oh, thank you very much. Tim Gilbert's out there. Hey, Tim Gilbert's. Good to see you. Tim Franklin is there. Hey, Tim Franklin. Uh, he's got a garage. He's in Arizona. He's Ron Delvo. Hello. Hey, Ron. How are you? I'm in the beard section. He's in the beard section. Yes, you are. Yeah, that's right. yeah, I, feel, I feel kind of out of place on this road yeah, here. Big oh, yeah. section. Yeah. Ron yeah. Delvo, find him in your beard section. Yeah, Tim Linder's out Grow there. Grow that millet. Hey, Tim, uh, the host of our Game On segment, and he's got a YouTube channel called Canadian Retro Things. Ken Waters is here. Hey, Ken. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 250th episode. Welcome, and good day, eh? And he makes fine, fake Australian quality products with toggle switches, mostly. Jason, the Coco Man Rikert is here. How you doing, Jason? Howdy, howdy. I like to call him Australian inspired. <laughs> Australian inspired. inspired. And, I was going to ask, did you mean fake products or fake Australian? That's <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But I, I got to, I have, I have very small balloons here. I have two, five, zero. No expense was spared. I think I may have broke three dollars with that one. Ooh, I think you spent more than you for reimbursement. Yes, and AC's eight bit zone says happy second two hundred and forty ninth episode of Coco Talk. That's right. Uh, very cool. Thank you, Jason, for being here. And Mark Bosley, our backup streamer and engineer, and he's a pretty fancy Hello. hardware knowledgeable guy. How you doing there, Mark B? Hi. A man who likes diet, Dr. Pepper, and has some unbridled enthusiasm. None other than David Ladd's with us today. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing fine, Stevie. How is everybody else doing today? Well, are I... we ready for oh. this show today? Ooh. Are we ready for a seat-wrenching event? Get ready. <laughs> a seat-wrenching. We're doing something to the seat anyway. Ooh. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the Thunder from Down Under, maker of many fine cocoa games, Nicholas Marentes is here. Good eye, Nick. Good day, everyone. Looking forward to a great show. One day it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty well yeah. sums it up right there. Yeah, I think it. if you're looking forward to a great, great show, you're on the wrong call. We are on the wrong call. Frederick D. Provencia is here. Hello, Fred. And Kevin Holloway is here. Hello, uh, Kevin. And I'm your special guest host this week. I, I try to, every three or four months I come in and I make an appearance. I'm kind of like the groundhog. 
If I see my shadow, we'll have another 250 great episodes to follow. So, uh, Stevie Show in the house, filling in for Mark Bosley. And uh, what else is going on? I don't know. We still don't have our special guest here. It is so special. He's not even here yet. It's in true celebrity I just hope fashion. He didn't get a power failure or yeah. something weird like that. In true celebrity fashion, they'll make a they'll make an entrance at some point in time. Right? Is this one of those time zone leap year things or something? Maybe it we're dealing could with. Be. It could be. Is he not yeah, on we, Florida we, time? We, we went through that on our pre-call here, so it shouldn't yeah, be. But. That's that's okay. Listen, it's like everything else. We roll with it. There were we've had shows yeah. where we, we had lots of other parts of the show anyway. Oh I mean, we, yeah, Ooh, so that's not yeah. a problem. We we can vamp and fill in. Trust yeah. us. Yeah. So um, so let's go ahead and we'll just and David Lord is out there. Hello, David Lord. So yeah, I mean, we had a slightly bigger. Um, <laughs> Mark Siegel's asking, does the show roll over at uh, two fifty six? So it's a sign we rolled over a while ago. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Are we eight bits or are we going to be sixteen bit addressable, just like the sixty eight? Hey, six eight nine got to be sixteen. Yeah. So we can have up to sixty five thousand three hundred and fifty five episodes before we roll over. Actually, whatever it is, but who's counting, right? And DeBruce Moore is out there. Hey, DeBruce. So um, part of what we have here to show for you is a little uh, infographic produced by Retro Tech Time just to kind of celebrate episode 250. So we spared no expense on this. So let's go ahead and play that little ditty for y'all. <laughs> at least we are keeping we are keeping the standards where they should be even 250 episodes later yeah. our goal because it's 250 episodes we're gonna have 250 random glitches throughout today's show yeah that's two down already so we're we're doing good Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay, now you guys can hear my mic. Um, can you guys hear panel talk? Talk panel. Hello, panel everyone. Talk. Hello. Hello. After something. Talk, talk, talk. Now, Dr. Pepper. Ooh. Okay, so can you guys hear the panel right now in this scene where we're full screen? Because I'm, I'm hearing everybody saying the sound is muted. I know my microphone was muted a minute ago, but my microphone is unmuted. I see activity from the panel speaking. Mm. Uh, Tim says I'm silent. What about the rest of the panel? I know there's a delay in um, from what we say. Okay, Jim Rice says we bye, can bye, hear. Bye, bye, bye. All right, so it was just me. So, so really, nothing, nothing important was muted. It was just me. All right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So you guys were saying you couldn't hear that video clip. It had some really upbeat, bumping, thumping music to it. But I'm not going to play it again just to. But fix we just that we just again, you got around any YouTube copyright infringements by not having it played. Yeah, so there you go. It was kind of like a. Mm, 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 there you go. Mm, you have it. Imagine mm, techno. Yeah. Yes, just imagine techno. Mm, oh yes. So oh, my. All right. So so speaking of sparing no expense, that was sent to us free of charge by Retro Tech Time. So we spent zero on that. Uh, continuing in that tradition and that same budget, I've also spared no expense on this high-quality PowerPoint presentation that I put together this morning, literally at the last minute. But no, Curtis Boyle had um, procured 
some content and some comments that were sent to us from the community. So I thought we would um, read some of those on the air live because that's what we do. <laughs> James Jones says, I just hear people. What does the panel sound like? Yes, there you go. All right. So this was one that Glenn Hewlett sent to Curtis recently. Glenn Hewlett, who, if you don't know, he uh, worked on the Pac-Man transcode and the Joust and now Defender and also working on Robotron. So Glenn had written uh, Curtis saying, I just wanted to let you know it was a pleasure talking to you yesterday on Coco Talk. You're a great interviewer. And a really nice guy. Boy, if we were he doesn't kids, know me, but anyway. Yeah. Boy, if we were kids and lived close together growing up, I know we would have been best friends always talking about our Cocos. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Cheers, Glenn. And thank you, Glenn Hewlett, for all that you have done for us. Another comment we got, this was based on a comment I think that Curtis put on this guy's YouTube channel. Uh, the Cacho Man's Retro Gaming Nook was a YouTube channel. Curtis left a comment on his video and he wrote back and said, Wow, thanks for all the feedback. I enjoy watching you guys on Coco Talk. Thank you for that. The Cacho Man. Cacho, the Cacho, Cacho Man. The Cacho Man. Now this comes to us from Kirsten, who is Stuart Orchard's sister. Uh, if you guys remember we, when we interviewed Stuart Orchard, um, who makes Return of the Beast and, and other things. Uh, it was All on our dragon, uh, and um, he was on our dragon special. So uh, Carson wrote and said, "Hi, I'm Stuart's sister. This brought back so many memories. I am uh, four years younger, so I remember him doing all this stuff, but never saw how special it was at the time. Stu always had his head in a computer or some other random project that would confuse the parents. LOL. <laughs> uh, it makes me very proud of him to hear how you all talk about his games." Uh, I seem to recall that you may have also gotten comments from Chris Latham or his family as well as some others. Since this is the 250th special, uh, part of this upcoming show would be to reminisce a bit. Those comments would be to quote Aaron, solid gold money. All right. So anyways, lunch break over. Back to work for me. Thank you, uh, Kirsten, for writing us. Diego says, first of all, thank you and all the others who help uh, have the Coco have a worldwide web presence and make it easy for newbies and those who are returning to the Coco to find that we as a community are still very much alive. Thanks again and long live the Coco. Uh, from Diego, da Damon Bales says, thank you for doing this and for keeping the Coco alive. Thank you. Um, Stephen McCormick, hello. This is almost like, because we don't have a who's new to Discord, so we're going to hear some little mini bios here too, right? So, uh, congrats on your 250th episode. I stumbled upon your Coco Talk show on YouTube about a year ago and have been watching regularly since. You guys are doing a great job, and I enjoy the content and playful banter among the panelists. I got my start in computers in junior high school in 1981 on the TRS-80 Model 1 and received a Coco 2 for Christmas in 1982. Like most towns, we had a nearby Radio Shack in Iron Mountain, what is MI? Is that Mississippi, Missouri? I don't know. What is MI? Michigan. Michigan. There Michigan. you go. Michigan. Okay. Iron Mountain, Michigan, where I would hang out on a Friday night. Keep up the good work. Best regards, Stephen. Uh, Randy Kendig, host of the Floppy Days podcast, says, Hey, guys, just wanted to thank you again for having me on the show. It truly was a lot of fun. Excellent interview questions, by the way. It seems you really did your homework. I felt like I told my whole life story. There you go. So from the king of podcasting himself, Randy Kendig, so that was just a few people who uh, wrote in to thank us for 250 episodes. And I'm sure there's some people saying, can you stop? Could you please stop, right? But no. <laughs> Actually, we've even got some of the chat now, too. Uh, Grant uh, Bodo says, another show to enjoy. Thanks for sharing your hobby. It's a 
weekly walk into a continued enjoyment of the cocoa and its history and future. There we go. Thank you, Grant. And yeah, so here's to uh, many more, right? And um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. Um, I uh, I just finished listening. This is what I like too that we have the podcast version since uh, we were uh, um, Jason and Sarah and myself were in Orlando last weekend. We couldn't be on the whole show because of broadband issues, but I got to listen to it throughout the week. And, and you know, great show. It's it's always good to listen to. I like listening to it. Um, and um, it's just hard to for me. It's hard to imagine. Like if we think about, remember when we interviewed Res, Reverend Fuzzy Christopher Mayhew because he did those kind of um, public access yes, videos, uh, yeah. and you ask him, could you ever have imagined forty years later your videos would still be in, and people would still be in the cocoa, you know, like this things like that you could never imagine. I even though we've only been doing this like five years, I could never imagine this show um, would have grown to what it has grown to because you know, like I said, when I listen to the replay. I listened to a great show that I had nothing to do with because this show is the, is everybody, you know, it's the panel and like, you know, Curtis with his interviews, which are incredible and the news that he does and all the time and energy and, and Ken with his, uh, all the commitments and dedications we have everybody, Mark who streams it and it's a huge team effort and it is, um, it's what the community is. We're just a big ball of people who have fun and, and like to do our part to chip in and, and, and play well together, right? So. I listen to a great show that I can take no credit for because it is, it's become this thing. It's become a machine, right? And it's a, it's a well-oiled machine that keeps getting refined. And so I just want to You thank can you. take some credit for initiating it and getting it started and, and getting like OBS set up and getting the stream set up and, you know, all the podcasting and everything else too, like the behind the scenes to get the whole show started. You definitely should take some credit for that. Well, I think it's very grace, very graceful of you, Curtis, to be able to do that. So it's very magnanimous of you, I must say. Uh. <laughs> yeah. my, my inner Canadian's no. coming out now. So. Yeah, very Canadian now, of you. Yes. Now, Stevie, how, are you going to tell us how humble you really are? Well, I'm incredibly <laughs> humble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, I believe. There was a song about that. So. Um, Can't wait to look too, in the mirror. Gonna <laughs> get better looking each day. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's been a fun ride. And... Um, and every time I think, man, is what what else can we possibly do? How can we how can we one up the last thing that we never thought we'd be able to do? It's somewhere out of somewhere, things just fall out of the sky. It's just it's just amazing, you know. These inter- and then there's new people coming in, like Taylor and Amy, who we're gonna be introducing uh, next week. They've only been doing YouTube for a few months, but they're in the retro hobby, and um, you know, so there's people that we'd find all the time, and so it just it's, it's hard to explain, right? It's just this. Big ball. And then some of, of them have like joined in on the show. They're you know joined in and are very active in our Discord, like yeah, Alan from Ace's Eight Bit Zone and many, 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 many others. So a lot of friendships I think have been formed through that too. Like there's some people that never would have really met each other before, but you know seeing a story on the show about somebody's YouTube channel, some project they've done, and they've come in and joined in, and now there's banter back and forth, and they're helping each other out, and that's that's what community is all about. Absolutely, yeah. And I was just thinking about that, like having um, um, Pedro. And Alan on last week. So Rocky Hill and AC's Ape. These are two guys who are pretty new to the community, but who are both doing some like really groundbreaking stuff. Like this is not just some type of wire wrapped, you know, prototype thing. These guys are doing digital video and hardware sprites and FPGA stuff and motherboards and salt chips. I mean, these guys fell out of the sky and they're creating some of the most bleeding edge innovative stuff that we've seen in 20 years. You know, so it's just amazing yep. that... Uh, 
the things that happen and continue to happen. It's awesome. And I would like to go through as part of this uh, kind of, you know, slapping ourselves in the back here type thing. Uh, I'd like to go through the panel because some of you have been here since day one. Some of you joined in fairly early. Some of you joined quite a bit later. And I'm just wondering what you guys have thought of the show. And especially if you've joined later on the panel type thing, um, what were your thoughts on the show beforehand? And, and what prompted you to start watching it and then actually, you know, actually join us on the panel now? Mark Overholzer, you definitely come to mind because you've been here since uh, E1. Episode one. S1 yep. E1. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm surprised how far this has gone. I mean, it's pretty humble when we started. Just a, I was looking at that. There's just a few of us. Um, John Linville and uh, David Ladd and Curtis, myself, and uh, later on, uh, Alan Huffman joined us. That was about all, plus TV. So it's come a long ways. Absolutely. DeBruce is out there. Uh, yeah, and um, David Ladd's been around for a while. Right, he's not definitely not a new kid on the block. He's been around the oh, show. Oh yeah, since, he, since since he was here on episode yeah. one too. Have yes, you? and unfortunately, I'm still here. Right. <laughs> yeah, sorry, David. Forgive David, me, please. David Ladd kind of started us off on the tech segments and the tech talks because he's kind of our was our tech head, especially back in the day. He'd always have something. Even before we got into floppy talk, he'd be wanting to talk about something. Remember, Grant Leedy would have the newbie question of the week because he was new to the Coco. He's always trying to figure stuff out. So we had the, the question of the week from Grant Leedy. That was an early segment we had there. Yeah, now um, he knows everything, so he never asks questions. Yeah, now, he's not, now he knows so much he's running Coco Fest. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> God help us all. The circle is now complete. First, I was By the way, beginner. Bruce, Bruce Moore in the chat says that the show really took off once I showed up. Oh, absolutely, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we added some Let's talent. Don't forget about Ron's garage. Yeah, Ron. We had we had Ron on, and, and he's like, he's just showing us stuff. Like, man, we should make this a segment, man. You got so much stuff. Yeah, I've probably done maybe 230 shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were, you were fairly on, but I remember you just, I'm trying to remember how that happened. Was it in Facebook we found out that you had mentioned, or you mentioned in chat or something that yeah. you had a ton of stuff, a whole garage full of stuff? Yeah, they showed it off in the beginning and then just gradually tapered off to just uh, making snide comments. <laughs> <laughs> He's got so much stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, Ron Ron has an amazing collection, and you're 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 probably one of the most enthusiastic Coco people out there. I mean, you just do fun stuff every single day. I wish I had the time and the enthusiasm and the energy that you do. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And you have more Coco-related Facebook pages than the rest of the panel combined. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> he's keeping he's keeping the uh, the fuel in Mark Zuckerberg's Lear jets at all times because all yeah. the all the groups <laughs> and right. pages that Ron has. Yeah, <laughs> and that's cool. It's very made out of you. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I hope to inspire people. You know, um, a lot of times I'll travel around to different uh, other groups and stuff, and whenever um, I get a chance, I'll promote either us or the cocoa and uh sometimes people you know hey i used to have one of those you know <laughs> you'll get yeah. that and then maybe they'll stop in and see the show and that'll be cool in the beginning i also did uh was able to get some interesting people on yeah ron yeah. was like our yeah, you were our, main interview you, were driver our for a while you were our booking agent for a while there ron yeah, was getting all the guys yeah. yeah he was yeah. having lots of lunches for a while there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's amazing. Oh. Another guy that well, kind who's of next on the panel there, fell Stevie. out of the sky. Well, oh, Sloopy's on the phone. He's muted. Uh, who else? Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts and recollections on this crazy train wreck that we've been on for five years now? 
Yeah, it's been a lot of good times. Uh, you guys will never let me uh, forget about the uh, streaming incident. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that, that's now a trivia question. <laughs> oh, oh don't on... worry. We're breaking the elevator. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I did about that. We can never, we cannot confirm nor uh, deny that alleged uh, allegation there, David. Lyons, so, uh, <laughs> but no, it's been a lot of fun. We've uh, definitely made a lot of good friends here with everybody, and definitely very good, very good community, and. Um, and now I have uh, Stevie as a uh, roommate now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a bonus. That's a bonus right there. <laughs> Just give me a I'm sorry relaxer. that things have went so wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the deterrent part of the program? Yes. yes. How about you, Jason? How did uh, how'd you get on Coco Taka? How did I get on Coco Talk? Well, I think I think I was just commenting, and Stevie asked me to come on, and that was episode thirty-six. Uh, yeah, because so, you you'd been in the Coca community for quite a while. I mean, I met you at PenFest back in two thousand, for example. So yeah, I had been at PenFest at ninety nine and two thousand, and kind of just uh, and kind of in and out, and would pop in every once in a while, and just kind of somehow stumbled across. I think I was listening to another podcast that mentioned this podcast, and then I I went and checked this out, and then. Uh, it's been uh, it's been all uh, it's all been it's downhill. Been all, it's been all downhill it's since all episode downhill thirty six, yeah. right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, and seriously, you know, it's it's a great community. I've met a lot of people. I would have never met David Ladd otherwise. I, mm. I don't I don't know how anyone else feels about that. But I'm 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 sorry, sir. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. <laughs> now, now, Jason, a quick question for you because I can't remember because my brain's shot. Okay. Um, were you already manufacturing and selling cocoa products before you came on or is that something that happened after that was something that happened after that was just uh you know i i started messing around with the, the, the cocoa stuff again actively and uh my my brother ken was already on the facebook group he says oh there's a facebook group i'm like why did you tell me uh, i looked into that and then he wanted to uh he wanted to start you know cocoaing with real hardware and then that's kind of when i Kind of what I was like. He asked me if I had any monitors. I'm like, no, I don't have any extra ones. But I've been reading about this, uh, you know, SCART thing. And and uh, long story short, that's how the switcheroo came about. Just a project for my brother. Um, and now you've got CocoMan.biz with you know multiple hardware products. And multiple hardware products. A lot of them suggested by the community. A lot of this stuff was kind of you know somebody wants X Y Z. I mean, I've actually had a few things I've just done one-offs on for people that. Uh, wanting something custom but a lot of this a lot of this stuff uh, ends up being oh not all of it a lot some of it becomes uh, you know things that i make in more in a bulk quantity what's um yeah you're, you're probably your biggest selling products got to be the switcheroo right the rgb to start? Oh, I, absolutely that, that by far I, I i have lost count i was gonna I say have, have you been keeping track <laughs> i haven't been keeping track it's it, it's it's hundreds for certain yeah. i i I, I, at some point, if I ever have the time, I can go back and get a rough number. But, you know, just, you know, just based on like parts ordering and stuff like that, I, I could I could probably get a pretty good idea. But, yeah, I I, I stopped counting a long time ago. Well, I have one. It's working. It's been working. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. Man, it is. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. That, that's mm. great to hear. I, I that, that That's probably one of the biggest things about this whole thing is I, I love going to the events and seeing people in person and you know, getting to meet everyone in person. That, that's one of the best things, especially coming and they come up it's like, hey, you know, I had a fellow come up at uh, and we've had him on the show. And I'm I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't remember his name, but he's been on the show before. But he yeah. said, hey, you're the switcheroo guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
that stuff is great and I, I always you know you know it's just fun for me to build this stuff it's even it's even better even more enjoyable when some come say hey you know i actually get a lot of use out of your project or i enjoy your product thank you for making that 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 that's the best right there that's that's the best part about the community yeah yeah and you see people like new people come to facebook and they start to ask the questions like what's the best way to get my coco on a tv and and depends on the coco right if it's a coco three then the switcheroo is hands down the single best thing but like on a coco one and two you're going to get people talking about these uh, rgb converters and coco vjs and these things but those are kind of elaborate slightly pricey ways to do it and there there is an easy way to get a matter of fact i wish there was something you could make that you know would be the um rf aru you know like a really clean rf cable that you could just plug in and oh. you know well, there, there's literally you can get an RCA to yeah. you know F yes, connector exactly. adapter. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, a, you know, it's, it's a three dollar part. Those. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's a three dollar part. But I have you, I don't have one handy, but I have a few around here, and yeah, yeah actually, those are great for that stuff. I actually, sold a couple of those last Coco Fest. Had yeah, a bag of like yeah. six of them. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Yeah, and you know, just mentioning the switcheroo, you know, I have an instruction sheet for the switcheroo. But what I started to do at, at, from feedback from the community, I believe, I think it this idea came from michael brandt aka qui-gon you know i just started you know he said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna sell these some of these on ebay so on the back of the switcheroo instructions i just went ahead and put like a, a you know some listings of things to get if you weren't aware of the community where to go you know like here the the mailing list the facebook group uh the different the, the different podcasts the i'm a cocoa nets uh cocoa wares uh, you know, uh, two of the, you know, the two uh, main shows, uh, you know, Tandy Assembly, Coco Fest, those type of things, just a few links just to get you started. And mm -hmm. I think that that may help. That may have helped. Yeah, that's cool. Well, some of these shows over the years have shown how to, how to do different things and uh, different games have been shown. So if you ever want to play a game and learn how to play it, you can watch an episode that had it or, um, you know, for me, I've been in it since 83, I think. And um, it was really cool to meet all these different people that have made games and have been in uh, Rainbow. And, you know, you, you look through Rainbow uh, before you really knew many people. Maybe you uh, had a local club like I did. But you um, you really uh, <laughs> excited to hear about things like uh, when we had uh, Mr. Bjork on. You know, it was amazing to hear his stories and oh, yeah. to how um, it was back in the day. And and um, people from um, Motorola talking about uh, how the chips work and, you know, hearing about uh, programming and <clears throat> all that stuff is just really uh, interesting to sit and listen to. And you can go back and still see it. It's there still after yeah. all these episodes. It's like for posterity, like somebody said before all this stuff is here for um you know recorded for the future yeah that's another unexpected thing that i never would have predicted but we kind of have become a preservation archive of interviews and stories and um even like new when new things are coming out we'll hear about it first here so we'll hear about the the new game being developed so we're going to hear about premieres and debuts and sneak peeks we're going to hear about the past and and the present and the future um, never would have expected that kind of stuff, you know, and to be able to, you know, and again, kind of like we have new people coming out doing all this hardware that we could not have imagined. There's so many people doing software 
um, that maybe had not really even done it before, but like the Thayer brothers who are making some of the new software. And you got guys like Paul Shoemaker with all the little projects he's doing with his card games and stuff. And Sheldon McDonald with um, his uh, pirate defense that uses Tretch, the sound Tretch chips. Island yeah. Um, yep. All these different things. There's so many people now making software that even though it's great to talk to somebody like Steve Bjork, who's like one of the you know founding fathers, living legends, to talk to people who are just making new software now, too, to me, is just as interesting and just as exciting. Like new new games are, to me, even cooler because this is something we never had before. You know, it's great to enjoy the classics, but it's even cooler to have new things that people are thinking of doing and pushing the envelopes and, you know, stuff that Nick Morentes has done in the past five years of each new game pushes a new envelope further you know things like that so it's so cool to see all this all this stuff always happening you know i was thinking back that uh probably in the first 10 episodes i was beginning to see that stuff that was developing thinking i'll know that coco talk has made it as a show when they're able to be referenced as a first source for like uh, wikipedia right so. right I'm waiting for that when Wikipedia has some article and references. Oh, that's Coco. true. Well, it maybe Wikipedia isn't, but in general, I think we are being used as a reference. I see it on Facebook yeah. and other places where somebody will ask yeah. a question. Oh, yeah. Or somebody will say, I remember seeing this yeah, on see Coco such and Talk. Such an interview and, episode. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't have the best indexing um, metadata where you could search and find a particular thing because there's so much of that. But there, there's, there's so much out there that um, you just scroll through those episodes. Um, so many and things. a big thanks to Sloopy for actually he's indexing the individual episodes. So at least you can take a yeah. look at the show notes and find you know what what's on that show. Yeah, that's been a help. It's and speaking of Sloopy, we might as well get you. You're you're one of the latecomers to the to the show here, and you're you you're, you're kind of re, you know reforming from being an Atari guy. Um, so reforming? what brought you here, and, uh, <laughs> and what's your opinion of the show? I probably just shot that all the hell right now. <laughs> that time, but... Good work, Curtis. <laughs> um. Honestly, I mean, I've always been a uh, big fan of uh, all the computers in the 8-bit um, scene. And uh, being here on the show, I mean, I, I look at it as an honor and, and, uh, and appreciate your acceptance, even though I'm primarily not a Cocoa person, never used one back in the day, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking, and it seems that I've been here for about 75 80 episodes and uh yeah and you went from like being a, a newcomer to like hosting your own live stream yeah. game segment so yeah yeah so it's it's been an adventure uh certainly and uh i don't plan on going to rehab anytime soon i plan to continue <laughs> to uh come yeah. here right uh, we, and, we... and like jason you're you're manufacturing hardware now too in, in the coco community too so yeah, yeah, and Sloopy's with his drive wirelessly and all these things is making products that have not existed before, uh, coming into a new platform that you had not spent a lot of previous time with, and, and again, just kind of falling out of the sky and creating something new that we've never had before that's such a benefit to the community. It's really mm -hmm. cool, you know? Um, and and I, I, should, I should balance that by saying it's not a prerequisite to be on this show to have invented hardware or software you know you can be you can be a schmuck like me who does nothing and still be on the show so there yeah it's great that yeah, we have we i have... was <laughs> me too yeah. i had i hadn't um, i hadn't created any software or, or i had created some software back in the day but no hardware or anything yeah. when i first yeah. came on i created absolutely nothing when i was on on here for the first uh two three months yeah. what do you got so. there zx 
Is that a ZX? ZX81 Timex. It's a doorstop. <laughs> That's a very yeah, small door. David, right? Mr. Dave was dissing me. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's it's a parts box for a uh, Model One. I'm going to pull the Z80 out of there. Is that what it is? It's just, that's just a chip holder. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a spare, it's a spare parts box for the uh, Model 1 3 line. Ram, Ram might be helpful too, maybe. Uh, uh, and just, just to go around the rest of the panel here, too, here before uh, our guest comes on, he did. Yeah, uh, I guess is just showing up. Uh, but, um, okay, you want to finish, finish that thought? Yeah, but, uh, we'll finish going through the panel here. Hi, Brian. We're just going to finish going through our panel here, and uh, we'll get to you fairly quickly here. So, Rick Gillen, you've actually been in the in the business for a while. I mean, you, I saw you at Cocoa Fest in the 90s all the time. You had your own company, Connect, and you were advertising the world of six to eight micros. And I think you did you even advertise in Rainbow before that, the tail end of Rainbow? Um, only through Cocoa Pro. Right. Yeah, you were kind of subcontracted. Cocoa, Cocoa Pro. Pro was selling lots of stuff. Yeah, and they, they started selling my cereal pork because Kenton's was too well made for the market at the time it cost too much basically with the gold fingers and everything and you know um then me and randy wilson came up with the fast 232 thing so that was pretty popular for about 15 minutes and then my life fell apart so 25 years later here i am again and i fall the back network. together <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it fell back. It took 25 years, but it fell back together. And uh, so now I'm making network cards instead of serial ports. And uh, got a couple other ideas in the works, which I will withhold until the they actually work. Because, yeah, I'm, I found pre-announcements are kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I try not nothing to worse than vaporware. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to uh, have a lot of things to contribute soon and uh been a little overwhelmed recently but i'll be back to creating the disruptions i've known for quickly yeah. uh, I, I have one other thing to contribute real quick sure, Ron. um <clears throat> i uh posted on ret retro microcomputers workstations and servers and consoles uh group um they asked uh what was the best 8-bit back in the 80s you know the decade of the 80s and i i wrote a little thing that said that tandy color computer 3 is now what it should have been with the sdc and sound chips and more mine is upgraded to the 6309 8 megabit ram and now you can get a, a new gimme chip that gives you more color and three times the speed oh yeah and there's um os9 nitrous 9 uh, the true multitasking operating system that now ha has an awesome GUI. The processor is 8-bit, 16-bit, moreover, uh, more advanced than the others. So, yeah, the Coco 3 is tops. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks for plugging us there. And, uh, and it's true. I, I think what this show made uh, made the Coco what it should have been. Because I, I don't know that uh, we would have had all these uh, extra things uh, produced like um you know the uh the sdc and some of the other stuff i mean maybe it would have happened slower but it, it kind of snowballed are you saying we lead I, each other into similar bad decisions yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay now just quickly go through the of common interests yeah yeah we'll quickly go through the rest of the panel we haven't uh, gotten their thoughts on the 250 episode and then we'll get to our special guest brian so thanks for joining us brian 
Um, so I guess, well, how about Mark Mosley, alternate streamer dude? Um, I was hoping you're going to forget about me. The guy, nope. the guy who <laughs> gets left holding the bag more often than not. <laughs> so I joined about, uh, was it episode, what, I think it was 87. And just kind of stumbled across it. You know, kind of came for a visit and never left. <laughs> and now you host it half the time, so. Yeah. Right. Got to keep the flame going. Yeah, and, it's, and it's fun. Dumpster fire, you mean. Mm -hmm. And thank you for doing <laughs> it as often as you do, because that's yeah, how, that's how yeah, we've been able ones. to have the 250 episodes, because you've probably had to carry 150 of those 250 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks for being our backup streamer and, and then, engineer. Yeah, and then I think next we'll, we'll get one of the old timers, then we'll get to the uh, the new guy, and then we'll get to our interview. So next up, Nick Morantes. You've, you've Wait stuck a second. with the Coco community. When you oh, say sorry, old, why did you go from old timer to Nick Morantes? I'm sensing something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to be implied to say really old timer in his case. So You're just meaning that he's been in the community Ancient for a while. Guru, you're maybe you're, you're not something. commenting on his age, just his tenure, no. right? Oh, sure I am. <laughs> well, he was at PenFest. We <laughs> surprised what 50 bucks can get you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Nick, you've actually stuck with the Coco community almost completely throughout. I mean, you had a bit of a break there when when Tandy dropped the Coco three, and you get Cosmic Ambush almost ready to sell to Radio Shack in Australia, and then you kind of went away not too long though, just a few years. And then you kind of came roaring back with Pac Man. Yeah, can't can't teach an old dog new tricks, I guess. So, I mean, you you've been on the show pretty well since the beginning too. So, what what's your thoughts been on the show for the last two hundred fifty episodes? Ah, oh, not bad. You know, Don't be too life, honest so. here. We we want to keep this family friendly. <laughs> I only come here for David's lad. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh yeah. No, it's it's good. I mean, I've always enjoyed the color computer, and even though I've dabbled with PCs and Amigas and all that, I still keep coming back to the Tandy because I started with the Tandy, and I'm gonna die with the Tandy. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> So yeah, I'm are you going to be buried in your Ferrari? Uh, yeah, well, no. Well, I, I want to get all my cocos buried with me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to help drive the prices up even worse. Yeah, yeah. Probably. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I think we'll get into Ken Waters, who's kind of taken over Nick Morota's spot on the game on Challenger while Nick's away. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I contacted you on Canadian Retro Things because you uh, did you cover Coco something or other on your own? Uh, or... Yeah. Well, when I was first getting back into the Coco after like 30 years, the first machine I picked up was an MC10. And Curtis uh, commented that I should check out this show. So that was all, probably a little over 100 episodes ago. And uh, finally, he convinced me to come on for an interview. And you guys haven't been able to get rid of me since. <laughs> He's sorry. <laughs> well, th thanks for being active in the community. I mean, you've been kind of hosting the game on Challenge now for a fair bit of time now, and selecting games, and you know, kind of getting uh, organizing the whole score challenge on the on the Discord, etc. And then you've been working with Sloopy on the uh, the live stream version of it too, and you're a pretty regular there. I think you've been on almost all of those as well. You've been on more episodes of that than I have for sure. Just for the last little while, because I got more spare time now, so more more Coco time. It's not spare time, it's Coco time. We miss you, Nick Marota. Yeah, Nick, if you're listening in on this here, if you want to pop in for a little bit just to say hi, you know, feel free. You don't have to stick around for the whole show. This. Very cool. 
All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for going down that little nostalgia trip for us. And I suppose we can now get to the important part of the show where we talk about our, our special guest. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, can, can you hear us? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yes. Okay. My first question for you, Brian, before we even get to the interview interview part is how's your arm doing? Because I know you just had some surgery or something. Yeah, I had shoulder surgery five weeks ago uh, and it's feeling a lot better. But yeah, this it, it, it feels even better to put ice on it. So that's... <laughs> there you go. Or you could just move up here to Canada and then you just have to sit outside for a bit. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, welcome. Um, we'll, we'll kind of go to this roughly historically, I guess, uh, just to make it a bit easier to keep track of where we are. And of course, everybody else will be asking questions. We'll be accepting questions from the chat. We'll be accepting questions from the panel. Um, the first thing I'll do is get to kind of the boilerplate questions that we asked pretty well all over, I guess. So the first one of those is what was the first computer that you ever used? And what was the first computer you ever owned? Um, I, I had an Apple II. I remember I paid something like $900 extra to get another 48K of memory, which, <laughs> but, uh, so my first computer was an Apple. And then when the color computer came out, I got it because I was hoping to write some games for it. And, you know, the competition was not as great with the color computers. It would be, um, for the Apple or what was or the Atari, <laughs> Commodore. maybe Atari, Atari Commodore 60, yeah, Commodore 64, the big one um, that it, it really, you know, it dominated over the color computer, but like I said, I could compete better. Okay. And then what the first, so the first computer you owned was the Apple or was that just one you used at let's say school or something? No, I, I owned it. Okay. And you never had a model one or a three or you know any of those stuff no. for that? No. So what, what prompted you besides the fact that there was a market that wasn't oversaturated already? Was there specs in the Cocoa that made you decide that instead of say an Atari 400, 800 or something else too? Or? Uh, I, I remember being impressed that you could, uh, with, with the basic that was built in, that you could do music with different notes, which was pretty rudimentary. But to my knowledge, the other uh computers didn't do that yeah it was basically pokes and peaks and stuff to to get sound even though they had sound chips ironically enough and we didn't <laughs> okay so i uh, getting up to your first game then so uh, i guess what time did you get the coco did you have it for quite a while before you got space raiders done or did you um i probably had it six months or something i remember i got it shortly after i got married which was <laughs> which was March of 81 which so it, it yeah it must have been probably the end of 81 that I, I wrote Space Raiders okay because I remember seeing it it was starting to get advertised in Rainbow from our data products in uh, probably the second half of 1982 okay um, I mean I'm <laughs> that I yeah, might be off on that well the yeah program. yeah I imagine did, did you have to shop that around or was like Mark data the first people you approached with it or did they approach you or how did, how did that come about Oh, well, yeah, no, I sold it on my own at first, and then went to that convention. That no, but Space Raiders was before that. Oh. 
Um, God, you know, it's, I know this sounds bad because it's so long ago. Um, I think what happened is I sold it on my own. And then after I wrote uh, P51, we went to a co color computer invent convention in Chicago. And that's when uh, Mark Data Products approached me. And maybe it was at that point that he marketed both of them. I, I frankly don't remember, but I do remember I sold Space Raiders on my own for a while. And, you know, I didn't sell very many copies, but I, I was thrilled to sell anything at all. Okay, I'll have to check in. I didn't realize you sold it on your own. So the, the ad I pulled up, and if, uh, Steve, if I can share I, my screen here, I'll show the original Mark Data ad for. Uh, I remember I called myself uh, Space Cadet Enterprises or something silly like that. <laughs> Do you remember? Did you just lose the signal? No. 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 You guys. Okay, there's that. Yeah, so this this is from the uh, uh, late 1982 Rainbow, and it was uh, Mark Atta Products, of course, was famous for doing Astro Blast and the, the text adventure games, Black Sanctum, Clicks to Island. So this is fairly early on. And this is just when Space Raiders was announced as brand new. Now, this would have been after you were selling it on your own for a while first. Yeah, apparently. Um, we went to the convention late 82, so that probably and, right after. And was it? Okay, no. Okay, this is Mark Data Products. Okay, he yeah. sold it, and it was Tom Mix Software. That, that sold P51, yeah. That did P51. So I, I you know, you, <laughs> uh, an interesting story here. Uh, I was working uh, for an aerial survey company, which was a lot of fun at the time, uh, but it, it didn't have a big future. And um, I wanted to get into computer programming, but I, anyway, I, I wrote this and uh, I, had, I had enlisted in the Air Force with the idea of, because I was married and we had a kid on the way. And so that was my way to, I would, was gonna to go to school part-time and get a degree. Uh, and I, I wrote this game and I wasn't able to find anybody to market it. And then after I had already enlisted in the Air Force, that he he contacted me. And he even he he said he's he was located in California. He said, I want to fly you here and I want you to write games for me. He basically was going to hire me. <laughs> oh wow. I said, I'm sorry, I'm already committed. So um, but he did, you know, market space raiders for me. And then while I was in the Air Force, in my spare time, I wrote uh, P-51. And it was after we went to the, the convention in uh, Chicago. Chicago that Tom Mix Software approached me. And I was just going to sell it on my own. But I, I remember him coming up to the booth that we rented and just very suavely handing, my, handing me his card saying, you'll come and talk to me later. And I was just thrilled to death that he was interested because he, to my knowledge, he was the most dominant uh, guy selling games for the color computer at that time. And he put P51 on the inside front cover. And it, I mean, for three months that it was a full page ad for P51. Yeah, uh, I'll be showing that in a little bit actually. Uh, yeah. I've got a copy of it here, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because the the front covers of Rainbow, the inside front cover and both back inside and outside back covers were like the prime real estate for advertisers. And that was usually Spectral, Associates, and Tomics were the main ones at the very beginning. Mark Nata was pretty high up there. This is actually an inside yeah, cover no, one too. He but. was early on, he was really big too. Yeah. So I have a question for you because I mean, obviously this was on sale already in late 82 and you said it took you about six months to develop it or or, or is that just from when you got the COVID of getting this done? Because I'm kind of curious because at that time period, I don't think Radio Shack itself, I don't think was even selling an editor assembler cartridge or just come out. So we're using some third party one like Microworks or something. Do you remember? It, it prop, Yeah, it was a third party. It was a cartridge that you plugged into the side and maybe it was Microworks. And but it, it was a... It was a pain to work with. I just remember that. Um, yeah, because you would have to save on cassette, right? Which we've heard horror stories from I, other people. I think so. Um, <laughs> but at least it was something. I was thrilled that, oh, wow, I can actually do uh, assembly on this now. And, and had you known 679 assembly before? Did you learn that when you got the Cocoa? Like you um, said, you had an Apple II before. Yeah, so. I had gone to the University of Utah for about a year and a half, and I took a microprocessors class and it really fascinated me the, the low level stuff was more interesting to me than uh, the higher level languages so and, and that was actually it was like i said it was um it was machine code so you had to type in all the numbers for each of the uh commands and so when i i didn't even know assembler existed this you know uh, you were just punching like, in hex code, just doing raw opcodes. Yeah, you'd have to figure out. Well, I want to jump this far, so I have to put in this number, and if I want to jump backwards, I have to take the two's complement of this, and it was ridiculous. No, but of course, it taught you what was really going on at, yeah. at the uh, machine language level. And then when I saw Assembler, I thought, "Oh wow, this is lots easier." Yeah, now I can just use a label and it'll figure yeah. it out for me. <laughs> well, I remember that little cartridge. All the variables had to be to, to conserve on memory. They could only be two characters. Two char every variable was two characters. <laughs> anyway, it, it obviously by today's standards, it was just so primitive. Yeah, basically had that same limit too, where you only could do two characters for a variable name too. So oh yeah, but didn't it, it could be longer, but it only keyed on the first yep. two. Yeah, that's which right. could cause a lot of bugs if you had similarly named variables. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the next uh, screenshot I'm going to show here. This was actually from Chris Poacher. Now, Chris Poacher is a guy from the UK, and he was actually on our Dragon specials, and he's a big fan of Space Raiders. So he played it, and he actually took a screenshot to show of how many saucers he had stacked up on the side oh, here. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, until I saw this screenshot, I didn't know you could have more than one row. I'd never gotten that many myself. I, I don't remember, but yeah, it looks that you would eventually uh, interfere with the rest of the game. I don't, it probably would just keep on stacking up and interfere with the game. Yeah, 20, 29 of them. <laughs> That's what he got in this game. So. I might say, oh no, I wasn't very good at Space Invaders, which of course it was imitating, but I got really good at Asteroids. And I would do on asteroids, you could get extra spaceships, and I could get a whole row of them across the top. I remember I got 50 extra spaceships. Wow. And wow. I had this kid come up to me. He was just like worshiping me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, he just sat there in awe watching me stack them up. And then I just got tired of playing, and he, he says, well, can I, 
Anyway, I remember I sold the game to him for 75 cents. With <laughs> so, all the ships. That way he so could, made a profit of 50 cents. He could uh, he could claim credit for the high score at some point in time with his initials. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Plus, yeah. if he had 50 ships, he's, he's got like five bucks a quarter in their pre-built form, right? That's yeah. right. Good yeah. deal yeah. for him. Seeing those stacks of ships and hearing you say that it could interfere, that kind of reminds me of the Pac-Man bug. If you made it to like level 256, the whole screen would be just kind of chewed up because it ran out of memory you know so yeah because i'm not yeah i can't remember ever testing that yeah well it's it's interesting to hear that you um played games because a lot of the game developers we've talked to said yeah i don't really play video games i just make them and i always find that hard to understand how can you make something so arcade centric and not be a game player you know so you can ask my wife early on in our marriage she was not too crazy about me being so hooked on arcade oh she was an arcade (laughs) she was an arcade widow (laughs) you can ask my wife today she's still not too crazy about me playing too many games (laughs) didn't i take she's sitting here i took as i recall i took her with me once and and i would get so upset when i would lose a game or whatever and she said brian why do you care (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, but actually, I actually have sworn off games. Um, I haven't played them for years, but even when I got older, there was a time period that I was hooked on uh, Warcraft and Spacecraft. Ah. Really, it it, it really is not good. Yeah, it turns into way too much of a time suck if you get too involved. Yeah. I have a question here. Like looking at the screenshot here, this was something you did different from the original Space Invaders. Like most of the game is actually pretty well dead on. I mean, even the sound effects are pretty close. What 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 prompted you to have the spaceships? Like normally when you shoot them, they just blow up in the original arcade game. But you actually had them kind of wounded, change color, go off to the side, and then go down and kind of land on the on the ground. Now it's black and white, this photo because it's a dragon on a PAL system with no artifacting. Uh-huh. But what what prompted you to add that little flair to it? I frankly don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it would be cool if you had a record of how many you, yeah. you had shot, and and maybe it was also because. Uh, just you know, I designed all the little invader guys, and it came out that it didn't use up the whole screen. And I thought, what 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 should I do with the rest of the screen? Okay, cool. so it's partly design going, partly just to try something a little bit different and, and kind of keep. It's kind of like the flag sh- and in Galaxian, you know, where every time You're you right. finish a level, you get a flag. So this kind of gives you how many of the saucers you've shot. Neat. Yeah, cool. Now, one question, uh, I want more on Space Raiders in specific. Now, Space Raiders became a fairly popular game in the UK for the Dragon 32, Dragon 64, and also the Cocos that were sold there by Radio Shack. Um, Now, we've talked to some other authors who've had some of their games that were sold in the UK. Most of them had no idea they were ever resold because Tom Mix, Spectral, Mark Day, and a bunch of others would get approached by Microdeal in, in the UK, who did most of the stuff with the Dragon. And they would kind of do a cross license deal and they'd make their own you know uh, artwork for it and their own cassette versions of oh, it really and, and I'm, I'm assuming you're probably in the same boat that you never even knew they were selling your game over there like you probably no, didn't get royalties or something i imagine no, the contract was probably unique to north america or something i i was not aware of that and yeah you just have to trust them you know every month they just say you sold this many and they your cut is this i, I you, you have no way of verifying it okay do you remember like how your game sold like how p51 sold and how uh, space raiders well space raiders didn't sell very well because there were all already two other versions of it 
and which the first one that came out my understanding is it sold quite well but you know they beat me to the market so and, and most people agreed that mine was better because it used a, the higher resolution screen and it the, the way the characters moved and everything at least were were better than the other one but yeah when you get late to market you just don't sell as many hmm. and people yeah, i know computer wares and spectrals both came out before yours so yeah yeah um and p51 sold well for three months you know the the three months that he had it on the inside front cover then it tapered off very quickly and after like six months it was you know like fifty dollars a month or something but i remember i i made a total of seven thousand dollars which just thrilled me to pieces back then but you can't live on seven thousand dollars no, a year no, you know? no. Not unless you can't got a game a month or something like nick does no i'm just kidding yeah you'd have to write a lot of them they'd have to all be fairly successful but what what happened is uh in the color computer magazine uh tandy advertised that they were looking for color computer programmers and for my resume i just sent them basically the inside front cover of uh color computer magazine and said this is my game and i, I was getting out of the air force soon and actually this is a funny story <laughs> my wife can't believe it because i wanted to go back to utah and go back to school there at the university of utah and tandy's in texas to be frank i i didn't want to go to texas and so oh there it is geez um so i i ripped out a piece of notebook paper and in pencil wrote out a resume and put in this uh, inside front cover and and i said i want didn't 30, i 30, 30. i wanted thirty thousand a year which is what a, a uh a person with a computer degree a graduate would get probably like twenty five thousand a year back then uh but but it's i i didn't want to go to texas and, <laughs> it was it was hazard pay you were asking for right so <laughs> right. <laughs> is yeah this is back 1985 and lo and behold they call me up and say we want to fly you down for an interview <laughs> and they, they wanted and then they off they didn't offer me thirty thousand, but it was close to it what they did is they hired me as a contractor because they considered me a a high risk but uh they they offered me i think twenty eight thousand a year but you know it was no benefits so that was their way of trying to make me happy but after six months they hired me full-time and i think they 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 gave me almost that anyway i was very fortunate they um uh, they treated me well considering i had no degree and we moved to texas. yeah yeah and we moved to texas and we're still here wow <laughs> we have a question so, from the live chat yeah. too saying um where did you graduate from you my wife is a ute Oh, well, yeah, I never did graduate, but uh, yeah, I went to the University of Utah uh, for, I, I don't know, almost, it, it, it's like a year and two quarters. Um, and I actually was majoring in electrical engineering, but I found, at least for me, computer programming is, is easier and pays almost as well. Okay. 
And then uh, a couple of questions on P51, and we're also going to get a bit of a live demo here. We've got a couple of people that actually got two Cocos linked together here playing it, so we can get to see live what it was like. So one of the innovative things about P51 was the fact that you could actually hook two Cocos up and have two players simultaneously play against each other. You could use a no modem cable, do it directly, or you could even play in the modem and play across the country, across the world. And as far as I know, like we've had some other you know modem-based games on the Coco before, but they're all turn-based, like you know Checkers or Chess or Othello or something like that. But this was real time. So what prompted you to take the giant leap to try to pull this sucker off on the Bitbanger port? Because that's well, not an easy feat, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, obviously, isn't that what you'd want to do? And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I, I don't know, I, I figured out how to sense the the little pulses in, in a modem. And, you know, there was just a 300 baud modem. And the data, I... I every once in a while I would pass all the data at once, but then most of the time I would just pass the difference, you know, between the last position of the other guy. And that way I could actually, well, half the time was spent updating the game and half the time was spent sending the data on the modem. Cause, uh, and, and so if you're playing over a modem, the screen would update four times a second. And if you were directly cooked together, it was eight times a second. And that was uh, eight times a second was enough that it was reasonably smooth, which was my goal. Like there's, I actually at that Chicago convention, I met the guy that uh, wrote the Worlds of Flight program, which was sold very well. And he had, you know, some vector graphics on the ground, but it updated about once a second you know, you really didn't get a sense of flying. It was just a very slow moving terrain and you couldn't really do loops or rolls or anything. And so that's what was my goal. But admittedly, all you had was a sky and a ground because I couldn't up, you know, you wouldn't be able to update it uh, very fast otherwise, but at least you could do acrobatics and try to do a dogfight. Okay. Now, you were mentioning you were in the Air Force at this time, so I'm assuming that's what inspired you to do this as your, your next game well, after Space Raiders? I, I actually sort of started on this even while I was in college at the U of U. I, I was, but it was something very rudimentary. I just wanted to do something that would update a horizon. Uh, anyway, but I've always liked airplanes, and I have a private pilot's license. I I was not a pilot in the Air Force. I, you know, I just fixed airplanes, but uh, I do have a, a private license. And so, yeah, I've always loved airplanes. Okay. And now I think I'll, I'll stop my share. And if, uh, Steve, if you want to bring up uh, some live gameplay footage, we can kind of talk over that as they actually uh, play it. And maybe Brian can mention a few things about the game itself. I, I guess, it, is it technically correct to call it a game or is it more kind of a cop cross between a simulation and a game? Like are the flight mechanics pretty realistic? I, yeah, yeah, I guess you'd say it's both. Uh, yeah, I mean, the char flight characteristics were pretty realistic and I, I, mean, I used uh, the equations that you use for drag and lift and all that. And I might say it was funny, when I was hired at Tandy, you could hook up to four computers to each other. And so some of the other guys that worked there, we would all hook them together and play. But obviously management had to limit our time doing that. 
um, it was sort of a time waster at work. But yeah, uh, what a way to earn money, right? This is right. <laughs> so Duke wasn't the first one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Rick, Rick Ulins with his uh, um, Shanghai, which is kind of like a Mahjong thing. That was also supposedly a lot of people playing at work and not getting anything done because of that game. So Rick yeah. Adams. Rick Adams, yeah. Rick Adams. Rick Adams. Now, now, when, since you use this this particular game or simulation, whatever you want to call it, as as part of your entry exam to Tandy, basically, did they ever express any interest of carrying this in Radio Shack stores? No, in fact, I wanted to do a flight simulator, and they sort of, you know, be, when they made me an offer, they they said, "Oh, we'll we'll consider that," but they, they didn't. I uh, I guess they they used third-party people for all that stuff and we were working on deskmate and that was a much bigger money maker for them i guess okay yeah because i think i'm trying to remember what time like greg zumwald did flight sim one for tandy for the coco and that would have been out i think before p51 after worlds of flight though if i remember so maybe right. they already considered they had one type of thing. by yeah by the time they hired me i guess they they weren't really they probably had already planned to retire the support for the color computer okay but it may be probably a lot of you are aware that just before they hired me they were in the process of making a, a new color computer three but it was something that would compete with an amiga that it was you know you know had nothing in common with color computer two it was a, a brand new computer and they said they got to where they had you know, it was almost done they they showed me this great big thing that you know emulated what the final computer was going to be because they didn't have you know the, the printed circuits for it but um and then they canceled it and i don't remember why but it was really depressing to the people that were working on it but then that became the uh, the color computer group that they hired me into and we were working on deskmate for the color computer yeah, when we interviewed Mark Siegel, he was kind of going through like the original, I think it was the Motorola RMS chipset they were going to use that was going to compete with the Amiga and stuff. But, uh, that sounds right. Yeah, and it sounded like that wasn't working with the 6809 as well as it was supposed to. And there's also cost issues, of course, which is a big tandy thing. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the him doing the game there. I mean, I guess, as you guys know, for a color computer, it's incredible to just be able to move everything uh, that smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, that fast. Like most of our flight sims, like you said, were one to two frames a second. Even flight sim two on the Coco three was two to six, depending on how complicated the train was. And this this is pretty well like real time. Yeah, and you like if you go up, I think your service ceiling was about thirty thousand uh, or twenty. I don't know, twenty eight thousand feet or something. But your climb just degraded as you got higher and higher. Um, uh oh, I see David's. So this is a father-son team playing right now. We have David and his son oh, Joshua cool. who are playing. So you want to say hi, David and Josh? Hey guys, oh, that's incredible that you have that working. As I was telling uh, Curtis that I have a couple of old color computers in our shed, but I my one of my grandchildren had me take it out, and I doubt that they would even run because they probably will. Yeah, they're pretty okay. solid. Yeah, they're. But you know, the shed gets really hot and humid at different times of the year. I don't know. 
I've ne I never even tried. Yeah, if you reseat the chips and like clean the board off in case there's like in you know an ant farm or something living in it, which we've seen before on <laughs> some others getting dragged right. out of barns and sheds, right. then then usually they end up working. I mean, you might have a couple of dead ram chips or something occasionally, but like if they're static or something, but they're pretty solid machines, honestly. They 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 capacitors stuff lost oh, a lot you, better than say Amigas do. Did you get them? Almost. Is there one little bullet hole there? I think I'm about to crash here. Yeah, there we go. Ouch. Oh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Another. Uh, Joshua wins first round. I might say one. Uh, I there were other programmers that awesome. were more skilled than I at this. Like for instance, you, the best way to do the sound was using an interrupt, and you would do a couple of. You know that way you could do the sound, and the game sort of simultaneously but on, on when i did it because i wanted the highest performance possible every time it makes a sound it just it's a very short sound yeah, and spending all the processor time making that little sound and then it goes back to the program and so that's why all the sounds on here are these little and so I, admittedly this sound isn't as great as it could be but as you mentioned, you were going for frame rate here. I mean, just watching it, and I've played Worlds of Flight even double speed on a Cocoa 3, and it's not this fast and smooth. So I'm just surprised Radio Shack, because this would have been a perfect opportunity for them. They could have sold the cable. They would be selling like, pairs of computers to, like, you know, siblings and stuff. I, they could have made a mint on this. So. Right. I I don't know, but they certainly were aware of it, because we were playing it at work. So <laughs> Tim Gilbert's asked, how did you hook up four computers? Um, yeah, you had to make the cable yourself, but they, it was like daisy chaining. They passed the data to each other. I don't remember exactly to be so honest. So it was the output from one computer went to the next, and the output that next, and the output the next, and then all the way around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're not There's actually a modern system that uh, Boise Pete designed called Ghidorah that does that. For the Cocoa as well. Yeah. yeah. So another reinventing something that was in the past we probably didn't even really realize. <laughs> like the token ring network? Yeah, token passing. <laughs> yeah. Well, even Tandy at one point was working on a, on a network card for the Cocoa, and I know Microware had prototypes of it. They were actually designing OS9 drivers for it, and then that got pulled, too. I think that was around the same time yeah. the Deluxe Cocoa, another canceled Cocoa project. Yeah. Brother Jeremy had one of those. Tandy, yeah. One of Tandy's cost-cutting... Cost Jesus, can't talk. One of their moves was to use twin lead instead of coax for the well, Ethernet side. Even us that worked at Tandy, what we got to check chuckle out of is those joysticks. As you know, they're not really well. Remember, I guess they really are a true joystick. It's their mouse was not a real mouse. It when you reached the end, you couldn't just continuously roll it. It had just one pot that, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, because if you hit zero, you can't go any further left, for That's example. That's zero, yeah. You had to pick it yeah. up and move it again? or. I remember they charged some ridiculous price for them, and they weren't even a real mouse, you know? It was... No, they were more like a deadly weapon with a steel ball in it. Those things are heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, the, the big – oh, but I remember – uh, of course, I learned a lot about Tandy when I was working there. That um, they, at the time, they had seven thousand stores, 
and they would boast that they had more radio shacks than there were McDonald's at the time. Wow. And when we were working on Deskmate, they said, yeah, what we initially do is we ship one copy of this to each store. And if each store can sell one copy, we consider it incredibly successful. So that was their power, their, their marketing power. By having a whole bunch of them all over the place, they only had to sell one or two of anything to get a, a pretty good return. And of course, the, what, what was bad was that their uh, profit, what do you call it? Anyway, their profit margin had to be pretty high to do that. And of course, that's what did them in eventually. Uh, right. They just couldn't, they couldn't make money by selling things at a competitive price with everybody else. And I bought a lot of those mandatory sales at the two ninety nine fire sale at the end of the Coco's life. Uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of those sales were at a net loss, I guess. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. It's it's hard to imagine seven thousand units being considered a success. That doesn't seem like a lot lot to sell. But again, I guess well, at fifty percent profit or whatever their margin was, maybe that's yeah. seven thousand times whatever. That's what they told us. I, I guess if I remember, they sold it for a hundred dollars. Uh, the desk, uh, deskmate for the Tandy One Thousand was came free with the computer, but you had to buy it for the color computers. I recall they charged a hundred dollars. Yeah, so did. that would be yeah. So is that what's a hundred times seven thousand? That's right. uh, seven. I don't know. What is Seventy. Seventy thousand. Seventy thousand. Yeah, Radio Shack's world was the Radio Shack stores, so it didn't matter what happened outside of Radio Shack stores. And, and we'll say, from my experience, as, even up know, here in Canada, most okay, Radio Shack stores sold more than one copy of Deskmate. Yeah. That's it's seven hundred thousand because, yeah, I'm I'm sure it cost them at least half a million to pay our group to write it, um, and, and I remember that Deskmate for the Tandy One Thousand. They figured cost them about a million dollars a year, uh, and, and you know that sounds like a lot, but yeah, if you just have ten programmers working on it, it that's what it's going to cost you. Now, a question for you then, because when you when you joined Tandy, you were were you specifically hired to work on Deskmate, or were you just hired in general? Well, I mean, I guess it's hired in general, but the project I was hired for because they were short. Uh, Actually, it was one other people just didn't turn out, and so I replaced them. It was for Deskmate for the color computer. And did you end up working on the Deskmate 3, like a Coco 3 version of it that added like 4080 column support and stuff? Or? No, no. Or, actually, I remember, yeah, they did come out, out with uh, a, an improved version, but this after we did the initial thing, the support for it, went to a group of programmers they had that were from India. So I, I frankly don't even remember exactly what they did, but I think they just fixed bugs. I, I don't I don't remember for sure. Okay, because uh, I, I do know they added the 48 comps, so like basically the Coco 3 graphics molds and stuff were added on Deskmate 3, which they sold to the same price, $100. Right. But after having done the work to squish De Deskmate into the Coco 2 screen, Putting it into a Coco 3 screen is kind of, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have been too <laughs> difficult. Now, what what was your personal, like, for, I guess two questions. How big was the Deskmate team for the Coco when, by the time the product came out? And then what what parts were you personally involved with? 
I, I'm, it was like six or eight people. I don't remember for sure, but I worked on the calendar app, which was not a particularly challenging uh, app to write, to be honest, but they just, they needed it done and they figured I could do it. And I did, and, and I surpassed their expectations. And so for the Tandy 1000, uh, me and one other guy worked on, they called it the core. It was all the core routines that all the apps would call. And it was, you know, a little bit harder because your stuff had to be rock solid because everybody was making calls to you. And if it didn't work, then nothing was working. I got a question for you. So like, um, you never thought about uh, 1999 coming? <laughs> you, you, you're talking about the Y2K thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all along, I thought, even before it happened, I thought that's overblown. I just thought it was ridiculous to think that all the programs were going to blow up. And I, I was working at <laughs> Sabre at the time, and they had a Y2K group. And <laughs> I mean... It, it, they just had to cover themselves to say, yeah, we did this. They didn't do very much. And of course, very little happened. Uh, and Deskmate was not, didn't work after, right after. Right. In, in fact, I think the DOS for the original PC, IBM PC, the, the date was only went to something like, I thought it was 1987 or something. <laughs> You know, uh, they they didn't figure the computer was going to be around that long, I guess. Well, now, OS 9 was a little weird because it just had a display problem. The the years was a byte after 1900. So instead of 2000, you got 19100 oh, as really? the year. Uh, so internally, <laughs> it was keeping track of the time past 2000 just fine. It just wasn't displaying. It, it just looked really weird. <laughs> we, we've since patched that, so it, it's good till 2155 now, but. But I, I do remember they had a DOS group at Tandy that, you know, their job was just to write a version of DOS uh, for their computers. And a guy in that group, they mentioned there is a, uh, a bug in the original IBM DOS that they just used one bit. I, I might not be saying this right, but it's like they used one bit to say if it had been more than a day since you had uh, turned the computer on. And if the, the computer had been on more, you know, for, for two days straight, then the clock would get off or something. It was, it was something like that because, you know, they were so cheap on memory back then. And they were gonna fix that, but there was some stuff that didn't work right. There was some stuff that depended on that bug existing. So it's just <laughs> the, the, bug, the bug dependency factor. Right. They had to keep they had to keep that bug in their version of DOS. Oh my I goodness! I think that's funny. Stevie, I'm going to share another screener because I've got you got some ads for the old uh, desktop. Okay, so should I stop the the split with um, the live demo at this point? Yeah, I think we've 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 seen 51. We can we can bring it okay. back a bit later if you want. Go ahead. To, but... Go ahead. I'm not sharing anything at this point, so. Okay, so here's the original ad for the uh, Cocoa 1 and 2 version of Decimate, which would have been the one you worked on the calendar for. Yeah. And as you mentioned, 100 bucks, seven programs in one, screenshot of it there. 
Now, obviously, this, maybe it's not obvious, but to me, it seems obvious, because Deskmate came out on the Tandy 1000 first, right? So this was kind of a port of the PC version? Or... Oh, okay. But, yeah, the first version of Deskmate for the Tandy 1000 was text-based. Text-based, right. It wasn't it the, had no the GUI graphics one. in it at all. And, of course, anyway, for the color computer, you know, we, we wrote all the routines from scratch in, in assembly code to do this. So so it's basically in uh, graphics mode and uh, we're putting all that text up there. Yeah, and you guys actually had a paint program in there too, which obviously the original Tandy Yeah, version. that's what I would have wanted to work on. The, the, guy, <laughs> the guy that was next to me in my cube, my cube mate, he was doing uh, the paint program and I was jealous because I frankly, I know I could have done a better job than he did but he did you know he, he did a fine job but i could have done it better yeah because it was more in your wheelhouse what you would, would like to have done yeah and like, like here it mentions at the end here that it was going to be available october 30th 85 i don't know how close to that ship that you guys actually hit or not but uh, okay that sounds right well i use this program extensively i use the um, index cards i use the telecom I used a calendar, I used uh, text, and I didn't use the paint so much because I had uh, other programs for that. Like Coco Max or something? Yeah. yeah. And um, on the text part on the Coco 2, um, in order for me to print a uh, invoice out, it had to wrap on the screen. So That's at first, it was very ugly <laughs> to see but I got so used to it, I knew when, um, you know, what I had to, how I had to format my invoice to, in order for it to print out properly. So when uh, the Coco 3 came out, it was full screen. Oh, man. I, I, just, I was just noticing in this ad that everyone else has a pretty big write up calendar has two lines <laughs> a simple, a, a, simple. A, a simple monthly calendar not not an advanced monthly calendar but a simple one boy how do i rate huh? now one thing i have to say i'm surprised about given your past and the fact that they hired you based on p51 is that they didn't get you involved with the telecom program something well, right actually no you know i i wrote my own stuff to do that i i wouldn't be good at a telecom program i'm an unusual person i could write stuff from scratch easier than i could learn how to use somebody else's code gotcha. um, so i actually telecom wouldn't have been good for me I, i'm better at graphics um, yeah. well i thought the calendar um the part at the top where you could search a date um, made the calendar worthwhile because then it was set up for the year you wanted oh well, good you know, when when it booted, the the calendar was wrong, and you'd have to go in and um, search for a date. Once that was in there, then you you had you were okay. And I remember, I learned. It actually, was the manager that told me that it existed. There's a an equation that's not really all that complicated that will give you, uh, you know, that will figure out leap year and all that for you. Yeah. so that you can say if i don't right. have a number of days from this date what will be the date and i was surprised you know, i thought i'd have to do a bunch of if statements but there's actually an equation that will do that 
Yeah, there's a divide by 400, divide by 100, divide by four, and they're all dependent on each other. There's something like yeah, that, from what I remember. And, and I remember looking up at the bottom floor of the Tandy Towers, you could walk underground to the library over there, the Fort Worth Library. And I remember looking up this, you probably all know this, but I didn't know at the time that what was it in like the year 1200 or something, they skipped a week to get the uh, the, the calendar in sync with, with, with the sun because they weren't doing leap uh, leap years and it right. gradually got Yeah, it would drift out. Yeah. I forget. There's a, a name for that calendar. Gregorian, like Gregorian, Gregorian. and uh, yeah. James uh, Jones has it in Zeller's Congruence. There's also the Julian calendar. Yeah, and I can't remember if I actually took into account that missing week or whatever it was. <laughs> but I remember having fun with that. That I would go, you know, like to the year 300 and the year 23, whatever, to make sure it all worked right. And like, who ever cared? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got to book an appointment for 300 AD here. Yeah. <laughs> Through next Tuesday, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, Ron, no, get I, on I, that I, brood up deuce decimate and check the year 1200. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do want to ask you a question. I do want an honest answer. I, I obviously have a bit of a skin in the game here, but this is uh, obviously written under OS 9. What was your opinion of OS 9? Had you used that before? Go, go. Um, if I did use it, it wasn't very much. Uh, uh, I mean, you had to buy that extra. That was a third party thing, right? Well, Tandy, I, well, Tandy, Tandy sold, sold it. Yeah. yeah. And and Decimate came with it, it ran under OS 9. So it was you, probably yeah, you got a free boot with the program. Well, I, I'm embarrassed. I remember it being a thing. But I mean, so all the program you did was um, just to get the program to work, and then somebody else put it in OS nine so it would work. Uh, I no, like I said, it well, was well, assembly code. We weren't. Yeah, we so your in. program assumed there was a clock. The reason there was a clock was OS nine. So it, it was kind of inherent in its design whether you. Yeah, I mean, stuff like file reads and writes should have been all done for you. You shouldn't have to do like raw talk to the disk controller. Like that okay. stuff should have been built in. Okay, the well, you know more than I do then. <laughs> <laughs> well, otherwise there wouldn't have been a clock. You would have had to write your own clock module okay. to okay. keep track of the time and the days. And yeah, it's. I remember oh, flex. I remember a thing called flex being a thing. Uh, yeah, that was kind of like the, the, the more popular one, the Cocoa 1 and 2, because the Cocoa Coco One Two had OS Nine Level One, but it was pretty cramped. It was it, it really shone on the Coco Three, but it sounds like you were out of Decimate by the time the Coco Three version of it came out. Um, but Flex was kind of like a single user, single tasking version of uh, a real operating system with decent API calls for the screen and disk and everything else. OS Nine was actually multi-user, preemptive multitasking the whole bit, but on a 64K machine, that was pretty limiting. Because, like you said, I wasn't. Well, nobody was working on Color Computer when they came out with the Color Computer 3. At least nobody at Tandy. Uh, everything they did was with third-party people. But, I mean, to my knowledge, a Coco 3 was a Coco 2 with a double. Uh, the, the the clock speed was double. Was there anything else that was Oh, tons. 
It had a whole new interrupt controller system. It had more advanced graphics that were actually beyond the 10D1000, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Memory, man. 64. It had EJ color palette with 16 colors on the screen at once, or more if you did tricks. Okay. Uh, up All to 512K of RAM, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All I cared about is that my game would run twice as fast now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this, this here is the first ad that they had where they advertised Decimate 3, which basically just at the bottom here just says designed exclusively with Powerly Color Computer 3, same features as Bubba with 4080. Oh, that's another thing that 4080 columns built into the Coco 3 as well. So basically, it, it switched up some of these apps, and Ron probably knows more about the Coco 3 version of Decimate and its improvements over uh, the Coco 1 and 2 version. Still 99.95. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got a funny story to tell you about. The guy that wrote paint for the oh this is the color computer yeah yeah so, okay but well, I, I can switch over to the uh the, one of the versions of Deskman here yeah for the tandy 1000 it was a different guy that wrote um paint for that and he was he was a very unusual guy i mean he was smart but he was ultra liberal and he claimed to be a pacifist but it, he he was very independent and he just didn't get along with people you know and he eventually quit and then i heard that like six months after he'd been hired by this other company he got fired for punching the uh man, man. <laughs> he, but he did it very, he did it in a very pacifist like way well there's one night while we were working on desk mate for the candy 1000 and you know this is like eight nine o'clock at night we're all working overtime and i just like two or three cubes for me i hear this unintelligible screaming and then i see a chair you know <laughs> those big chairs that people stand these shit in sit in i see that raised up above the cube thing and then it came crashing down and he <laughs> he was mad at the other guy for writing i guess he was writing some core calls too and they weren't working right and he was writing an app that was based on that and he was mad at that guy and this is that the pacifist <laughs> <laughs> the other guy sat there it was the the he he what he did is he wanted to make it look like he was going to throw the chair at the guy he uh -huh. wanted him to get scared but he threw it down onto the floor right beside him but wow. I mean, was his but, last name Gandhi by any chance? <laughs> I can't remember his name. No, it's Harold. We, Harold might, we might not want to say that on the air, just in case. There might be well, some. His name was Harold Cade, and I actually, he was an interesting guy. I had a lot of talks with him, but he, you didn't want to get him upset. <laughs> the chair thrower, huh? It's like the Incredible Hulk. You don't want to make him angry. Yeah. This is the text-based. Uh... Yeah, this. Yeah, is... this is the early one. I, the reason I picked this one in particular is because everybody knows Deskmate was built into the ROMs and some of the Tandy 1000s, but this was the first ad where they were selling it for other PC compatibles besides Tandy's, and it was two hundred dollars for the text-based version Ooh. back then. And this uh, is the twice first the price one. Of the Coca yeah, one. This is the first yeah. one I ever used. It came with my first Tandy 1000, and I was You're quite right. fond of it. I remember it. that was a big thing when they put it into the ROM, and you turn on the computer, and within just a couple of seconds it was up and you could be into it because it was so they took out ms basic and put in this might uh i think it was i think it was on the um like the ex line that had the keyboard built in where it kind of looked like a coco i don't think the full size tandy 1000s did because they still 
I think the Tandy 1000EX, which was the low-profile one, I think it had like DOS yeah. in ROM. Well, and... They had a ROM menu that would come up. Ah, okay. Mm. okay yeah. I'm embarrassed. And... You guys remember Ooh. better than I do. Yeah. Now, I remember this version distinctly because my first Tandy 1000 had this, but then, and I was working at Radio Shack at a time, and then when the new version came out that was graphically based, I just copied the floppies from work and brought them home and loaded them on my hard drive. But, And that graphical version was cool because it's hard to remember, this was before Windows really became a thing, right? So yeah. to have this productivity suite that had more than one program under one hood, that you could switch between spreadsheets and text editing and, and terminals and all that kind of stuff. There, this, be, this would become like what would be called Microsoft Works, which was that utility suite, and Apple Works had one of those things. But there weren't a lot of these on the PC at the time, especially in the um, especially on the Coco, because I didn't know this existed on the Coco, because I first saw this on the Tandy 1000. I, I was tickled pink with this program, especially the graphical one. Um, yeah, this is a previous to the grab. You see, there's not even a paint program listed. Yeah, yeah, so. but and I had played around right. with that paint program, and I had even used my old Coco mouse to steal ball one on my Tandy 1000 because there was a driver you could get for that that would let you run your joystick mouse, uh, and wow. and I would paint pictures with the mouse on that program. It was really neat. If you think of it, back in the day, um, you'd, you'd have like WordStar, Paint Shop, or a paint program, and it'd have a. a com program to get on for com and they were all separate yeah yeah this was all together yeah you're right for, for a little while it, uh tandy was ahead of the curve there and i remember them you know uh microsoft windows was coming out and we had advanced copies of it and we would look at it and obviously imitate parts of it um but it didn't take microsoft very long for to surpass us of course yeah, well, they had a few more than six days. Yeah, they, they had more than eight people working, and and, <laughs> right. and probably none of them were pacifists, so no chairs were being slammed around. So. <laughs> and it was before I was hired, they told me that Bill Gates would come down sometimes and actually visit them in the Tandy Towers, because he oh. was very uh, interested in the success of the, uh, like the Tandy 2000 and 4000, those, that, that was their high-end computers. That he wanted them to be successful because they would it's those computers that would be able to run windows because it, you know that's because his butt was in the ads <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway windows <laughs> just ran so slow that it, 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 it had a lot in it but it ran slow yeah you needed more more yeah. cpu to drive it yeah well, these, these suites, even on the Coco, got a bit popular because I know, like, besides Deskmate from Tandy, there was another one uh, from originally Soft, Softlaw, I guess, uh, VIP suite, which had a VIP right. terminal and VIP spreadsheet and COM program and even a disk editor, which is kind of going a little bit overboard. But um, it was a popular one. It'd be brought up a little graphical screen with a little bookshelf, and each of your apps was a little book on the shelf. You move this little hand over and select it, and you'd you know, launch whatever program. And it even had some interplay between them. You could take a a text processing document you did in VIP writer and then send it to somebody in VIP terminal or whatever. So I can show that screen if you want. I'm sure I'll stop sharing here. Yeah. Well, that's right. The copy paste buffer sort of interchanged and stuff, didn't it? So you were so uh, Brian, you worked on both the um, text and graphical Tandy 1000 versions of Deskmate? No, just the graphical version. Oh, just the graphical version. Okay, there's yeah. the VIP library that Ron's showing off there. Yeah, which was kind of a third party alternative to Deskmate. Right. Oh, okay. And I guess with that little bookshelf up there is how you switch between the modules? 
yeah, yeah. you move that little hand pointer and you just you know launch the writer the calc the yeah. database and whatever yeah. else speller speller it just always seemed odd to me they threw a disk zap program that's kind of dangerous for users to yeah. have <laughs> yeah. let me go trash my disk right now <laughs> So I, I guess my next question is you worked on, on Dustmate for the Tandy 1000 series. So how long did you stay at Tandy? About five years. And and what else did you work on? Or was that just, you know, working on Dustmate and updating I, it I and whatever else? The first year was Dustmate for the color computer. And the rest of the time after that was Dustmate for the Tandy 1000. We'd enhance it a little, you know, each year. Did you have a 1000? Yeah, yeah, we we did, and uh, I Which remember. Which one did you have? Do you remember? I think it was. Didn't we have a twenty one thousand? We must have. I think. I was going to, you know, like you said, there was the the low end one where the keyboard was built in with the rest of the computer. HX. Yeah, I don't think we had that, but I remember our. Our kids were little at the time, and I bought a Radio Shack printer that was discontinued, and and they would just have fun printing out, uh, you, know, dino, you know, outlines of dinosaurs and whatever. Hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was. I am sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> that's that's all right. Yeah. Did Radio Shack ever give you guys anything? I mean, you know, did machines you, or anything? If you wanted software or stuff, you know, for at home for your kids or whatever, for the cocoa or whatever. No, I mean, in general, they were pretty cheap, but. <laughs> in general, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember uh, they would give us a turkey at Thanksgiving. That's the only place I've ever worked at where they gave you an actual turkey. Okay. And once a year they would just have a, a sale of all the stuff that they weren't using anymore and they and so you could that's where i got that printer you know and i got it pretty cheap and i remember i, I bought a, a drafting table real cheap that way that that and they had good company picnics i like like them but other than that they were yeah they, <laughs> and, and i remember the uh, you know the, the the original tan what is it charles tandy was the original dude that yeah um they say the famous quote from him you know he was a marketing man and he said whiskey is for selling not for drinking which i guess is that like an old saying that you guys have heard of before no that would be a texas thing yeah <laughs> okay which i had a little bit hard Time I, I kind of get it. You you, you kind of don't want to you don't want to take the merchandise and give it to the employees because you're not making well, any money get, if you do that. You get the client drunk. You don't get drunk yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I I didn't understand the saying. It sounded like a negative thing, and then I had to have one of my coworkers explain it to me. He says, "People look, Brian. See, I don't drink. I'm a very straight laced guy, and and that sound that that saying wouldn't be politically correct today, but." in his day it's just his point is something that you really enjoy and like it's not for you to consume it's for selling he's just and to him whiskey was something very desirable and he's saying hey don't worry you know that's not, not for, for me, me. Yeah. it's to sell to people he was all about selling mm -hmm. um i don't know 
<laughs> so do, do, did you continue programming computer software for other companies in the years that followed Tandy? Yeah, I next went to uh, American Airlines, which that was cool because you could get flying benefits and you could fly. Our whole family flew, flew to places really cheap. It was like for $7 a person. Okay. Holy cow. It was just, uh, they called it non-revenue flying. It was enough to cover the cost of the meal they feed you and the added fuel that your, your weight on the airplane. Oh, wow. Very much, you know. But anyway, for anywhere from like 7 to $20, you could go to different places. Okay. But that, that's was, pretty cool. But, but you had only, to sit on the wing. Well, <laughs> In the luggage right. rack. Only if, <laughs> only if there was space, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you would sometimes not make it on the plane, and yeah, it was, it was more like a standby kind thing. Kind of a will, call, a will call standby type thing, where if, right, they, if they had right. a, they had a slot, you get it for cost, basically. But what, would, what would you be computing at American Airlines? That the first I actually worked there for like a year and then came back. The first time it was for this little um, handheld computer type thingy it looked like a big lack a, a big thick laptop because this was a long time ago and it was for the flight attendants to do the duty-free sales on international flights which i found it incredible <laughs> that, that it was worth having a you know there's like six or seven of us working on that and it's like but they said oh well we i remember they said they sold about a million dollars worth of duty-free sales a year and, and they figured by having some high-tech computer, people would b buy more of it and it would make it easier for the flight attendants. I, anyway, back then, I guess the <laughs> airlines wanted to be glitzy, and they figured that would get more passengers. Of course, now okay. the philosophy is just the opposite. They are trying to save costs everywhere because they found out that's what people go for is the lowest price ticket. Mm -hmm. right. But that was sort of fun because we would it was fun that this computer was being used on the airplane and we would go to the caterer and put the computers in those little food carts that the, uh, the caterers have. Well, but, wasn't American the easy saver people? So they did the early online booking and all of that. So oh, yeah, they were, yes, they were really upfront on the, we're, we're techno. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're really into high tech stuff, but, but that's all I did. But again, well, that that was, that was considered the point of sale, right? Yes, a point of sale device. Right. And, and to be honest, uh, I was not, I loved the flying benefits, but the actual coding that I was doing was a step down from what I was doing at Tandy, to be honest. You know, it wasn't as complex. And so I left there. Oh, I actually went back to Tandy, which it turned out terrible. Because <laughs> Like a year after that is when Tandy sort of they dis they disbanded their uh, programming group. They had no programmers, so um, I got laid off there. And then I worked for Micrographics, which was my dream to work for a real graphics company. But that was I learned a lot, but they were at least at the time that. For a while there, they're a high flag company that they did Windows Draw, which was the first real drawing program for the PC. And then they did Designer and Charisma and ABC Flowcharter. And they were all 
well, I was hired for charisma. Actually, of all those, charisma didn't do so well. But the first version of charisma sold well. But by the time I was working on, they, when you know, by the time they hired me, uh, charisma was a uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, the things that you make slideshows with. Okay, like a PowerPoint. Right. It, it, it competed yeah. with PowerPoint, and by that time, Microsoft was, you know, had most of the power. With PowerPoint was was popular, and tried competing with that. You know, uh, so, so what kind of languages were you using then? It, it was in C plus plus. Okay. For but eighty six. Yeah, but anyway, they. To be honest, I was one of the weaker programmers there at Micrographics. They had some really smart guys and so it was really humbling and most of them didn't like me <laughs> well hopefully they didn't throw chairs at you anyway no they didn't throw chairs at me but most of them just felt like you don't belong here you're not good enough which mm. was really depressing but so it was uh, a boys club huh yeah but then i went to i went back to saber it wasn't american airlines anymore saber broke off from american airlines and everything worked out great because the, they have good programmers but they're not the high-flying prima donnas like micrographics and i fit in just real well and and they emphasize uh because at a travel company they have programmers from all around the world all different cultures and so they emphasize getting along with each other you know everybody was nice to each other you know okay it, it, i really enjoyed working there and then I left there when I wrote um, about 11 years ago. I enjoyed there, but I wrote this uh, program called uh, the Superstar Sequencer that does synchronized lights for uh, Christmas lights. Oh. Uh, it, it, at least it it's for the pixels. Anyway, back then I was the only good pixel, uh, only good program that would do pixels. Now there's some competition. And, and frankly, my sales have gone down. But at first, it I, I did real well. So you're still doing that to this day? Yes, yes. And I'm I'm 65, so I'm sort of tapering off. Uh, <laughs> I don't work as hard as I used to. <laughs> now, is it is a one man shop you're doing this, or do you have some other people that you're going to pass the company on well, to when you retire? A, a company called Lightorama bought it from me, and so it's not mine anymore. But I'm the only one working on it, and they let me do what I want. So. It just marketed through them, and he anyway. My source of income is royalties from the sales of that program, but it's it's part of a suite of stuff of Lightorama's software suite. Have you have you done anything with uh, uh, Raspberry Pis or anything? Uh, my son has. I I know. See, I'm unusual. I can. There's some stuff in my program that is, I'm very creative. I can come up with novel solutions to stuff. And my son has shown me a Raspberry Pi and I just not, have no interest in it. I, I, don't, I just don't. Um, and what is it? Uh, a lot of people in the uh, Christmas light, the, Chris, uh, the synchronized Christmas light stuff, they use, uh, what is it? Arduino. Well, God, now I can't remember what it's called. What? I don't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> Is it a controller? 
of some kind? Yeah, what do they call it? It reminds me of a Raspberry Pi, but it's because isn't a Raspberry Pi the processor designed for cell phones? Yeah, it's an ARM processor. Yeah. An ARM. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I. I can't, yeah, there, I can, there's a, there's a bunch of embedded systems and microcontrollers. Yeah. So there's there's, see, there's uh, I know the the technical guys know how to use them and it works great. And I have no interest in learning it. Um, right. Well, we we got a guy in the community, uh, Rick Adams, who did uh, Arduino is one of the ones that's out there. And I think that's what Ron had asked you, and that's what Mark Siegel's asking. Um, but so Rick Adams, who did stuff for Tandy back in the day, he's done stuff with Raspberry Pis where he's created custom um, panel screens and then animated those. And he used to have uh, stuff in his windows where he would have, to, for the different seasons, he would have snowflakes falling and it would show you the time and the temperature yeah. and all these things. And he built all his custom panel displays from individual leds and he programmed all that on on the raspberry pi because that was just what interested him you know so there are people who do that kind of tinkering yeah yeah i i have two sons and the one is big on the raspberry pi and the other one has done stuff on our, our arduino yeah and what he did is something that would automatically do the lights on his aquarium oh neat i thought that, yeah and it would dispense the food but i just you know, it would gradually dim the lights when it got to the evening because yeah. you want to be as realistic as possible. Were you thinking of the FPGA, maybe? No. FPGA is just a programmable hardware, right? Uh, Tim Gilbert mentioned the word beagle bone. I don't know what the heck that is, beagle bone. I wonder if that's a European. Yeah, that's a, the, the beagle bone was another one of those little things. Oh, a microcontroller? Like you had there basic it. stamps and... Actually, the BeagleBone's a lot, and... lot more like the uh, a Raspberry Pi because it has the one I have has an SD card. I have a BeagleBone Black it has mm. an SD card, boots a version of Linux. This is really a lot like a Raspberry Pi. Mm. So what we need really to do is be up. real um, creative on the names of these devices, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it should not be Google under any circumstance. <laughs> and make sure you misspell it. Yeah, no, well, pick a common name. You know, BeagleBone. That'll that'll mix in with. 10,000 dog toys. No one will ever find it. <laughs> but that's neat. They So you're still programming to this very day. That is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. That's escaped me. It'll come to me eventually. Yeah, that's fine. It's not that important. Um, and, and earlier when you guys were talking about Charles Tandy and that phrase being a, a Texas phrase, uh, Mark Siegel, who also worked at Tandy, uh, mentioned that uh, Charles Tandy was actually from New York before he, oh, really? before he made his way to Texas. Yeah, so uh, He definitely became a larger-than-life presence in Texas. I mean, they made statues yeah. of him and stuff. So. Yep. Right, right. Well, that's one of them down-home things I remember from back home in Dallas, so... I don't know if he picked it up there or if I picked it up from him or what, but anyway. Brian, Somebody picked did, it up how somewhere. Did, how did right? you find us? Or, or... Oh, well, you guys found me. Oh. Yeah, somebody actually uh, had found you on Facebook and, and had, had talked to you before I did and, and had asked you, were you the guy that wrote P51? Yeah. And then he... Just out of the blue, I said, yep, that's me. <laughs> So then he caught in contact with me. He said, "I got, I found him because I've, I've been trying to find original authors of a lot of the old software and stuff, um, and uh, you know, setting up these interviews and things." So uh, he got me in contact with you, and that's what kind of yeah. No, that's cool. I appreciate this, um, and 
Yeah, to my knowledge, I might be the only Brian Bruderer in the whole country. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem these days is a lot of people are quitting Facebook, so you can't find people there now. And if they don't have a, a social presence somewhere else, how do you find them? So, Do you have any friends from uh, back in the day that um, would be interested in us that knew, uh, worked with the color computer or anything? Or? Uh, not that I know anymore. We... Uh, that color computer group, we actually did get together like in the late 1990s at somebody's house, and that was fun. But since then, I've lost track of them all. So you had a local uh, color computer club? Well, th there was one that met in that library that I would go to you know, when I worked at Tandy. But this was just one of the employees just said, hey, you, you guys all want to come over to my house and at least the ones that still lived near here we all went there yeah, it was neat. for software swapping wasn't it <laughs> Tell the truth. those are it's called distributed backups yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i i must say i i got a different view of that when i sold my p51 mustang game because Right. I met, you know, I I met two or three people who said, oh, yeah, that's a really cool game. I have it. And then when I would check into it, none of them had bought it. <laughs> <laughs> they had it, but they didn't buy it. Uh, and you didn't yeah. spend any time on copy protection, obviously. They're trying to hack the disk and everything else, right? So. Um, well, I didn't. It was Dominic <laughs> Software. I think he had something that was supposed to protect it, but obviously there were ways around it. Oh yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. So yeah, that was just a delaying tactic. Is really all that ever measured up to be, no matter what platform you're on. There's, there's very few things that never got kid, the more honest. That there's another funny thing there. I remember, I would call up and talk to Tom Mix once in a while, and he had a secretary. I mean, he he worked out of his house. He wasn't a big operation, but he had a, you know, some secretary that would normally answer, and she said something. I don't know. Somehow I knew that that she said uh, something about that they were had mistakenly shipped a, a bunch of their discs with no copy protection on them. And and then I talked to uh, Tom Mix and he says, oh, no, that's not true. She's mixed up. Well, you know what was happening. Yeah, yeah. He, he told her to tell people that so they would think it wasn't copy protected. Mm hmm. Okay. But so do you have any nostalgia for the old stuff now? Do you have fond memories from that? And do you play around with any retro emulation or anything? Or are you just mostly focused on modern stuff? I mostly focus on modern stuff. But interestingly, uh, one of my son's kids love all the old games. And that he's the one that had made me get my computers out of the shed because he wanted to look at them. So it, it's interesting that there's, I'm sure you guys are aware of it more than me, there's a resurgent of, of in, interest in the older yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> and and su surprisingly, there's a lot of younger people, younger than you would expect, that yeah. are into it now. People in their 20s and 30s are into retro. Um, yeah, well, like my grandson, he's 12, you know? Yeah. So. 
Matter of fact, when we were we were just at a hamcation in Orlando last weekend, and I overheard some guys that could not have been thirty years old going, "Yeah, I hope I find some old computer stuff here." So it was a group of millennials hoping to find that rare treasure at this hamvention swap meet thing that we were at. Um, and so I'm thinking, man, it's it's just it's been ruined. Everybody wants vintage stuff now. You can't go anywhere without somebody trying to so, get the scoop on you. You know, have many of did many of you guys see the there's a Christmas. Uh, there's a movie called eight bit Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With Doogie Howser. Yeah. 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 I got a kick out of that one. That brought back memories. Yeah. What's Neil so, Patrick Harris is his real name. Sorry. I couldn't help. couldn't yeah. think of that for a second. He's, he's so always going to be have, Doogie Howser as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> do, do you have any, uh, any, you know, inclinations of maybe getting back and doing some retro programming? Like some of the other authors have come back after 20, 30 years, they're retired now. And they, they miss the simpleness of having total control of the computer. Like if you're programming for modern machines, you have no idea what's going under their hood. It's all Windows or Linux doing everything in the background. And some of them have just been getting back to the simplicity of, of doing that just for fun. Have you given any thought oh, you, you've got a point, but I hadn't thought of it. I've programmed so much. I'm you just want to retire, play. retire. Yeah. <laughs> you want to stare at a blank wall for a while? Type of thing? <laughs> you want you want to do some pacifist moves, maybe slam some chairs on some people? Or... <laughs> yeah, well, my wife and I would like to travel is what we yeah. do. Actually, that was a question I was going to ask you. When you were getting those really cheap flights, when you were doing the work for Sabre and stuff there, what was the best trip you guys managed to make in one of those cheap flights? Well, see, we had five kids and, you know, I made decent money, but it, it still had to stretch our money. And so we would go on day trips because like we went to uh, Washington, D.C. We went to New York and saw the, you know, Statue of Liberty and went up the Empire State Building Philadelphia. and Philadelphia and, you know, tried to make it be semi educational stuff for the kids. But staying in a motel was expensive. The flying was cheap. So we would leave on the first flight in the morning and come back on the last flight at night on a Saturday. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the cheapest thing to do. And, and we, went, we went to Utah several times and we went to California and stuff. And we, oh, yeah, we went to Hawaii twice. For a day. <laughs> no, 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 there we I'd stayed. like to see the Hawaii day trip. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that had, that was about a week was all though. And my wife and I went to England and, and then went on a cruise on the way back. They call them destination uh, cruises where you, you know, leave in a d different place than you arrive and they're a lot cheaper. So we got, and, and we actually were able to fly first class which was really cool now you pay more but as i recall it was only like between one or two hundred dollars to fly to london first class well why don't you uh get your wife to come in the view so we can see what she looks like <laughs> maybe she doesn't want to <laughs> no, maybe she doesn't hey hello yeah hey. this this is vicky hi she hey. she's put up with a lot through the years well, we've been married for a long, nice long time. Nice to meet you, Vicky. Nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, we've been married for almost 41 years. Wow. Okay. And thanks. So did you ever feel like a computer widow, Vicky, at times, like when he's working overtime and stuff? Or? <laughs> yeah, well, what the, the problem is, is my field of interest is totally different, but a lot of our kids are into the computer. 
And so they'll all be talking computer talk and laughing, and I just sit there and smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, I remember dating stuff better than anybody, probably. She's a medical technology technologist. She works in the lab at hospitals, and it just it's disappointing that none of our kids became interested in medical stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That's another. So you're like doing uh, blood samples and testing and stuff like that, then that type of thing. Yeah. 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 My mom was the same thing. She was a lab tech up here until she retired too. So. Yeah. Yeah, and she just retired last summer. So. Oh, she beat you to it then. Yeah. So now <laughs> my dad I'm, did the same thing. Thanks for letting Brian out to play today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason, you said you're. Your mother did the same thing. Uh, my my father did the same thing. Uh, oh. but he retired. He retired about ten years ago. Uh. My wife works at uh, um, an Alzheimer's research lab. Oh, and, uh, well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I yeah I it's changed. The laboratory field has really drastically changed in the last several years. Yeah, yeah I can believe it. High tech now. Yes, yeah, very much high tech. When I <laughs> first trained we had a few instruments but it was mostly everything was done by hand and now most things are done by machines but they still want you to know how to do things by hand just in, just case. in case yeah yeah my yeah. mom did that because she did her training in 1963 i think when she started oh, so she yeah. was right at the beginning of it there so yeah no i did my training in 1980 79 80. you, you didn't go to uh take any computer at school did you because uh my wife uh she she took computer and did the uh, punch cards. Oh yeah, I no. Um, in fact, it was the uh, the second year I was out of school and I was working in the hospital. I was working at. In fact, it was a University of Utah hospital, and that's where I met Brian. Um, they started bringing computers, and so the patient charts were on computer then rather than just notebooks. And so we would have to put results into the computer. And it, uh, it to me, it was very time consuming because you'd put, you'd write down all the results on a piece of paper and we'd put them all in basket and one person would sit there full time and put everything, enter everything into the computer. But she, that was the first time I'd really learned much about the computer. She's a good computer user. I'm, I can program some stuff at the low level, but I get confused with user interfaces just as much as anybody. <laughs> and I have her come and help me a lot of times. I just installed Windows 11 and it's like, where did they put everything again? Now we got changed again. Yeah, yeah no, my, my laptop, I just put in Windows 11 and uh, I was sort of scared at oh, first on wondering what things would be different. Some things I like better before and some things I like better this way. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think they're just doing change for the sake of change at this point. There's no real reason behind it. I wish yeah. they'd stop and just, you know, if something works really well, leave it alone. Yes, if it don't broke, don't fix it. That's it. <laughs> Amen. So have you got like one of your big trips already planned or are you guys still kind of feeling your way through what you want to do? Well, our our big one is with the synchronized life stuff. The majority of people are in the United States of the majority of my customers. Um, but there's a few internationally and there's this guy in Italy that just really 
likes me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and and he he's invited us to uh, go visit him, and I, I, we we think we'd like to take him up on that. Uh, yeah, as soon as COVID, you know, yeah, wearing yeah. its head and stuff. Yeah, maybe but. not this year, but <laughs> next summer, because got to do it soon before we get, Too you know, old. while we have reasonably good health. You, yeah. you know what you need to do is um, you need to get the cocos out and fixed up and set up for your kids, your grandkids, and then you need to share with us the results of that. And it'd be cool to see them kids on the cocos. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, it would be a neat shot. Yeah, I like I said that one grandson. Uh, he would enjoy it because for Christmas he got you know they have little game consoles that emulate the old Nintendo's mm -hmm. now, and that's what he got. He he likes the old games. Yeah, I mean, if you're ever inclined to do so, we wouldn't mind having you come out like the the, the annual Coco Fest, which is the successor to the Rainbow Fest that you went to in the 80s, are still going on. And they're still in Chicago and they're still, you know, in the spring. Oh, really? Yeah. So the next one here is May 14th and 15th of this year. And they're already wow. planning the 2023. So if you ever had a chance to pop by there and just say hi for a day, that'd be and great, too. Oh, that, that would be interesting. That sounds, that sounds fun. I like Chicago. And, but, and this last one is always called the last one. <laughs> yeah, it's an ongoing joke. It's a what are we on now? The twenty eighth last. We're on the, we just had the 29th, so this will be the thirtieth. Okay. And we actually skipped a year because of COVID. So technically, it's been going on for thirty years already. But the, the funny thing with that first Chicago convention we went to is uh, we went there by train to save money because we didn't have much money, and we had two really little kids, and I bought a bunch of copies of my game on cassette as i recall and and they charged i don't know they charged something like six hundred dollars for a booth didn't they i don't know it was something expensive. yeah rainbow is expensive it's a lot cheaper now <laughs> and then the uh and then it was at some fancy uh, hotel that was you know yeah, the high regency woodfield yeah right across and, from the mall I, I don't remember exactly, but you know I think it cost us at least nine hundred dollars, and that was a, a almost exactly what I sold. So we broke even by going there. But of course, the big valuable thing is uh, that's where I met Tom Mix, and you know one thing led to another. So yeah, then you got seven thousand dollars out of it after three months. So that made it worthwhile. Uh, the trip is promoting yourself is what you were doing, right? And I guess that's why people go to these conventions or you rub you rub elbows and you talk to others and you get ideas right and yeah and you see what everybody else is doing yeah yeah you get jealous yeah. like th this year for example uh grant uh I, I don't remember what the tables and stuff cost for exhibitors like, it's way like cheaper than 15 bucks. bucks 15 yeah, 15 bucks, bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and attending the show this year for the first time is free I mean, we're not even charging for people to come in to, to attend so oh wow and we're at a much cheaper hotel than the High Regency Woodfield, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks a night. <laughs> it's a, what, a Holiday Inn, I think? And McDonald's is catering. Oh, <laughs> and uh, we're not going that cheap there, Ron. <laughs> there is a 7-Eleven within walking distance. It's Shelby O'Bill Beer Tavern or something. Yeah, there is there is a uh, there's a, a bar tavern place on, on property that's really good. Well, so you said that's May 14th and 15th? Yes. Is that right? Can Th I this that year, right? yes. 13th and 14th, isn't it? It's 14th and 15th. 14th and 15th? Yeah. And it's Grant, in... you should know you're running the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all one big weekend for me. 
It's in Elmhurst, Illinois, so it's not in Chicago proper, so you don't have to worry about getting stabbed or anything, you know. So. Oh, it's near O'Hare, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's near yeah. O'Hare. Elk, yeah, Elk right Grove. Off the end of the Elk, it's, El, is it Elgin or Elk Grove? Is it Elgin, Illinois? Elk, Elk, it's Elk Grove. Grove. I Elk want to Grove. say Elm Grove because that's a local suburb here, yeah. but it's Elk, Elk Grove. Elk Grove, Illinois. So it's 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 nice. It's good. And if if you're still worried about cost type things here, I mean, uh, if some of us that are actually driving down or you know have cars and stuff there, we'd be happy to pick you up at the airport too. So, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, and there's shuttle service from the airport and all yeah. kinds. Of, it's pretty close to the airport. Yeah, matter of fact, there was a volunteer in the live chat saying, if you get your cocos out of the shed and they're not working, we've got a lot of very capable repair people here who would volunteer to fix your old cocos for you. If, wow. Uh, uh, I think that was uh, AC's eight bit zone was one of the yeah, ones who had offered to do to do that for you. So. Gosh, pretty they're pretty darn resilient, though. Yeah, they are. Right. Uh, although I, my original cocoa, I've told this story before. My original cocoa I found in my parents' garage, and it needed a little bit of help, but it works now. Yeah, I we first have you have to hook it up to an old TV, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, 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 this <laughs> we were talking about that before you joined the call today, because it's just a little adapter. I think Jason was thinking about selling here for right. Like you don't need the switch box. You can just get a coax to RCA converter tip. Yeah, you don't want the switch. You don't box want the switch anymore. box. That introduces all the, the noise. Yeah. Oh, the key. Yeah. The key is now that you you may have to make sure you have a television with an analog tuner, because some of them don't have them anymore. Right. The channel three or four, but that's. Didn't we give one to Mark? Yeah. That... Goodwill. Yeah. yeah good goodwill. They're out there. Goodwill. Yeah. Goodwill. Yeah. Eligible for free coupon digital TV converter box. There you go. There you go. So David's holding up the thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a coax F connector to RCA. Mm-hmm. So it, it screws onto one side and it gives you the little mini RCA input. And so you take that normal gray cord from your Cocoa plug-in into that and then boom, you're on. And because there's no competing analog broadcast anymore, you're going to get a real clear picture because there's nothing else in the in that broadcast spectrum, you know? In most markets. In most markets. <laughs> there are some, there are, the, the VHF 2 to 6 is not very desirable for digital, but there are a few places... Uh, Including here, the, the the PBS station is broadcasting on Channel Four in digital. Mm, okay. Yeah, and it's not working well for them, by the way. Hmm. Yeah, open open invite to you if you ever want to pop by. It doesn't have to be this year. If you guys can make it, that'd be great. Yeah, come 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 as a guest, or I'm sure we could. If you want to do a presentation, we could get you set up as a keynote speaker, or even just a guest speaker, or whatever you'd like to do. I'm sure people would love to meet um, meet and greet. Yeah, I can't guarantee you will come, but. Uh, can, can you table? message me? Yeah, yeah. We'll send you the info to the Glenside Color Computer Club. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And it's annual, so like any, it's any every year. Yeah, it doesn't have to every be this year or anything if it's too short on notice. So. Yeah. You're definitely welcome. Well, it's been okay. great having you on. Does anybody have any more questions for Brian or anybody in the in the live audience and anybody here on the panel? Or in the chat. In the chat. I'd love to say a few words if I could. Yes. Who's that, David? Yes, it's me. Um, just uh, wanted to mention, uh, Brian, uh, my friend Perry is the guy that reached out to you and, and found you on Facebook first. And so I want to say thank you to Perry. He's actually not on the call right now, but he's going to watch the show later tonight. Yeah, big uh, thanks to Perry for reaching out to me. On that. Yeah, that was really cool. And, and uh, it's great. I'm glad you took the time to come on the show. I want to thank you for doing that. P51 
actually holds a pretty pretty special place in my heart and for Perry as well. It's a, a game that we played with each other as high school kids and it blew our minds that it was even possible to have two separate computers knowing where the planes were, uh, talking through the serial code, but all oh, it seems sensible enough now, but to high school kids it was it blew our minds that it was possible. And then to do it over a modem when you could be far away, that was one of the reasons why we bought modems, because we wanted to play P51 against each other without having to drive a mile to get to each other's house. So I just want to thank you for programming the game and all the memories it brought back, uh, making the cable this week and showing my son how to play. We had a blast. He actually didn't want to let me switch to playing Space Raiders at all because he wanted to keep playing P51. <laughs> now. So, um, That's yeah, really fun to hear. Right on. Uh, Actually, we, your your twelve year old grandson's interested. Maybe get him into P fifty one, and they can they can play. Well, we should, we should also Josh. mention that we're going to make Space Raiders the game of the week this week. So we also do this thing where we have the game of the week, and we get a lot of people to, to get together and play it all throughout the week and send screenshots of their high scores. So we have a whole community collaborative thing where we play a game a week, and then we review who got the best scores the following week. So this week's game is going to be Space Raiders, and then we'll be talking about it again next week. And so, spoiler if, alert! If if by any chance, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, because we might stealing Ken's thunder. Well, Brian might not be here for the whole next right. segment. But if there's any chance, maybe you could jump on next week for a little bit, just when we talk about that, that game again. That would be cool to have you on for that too, if you're available. So, um, um, hey, Ken, sure, how, how many people do we usually have? Uh, 19, 20, depending on the game that that participate on a weekly basis. Thanks, Ken. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that part. <laughs> It fluctuates, uh, um, but uh, a, a regular week is in the high teens, low twenties. Yeah, and and I apologize. My wife doesn't know how I get through life without her. That I, I I knew this this meeting was coming up, and I went and looked at the message, and it says, "Ah, oh, we'll be meeting at one p.m." And I forget I forgot to look at the EST. <laughs> well, that, that meant that meant one p.m. estimate estimated. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was a half hour early and I was a half hour late, so I. Yeah. We just call that one ish. One ish, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. We've had people delay here. from power failures and all kinds of things before. So. Yeah, now, that's what that's why we have to do everything on Florida time for Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're available next week, it wouldn't be for the whole show. It wouldn't be for like a couple of hours, like today. It'd just be to pop in for the game segment. I could even like send you a message a little bit early during the show to say if you want to pop on for five ten minutes, just to have people discuss what they thought of your game, and uh, maybe you can give me a little programming insights or something to it if you remember anything at the time. And uh, you're you're invited to. You don't have to. Don't feel like it's a necessity thing. But if if you have the free time and you want to, please feel free. Yeah, that would be fun. Cool. Or you can also just lurk to see what people thought. Yeah, you can just lurk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. lurk in the chat. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you thank both. You. Thank you both. It was great. Um, awesome. Cool. Yeah, so if you can join us next week, that would be great. But, yeah, that was great. Uh, I love how we got to hear about not only the Coco side of things, but we got to hear some deskmate stuff and some behind the scenes at Tandy. But and, and then chain or chair throwing pacifists. That was yeah, my favorite. Yeah, I mean, part. It, 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 it's almost starting to sound like professional wrestling. You know, I just get the whole cage match thing going and <laughs> whole Geraldo new, thing going on. Yeah. That, that's a new hashtag chair throwing pacifists. Chair throwing pacifists. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. All right. Now who's well, going to have the P51 set up at Coco Fest? 
we 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 should do that. We should yeah. um we should get two computers set up with a no modem cable at Cocoa Fest this year and have and some... just leave it running and people could just come up, walk up, and have a head dead with somebody right. else at the fest. Yeah, or Absolutely. figure out if we can get all of like four computers hooked up like they did. Yeah, I want to do the computer setup now that I know that's possible. I didn't know that was a thing. So any details anyone has on how to make that cable, I would love to hear. As as I recall, at the beginning, doesn't it ask you how many people are playing? I just a dual or solo. Oh, I wonder if I made a special version for four mm. that was never distributed. I I Is don't think it it. in your drawers anywhere. <laughs> there you go. You can sell that at Coco Fest. Yeah, <laughs> right? exclusive four-player version. I'll look in my shed and see. Look in my shed great. again to see if there's a, a disc or a cassette or yeah. I I don't know where I stored that. That would be pretty cool if you can find that because that'd be awesome to see. But another thing that's going Absolutely. on, we have the colorcomputerarchive.com, which is archiving everything Coke related. It's like software, manuals, magazines, you know, technical references from Tandy, everything else. And we're, we've actually managed to get in contact with some other authors that had unreleased games, like games they shopped around nobody wanted to sell, but they still had them sitting on a tape somewhere. And we've actually got them archived and people are enjoying and playing them and going, actually, why didn't somebody sell this? Mm -hmm. It's actually a pretty good game. So if you have that un you know, the four player version of it kicking around, we'd love to get that on the archive so that people can enjoy it. And if you have uh, um, a, a few pages of maybe notes when you were making the thing, because uh, one of our guys, uh, Rick, uh, did had the same thing where he has notebooks and this line printer printouts of source code yeah. and like graph paper drawings really, and stuff like that. Really yeah. I believe that was behind the furnace when he had to have his furnace replaced. Yeah, that's what he found. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of when I was in the Air Force, uh, I sold, I had Space Raiders and I sold like a few copies to the other airmen. And and then they said, oh, how did you do this? And I showed them a printout and it, it was actually only like three or four pages of uh, assembly code. But he looked at that and he said, oh, how long did it take you to type that in? <laughs> so, and yeah, you get the point to him, the the time consuming part would have been typing it in, right? Yeah, not not the designing it, figuring out how to get the program to work. It just like it's just it's like typing class. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> him asking, he said, Well, how do the little invaders know when to fire down at you? And it was like Oh, and they know where you are. Yeah, it's like I wrote all this. You know, all the code knows what's going on all the time, you know. So it's, do you think you might have some stuff notes? Uh, I I don't know. I'll I'll have to look at the shed. There's a box. There's just one big box with some stuff in there. I'll look and see what's there. That would be interesting. Might unearth some some rare gems in there. <laughs> It'd be a treasure trove. A treasure trove. Yes. I do know the feeling though. What did I mean by this? <laughs> did no you idea. Did, you, did you comment your source code at least where you knew what you were doing? Well, no, you, you, you didn't have room. Right. You, 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 you weren't going to put in comments because you'd run out of memory. Ah, so that, yeah. So that, then it can become a mystery. What did I yeah. do? Well, that was with Space Raiders, but yeah. with, I was using Flex, I think, which was on a, a floppy disk. You know, yeah, I thought I was really cool. I could actually put comments in and my variables could be more than two characters. And, it was funny, but on a TV screen, and you know, I could get 80 columns on 
the TV screen, but you couldn't read the text, right? I mean, it was really hard to read. You really could only do 40, as I recall. I might be wrong in half the no, stuff. That's, that sounds about on. right. If you didn't have a composite monitor that took all the luminance out oh, of that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. I was, remember I bought a monitor looking forward to this really, but it, was, it must have been a cheap one or something because it wasn't a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah, some of the some game. of the composite monitors were set up for like you know color games and stuff they were basically 320 max so it was right. basically 40 column and if it would get anti-aliased and all kinds of weird crap would start happening on the higher ones you had to get a, like a monochrome design monitor for the crystal clarity yeah. my magnavox television had a button on the back called color killer and that worked beautifully oh interesting. You a, a high resolution black and white picture i never saw another tv with it hmm. so very cool all right, so we're going to take we're going to take a break. We'll give everybody a chance to do a potty break, and then we'll come back with um, our game on challenge results. I, I don't remember if we have a new Coco thoughts, and I don't remember seeing any notes coming in that there might be. So I'm going to assume there isn't. So I'm going to run a few spots, and we'll run a commercial break. We'll be back in about maybe three minutes, and then we'll get into the game on results. If that's okay with everybody. Yep. And thanks again for coming yeah, on. Thank Brian. you, thank you, Mr. Thank and you. Mrs. Bruderman, awesome. Bruderer, for being here. Certainly appreciate you. Okay, here we go. We're going to start our commercial breaks right now. Hi, Retro Tech Heads. Data Soup here. You're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and proudly Patreon sponsored by RetroTechTime.com. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, B. Rye FPV, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donaghy, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Ken Reichard, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Ulan, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S, Tony C, and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Hi, I'm Taylor. And I'm Amy. And we're from the, the Taylor, Taylor and Amy Show. And we are excited to be on Coco Talk on February 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in live to chat with us. We'll be there. <laughs> we'll return after these announcements. In these difficult, trying, and uncertain times, the world has changed. The way we work, travel, and interact has gone digital. Tandy and RadioShack have been using safe social practices and empowering people with technology to work remotely for over four decades. 
Coco Talk has been meeting online with Skype, Discord, and Zoom to safely connect people for years. When you want safety, technology, and social collaboration, turn to Tandy, Radio Shack, and Coco Talk. Innovating by example. need that report tomorrow. That's great, JT. I need it tonight. Oh, JT. Letcherlock saved over 300 clams, you dig? When she got her a Model 100 from Radio Shack, like a good little consumer. It's like a word processor, a phone directory and dialer. You dig, man? It even, like, you know, can groove with your office computer. Fletcher? Fletcher. You'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go far. All right, and we are back. That was good. That was good. That was fun. Thank you, Brian. And Mrs. I forget what's his wife's name. Anybody remember? I'm old. I forget. I think that's pretty well old. Yeah, Brian Bruder. Mrs. Bruder. Thank you, Mrs. Bruder. I'll take that uh, that cop out right there. Uh, good stuff. Good times. We are now going to move on to one of the most popular segments of our show. I might even say everyone's favorite segment. But this is the Game On Results thing where we talk about who played and how they played and what they played and all that good stuff. I don't think we have a Coco Thoughts. If we did, it came in last minute. I don't have it queued up. So sadly, I know Rondo Vos is going to be very disappointed. No Coco Thoughts this week, Ron. <laughs> Oh, right. All right. So let's go ahead and cue that infographic and then we'll see. Oh, crap. I did not. I'm going to have to fix that on the fly. Anyways, yeah, that's I was I had so much content to line up today. I forgot to add the latest results video. So I'm going to have to fix that on the fly. All right. So here we go. We're going to do it live. High score challenge. All right, pay no attention to this Wrong current one. clip right here. <laughs> hey that is there, not the game we played. Welcome to this week's yeah, that's previous week's game. Yes, I know. So I have to fix it live. Results. This week we played gold. Yeah, we're just making fun of you. Don't worry. All right, there we go. Welcome everybody to the results of this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge, where we played Tube Frenzy. We had a total of. Nine players. Let's see how everybody did. We had Mr. Dave, 6309, with 150. 8 Bits in the Basement with 720. Tazman with 3420. 
Mark B. with 3,880. Buck Owens with 6,240. Maybe one time you could just Rich make N. it where we could hardly 12, read what's going on here. Jim Rye with 17,480. <laughs> Canadian Retro Things with 100,810. Yeah, a bit more contrast, I think. And the number one yeah, it, score it was much brighter when I recorded it, but... Sloopy it, Malibu uh, with 165,600. Turned really dark. Thanks, everybody hey, that got, played. He got rid of the space bar. See you next week. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, uh, Sloopy. Congratulations, Sloopy, there for bringing in the high score this week. Good stuff. I'll stop sharing right now. I'll turn over the, the reins to uh, Mr. Waters. Mr. Things. Oh, okay. So, um, as I said, we played Tube Frenzy. Uh, not a huge turnout for it this week. Also, uh, couldn't find any reviews of it in any of the magazines. So, um, didn't to, to me, like it's it. a bit of a hidden gem because it's yeah. actually quite a fun game once you get used to how the gameplay works. And it looks at first like Reactoid a bit, but it's actually quite a bit different. Yeah, it's like. quite a bit different. <laughs> Mr. Dave says, thanks for keeping my score invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd make everybody's scores kind of invisible. Yeah, it was like... Week, in, so. uh, but, yeah, so... Here, here's an idea. It, what you do is next time, use lemon juice and write lemon juice on the paper. <laughs> and then we'll hold no, it next, up. Next oh, time. I'll choose, I'll next choose time. a different color next time. I didn't know it was going to come through quite that dark. Well, why don't we, why don't we try for the Poo Yen color, color palette next time? <laughs> oh, Okay. We'll go. We'll, we'll go with hot pink there on white. All right, <laughs> yeah, pink on white. It'll be good. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, not a big turnout this week, but it is really quite a fun game, but not a huge action game. A lot of thinking, and as uh, Sloopy was pointing out in the live shows, that uh, the maze actually doesn't change through the whole game. So once you kind of get a pattern down, and it's not until the later stages that they start adding extra bad guys to it so you start out with just one for like the first five or six levels then it starts adding one every level i do have a question i'm sorry hey nick marota is out there speaking of uh oh i think the answer to my question has already been answered i was just wondering if grant Leedy was awake but i saw him lift his head up okay yeah i was gonna say shh we might need to keep it down because grant might be sleeping but yeah okay he's good <laughs> yeah we know nick <laughs> sorry grant he's just sleeping so you can yeah. go to sleep in a few minutes, Grant, when the news starts. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I need to uh, just do a little soundbite here right now because in the live chat we have not other, none other than going once, going twice, going three times. It's Nick Marota. All right. So, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota is in the live chat. The founder. Nick, if you, if you want to pop on for a bit here, we're celebrating the 250th episode. So, if you want to pop on, you've been a part of the show for a Long period of time. Pop in and say hi. Don't pop, stay on for a long Yeah, pop time. in and say hi because Ron Delvaux will get you in here. He's got no shame. He's like, grab your wife and get her on camera. Who cares if she <laughs> wants to be in this program or not? <laughs> Bring the cat over while yeah. you're happy. Get the hook. Get the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Marota. All right. Sorry about that, Ken. We're just screwing with hey, you no today. No problem. No problem. You got to roll Nick. with the punches on this show. And there okay. he is. Oh, my God. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a celebrity. We have an Internet celebrity in our midst here. I've seen this guy on the YouTube channel, and I've seen him on the facing the books and all kinds of stuff. Nick, do you copy? Hello. Nick Morata. Happy, happy 
two, happy two fifty. Oh, it's it's happy now that you're here, man. You just made it happy. Almost stuck. Almost stuck. I've been I've been watching the show. I watched your uh, guest segment. I didn't want to jump on during that and derail it or all, but uh, I don't mind derailing Ken's uh, <laughs> <laughs> his debauchery of your segment. <laughs> <laughs> The myth, the man, the legend, Mr. Uh, Nick Marotta. Anyway, no, I don't really want to derail, so, but, uh, yeah, no, it's good to see you guys. Oh, absolutely. Your hair is looking fabulous, too, Nick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. It's my winter. Uh, I let the hair grow over. Oh, winter, yeah. Oh, have you gotten more blonder, too? Eh? Uh, gray. Oh, is that what it is, eh? <laughs> ah. I think You're so. ready for your next Teen Beat cover yeah, shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nick's Isn't summer. He's got the summer oh, frost look, yeah. so, it's yeah. The stuff you've been working on. Sorry? You know, the stuff you've been working on, the reason you left. Oh, um, okay. Ups and downs. Mm. Uh, yeah. it's, it's so good, good to see you, Nick. It is incredible to see you because it's been a while since we've seen I've Yeah. Not, I, don't, I don't get on Discord that often during the week, and I haven't seen you in person or in, in video anyways in a while. So it is great to see you. It's great to have you here and to celebrate this auspicious occasion with us. You're looking yeah. well. Thank also, you. you're the originator of the of the game on challenge segment too, which is an integral part of the show right now. Yeah, Ken's been doing an awesome job. Oh, well, to give full credit, Mr. Except Mr. for Mr. Dave. changes, uh, he's he's doing a bit crappy on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, Mr. Dave gave one us time, the, one time. Mr. Dave gave us the suggestion for this. So yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, don't let me. Don't let me. Uh, no, no, we're going to sit here and oh, talk well. to you forever, Nick. Yeah. You are the show. Right Welcome now. to the three-hour Nick Morota interview. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So, Nick Morota, what do... you don't know is we have your third-grade teacher here, and we're going to do oh, this as yeah. your life. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what you don't know is we switch Nick's normal brand with Folgers Crystals. That's right. Third grade was the best three years of my we life. Sw- best three yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> you still oh, got it, Nick. You got that razor wit. You are sharp, sir. Uh, are those new glasses? No, they're not. Okay. Is that a new shirt? Because I, I, I don't recognize the tear stain there around the collar. Is that a, is that a new? <laughs> I know I know how the the girls are doing the ripped jeans. You're now doing the ripped collar. You're starting a new trend. Yeah, the ripped I collar. Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be trending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Ken's gonna get ticked off at me, so he better no, not. No, no, he's, he's Canadian. He's too polite to get mad. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It is good Thanks, to see you. Ken. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to see you. Absolutely. Yeah, feel free, feel free, come on and guest spot. You can help Ken on the segment once in a while if you just get that itch. Sure. Yeah. Or you know, sabotage him, or yeah, just come in and <laughs> just completely derail it too. That's fine. That's exactly. Works for me. And if there is an itch, so that's that's derailed. Well, so. so so, but just real quick, and again, Ken, Ken, I apologize, but I know you're a good sport. But since we're talking about memories and 250 and and fond memories of the show and nostalgia and stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember because I remember Nick was always in the live chat and he would say something like, oh, I just like to see my name or I like to hear oh, my name. And because yes. he was like, oh, Nick Marotta's here. And you're like, oh, I, don't want, I just like hearing my name on the show. So I'm like, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. Next thing you know, that That's, just became a thing. That you know? is where that and came then, uh, from, yes. And then we got you on and, 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 and the my, rest My is... ego. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is this. This show has. But as as Dave and she, uh, Dave Aries just said in the chat, you know, the ratings just went up. That's right. Know. Nick is here. It's sweeps <laughs> week. So. <laughs> Actually, it's the opposite. I thought you guys were kind of like celebrities. So to hear you guys say my name was uh, 
I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so, you know what it reminds me of? Because I remember, uh, you know, years ago uh, when I was listening to Coco Crew when they first started, at some point in time, I was mentioned on one of their episodes and i was like oh my god it's like it's like hearing your voice on the radio like you know if you if you call into the yeah. radio and you get to hear your name or a shout out or something like that it was like so exciting like oh my god they mentioned it was like yeah some guy's doing these youtube videos and i'm like oh my god they're talking about me this is so cool you know and yeah, so uh, yeah. when you hear that for the first time it's really it's really cool as, as cheesy as it wears off really quick yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah no we're we're, we're thrilled that you're here any oh, any you. fond memories you have, or maybe not so fond memories? So, any chairs? <laughs> oh. Any chairs thrown at you by any chance? Or, <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorites is still uh, Curtis and Nick walking me through the Fire Twelve K upgrade on my uh, Coco. Oh right, yeah, and, you're pretty nervous uh, about that one. Oh my gosh, was I ever? I thought for sure I was going to break it. <laughs> and uh, oh, of course, doing a game on challenge was was a lot of fun. And. Uh, yeah, the uh, the 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 Coco the year we didn't have Coco Fest, we did these we did the online uh, Coco Fest. That was cool. And I'm not seeing your monitor behind you. Yeah, my TV broke. It was a Aww. it was a it was one I bought uh, bought used and uh, yeah, it's not working. So that's part of the reason I'm not using my Coco right now. I have to get another TV. And as you guys talked about uh, a few minutes ago, the challenge is you have to get a TV with an analog tuner. Oh yeah. So I know those are getting exactly. more rare. So uh got any goodwills around? Uh yeah, we have uh well we have um like online uh Kijiji, which is sort of like a Craigslist or uh, right. well, like like that, so Goodwills you'll, you'll find I was gonna say Goodwills you'll find a lot of those digital analog converter boxes without the remote, which is fine because you can force it to channel three and you never need the remote again. And your cocoa will show up as composite video out of that box, so it's it's they're handy, it, and it's cheap. So you want like you want analog bucks. analog to digital? It's it's the uh, converts analog to digital. You oh, can get a free coupon from the government box, and that will give you composite nest video out. Oh, okay. And even nest videos. Because wow. I was stupid and I got rid of my VCR, thinking I wouldn't need it anymore, and I was like, hey, right. it was. That was a good analog to. It was uh, the perfect thing, exactly. Converter, but I was I wasn't thinking. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah, so a lot of good memories, and you guys have been really good friends, and I apologize for my absence. No Just, apology uh, necessary. Yeah. With personal issues. I have to apologize for always being here and annoying people. So. <laughs> <laughs> But I did hear uh, Ron earlier. Thanks, Ron, for saying that you missed me. And then I, I heard Curtis say, "Come jump on." So I was just waiting for the right moment to jump oh, on. Oh, that's I didn't great! Wanna, oh, yeah, so right in the middle of my segment. I didn't want this to happen. <laughs> with, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, Nick, this is my very first time on the panel, and I would say the experience was not complete until you joined as well. So thanks for coming on. It's really cool to see you. Again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, David and Josh were here. That's great to have you guys both on because you've been you've been a huge part of our game on challenge this whole time. So it's, it's great to be able to talk to you. You know, if we do this too much, he's going to come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> In the week after. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? We could only hope, right? Uh, right. Nothing. Yeah. No, it's good. All right. Well, let's let's let Ken get back to what he's doing. Please please hang out with us. 
Yeah, oh, well, oh, oh, Marlon Lee is still here too. Speaking of living le- living legends, he's uh, Marlon Lee is definitely a, a close second place to Nick Morota when it comes to YouTube celebrity. Oh, Marlon. But uh, Marlon oh, Lee is here and says for I found video- his video. Yeah, I saw his videos before I found yours. It's yeah, oh, he's a li- he is a living legend. Marlon Lee's been doing. Yeah, it for a long he's been time. doing it longer than any of us. Yeah. So, so he yeah. says for capture of old eight bit machines, VCRs are also getting hard to find. That is true. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, there yeah, they are. Thanks for being here, Marlon. We want to get you on the show, too. I don't know if Curtis has spoken to I've, you about I've, that. I've tried reaching out to him on YouTube comments. I don't have a direct email, but yeah. uh, Marlon, if you want to fire me an email or something, I can uh, get in contact with you. I'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Love to have you on because we, we are a big fan of your legacy of work there, Mr. Lee. Um, so, Mr. Waters, Ken Waters, Canadian Richard Things, take it away. And we'll come back. And after we finish the news and everything else, we could probably still do more um, reminiscing and nostalgic waxing and whatnot, which hopefully. So, um, but let's get let's get back to the show and to the segments. So, take it away, Ken Waters. Okay. Well, like I was saying, I couldn't find a lot of information on this game. There's no reviews, no high score tables, or anything like that. So I will jump right into um, if Sloopy's not back yet. Does not look like he's back, so I'll jump straight into our live game. Uh, which I know I've got a. I think I'm going to jump into showing the live game. Maybe. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and so this is some footage from the live. Mm-hmm. We did. Uh, we did two live. Uh, broadcast this uh week one was the um the matinee the european people in yeah. the matinee which uh we messed up and forgot to uh mention it on like uh the dragon, dragon channel okay. channel and everything so it was just me and sloopy but uh we're still working on that and um oh cat just about knocked my tv over we're good about that uh, yeah right always right when i get on talking she wants to get up here and uh be on screen yeah that's part of the cat union rules exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that then on good uh, barf. <laughs> on tuesday or thursday we played and uh we had at times uh there's four of us playing so um did, as did i said somebody, uh, uh didn't somebody do uh double speed or something not on this one we did yeah, that last week this one, uh, some of the screens would get pretty impossible on double speed. It looks kind of interesting uh, how it's like hitting these little bumpers and yeah, that, that's bouncing the bonus off screen. the angles. Yeah. The bonus screen, it's just bounces around, and you got to move the uh, gates so that it bounces in different directions. Yeah, Stevie, um, have you ever played this before? Like, do you know how the game works? No, I do not. It looks interesting though. I I wanted to get going this week, but um, just still have so much stuff going on with work. It's hard to. Uh, it looks cool. So yeah, you got to pick up the dots, and every time you pick up a dot, it uh, puts a movable gate in there, and then you can, so they're on 45 degree angles, and you just have to turn them to make the ball bounce one way or the other. And uh, so it's kind of a maze. Um, a kind of like a ladybug element game. where you had to like flip the doors yeah. are on ladybug or in the mousetrap one where you had to open and close certain doors to change the playing field. Yeah, the yeah. difference here is that you actually change them all at once. So you kind of have yeah. to keep track of where the ball is going because you hit the button and it'll just flip the gates. So the ball is just kind of bouncing on a trajectory and you can't change that trajectory yeah. other than the changing the angles of what it bounces off of. Yeah, and yeah. you've got you some one-way passages up. and stuff too. too. Yeah, oh, you sorry, can speed ahead. the ball up or slow it down and you can um, the fire button changes the angle of all the gates. 
So, and it's just kind of uh, it's just a binary switch from yeah one way or the other, right? Was this brought over from the Dragon? Nope, this was an, uh, a North American original by Dave Edson, an, an original game like no, not based in any arcade game. It's a totally original game. Dave did. I think he was still in, he might have still been in high school when he did this one. He did a whole flurry of stuff in his last couple of years of high school for Aardvark, which is the one that sold this. I actually found it was quite a relaxing game to play. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things I really liked about it is that whole speed up slowdown, because once you yeah. get you know better at it, you, you it, if you left it at the slow speed, yeah, you can better steer it because you have more time to react, but then it gets kind of boring. And you also can't finish the screen in time if you just leave it on the... Uh, slow speed, yeah. So if speed. you know it's going to be going like several squares over, you can move the joystick up and just crank the speed for a bit. So that, that really added an element that I haven't seen in any other game before. And also, you have to use the speeding up and slowing down to avoid hitting the bad guys. Yeah, that's right. So lots of times you're going to cross paths with them, and you have to either speed up to get past them or slow down to let them pass. And Why, why is this screen a different color than the ones above? Because um, they forgot to type in RGB on the palette there. They're running it in composite and mode and up from better though. <laughs> Yeah, the yellow one is the one, the proper one. That's how it's supposed oh, to work. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, and uh, yeah, every third screen you get a bonus level, which is uh, takes all the blocks out. So it doesn't change the maze at all, but you, and you're constantly on the fast speed. So all you can do is move the uh, gates around and, and how do you clear the level? You have to get all the flashing things yeah, off the Yeah, you got to get all the little flashing dots. Okay. And you get a bonus if you have the amount of time you have left in your timer and you complete a, a stage, you get a bonus based on that. And, that's and cool. you got to kind of pre-plan everything because uh, there's a lot of like dead ends and stuff and some dots will be in a area that there's only one way to get in there and get them. So if you miss those and you go all the way to the far end of the screen, then you got to figure your way back to it to get that one. You'll run out of time. So, yeah. That's really cool. I can see how it can get to become a nightmare on the, all the angles and trajectories and whatnot. Yeah, and once you get uh, four or five bad guys on the screen at once, then that's yeah, it's another, very hard. a whole other element. So then that, that <laughs> kind of, it's kind of like the ghosts in Pac-Man at that point where if they get you, yeah. you lose a life or whatever, right? So Yeah, it's no, that little square the, box you can see wandering yeah, around the screen yeah. there right yeah. now. And, then and you they're get more the and more same way. They just, move, they just move at a constant speed around and they bounce off whichever way you have the... Uh, so you can actually control where they go too by changing the... Oh, uh, so you can kind of maybe re-divert re them or redirect them or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. the best thing to do is to try to trap them off in a section. And... That's cool. Oh, yeah, it looks like it's yeah. going really faster as it's bouncing around trying to get those dots. Yeah, that's the bonus stage. Yeah, so, basically it cranks up the speed, takes the blocks away, and you have a time limit to try to get as many of the dots as you can. That's cool. Yeah, so that's the game. I don't know if there's much else to say about it. Any, any tips and tricks that you guys had? Um, tips and tricks like I said uh, the maze doesn't change so you got to kind of figure out what order to get all the dots in and uh, try and do that every time sometimes you'll get cut off from doing that because there'll be a bad guy stuck down in where you need to go and first you have to get him out of there 
Yeah, because one trick that you mentioned that was the one I was going to mention too. Because I, I did, I've played this game a fair bit. I just haven't had time lately to play any games. So, <clears throat> but basically, you can redirect the bad guys. So you can kind of get them out of the way. So if you clear a little section, and then you can redirect them up into that section, and kind of semi trap them off, then you have much more free reign. Now it gets harder once you get more and more bad guys, but mm -hmm. that definitely helps. This and and, and learn to use the speed up and slow down because once you kind of get a feel for it, you know, I'm going to be traveling two squares over, crank up the speed because you can get some pretty big bonuses with your bonus timer. Like I noticed you and Sloopy at the start were getting like maybe 4,000, 8,000 points type thing. And by the end of the stream, you guys were getting 100,000 plus. Mm -hmm. Oh, Paul Thayer has a tip. He says, tip, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely a good one. Yeah. You stole my tip. <laughs> so also one of the things too is uh, using the speed up and slow down is that if the bad guy's on the other side of the gate and you both hit the gate at the same time, that kills you too. Mm. So the hitbox does expand, extend past the gate. So even if you're on the opposite sides, if you hit at the same time, it kills you. That's Which, definitely interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice original concept. Like I said, it's got kind of the deflecting things that you can change the direction, which Reactoid had as well, and it looks somewhat similar, <clears throat> though the play is quite a bit different. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Roller Controller by Spectral, the Coco 3, really early Coco 3 game, where you pull down buttons to open up things to direct things into certain colored, you have to direct certain colored balls to certain colored slots. So it's got a little bit of that element too, but it's a pretty, pretty cool original game, and it's... Um, Dave Edson was a, was a teenager. Like, I interviewed him by email 20 some odd years ago, and he did, like, Catch Him, and uh, I can't remember all of them. Uh, he did a whole ton of games for Art of Arcade. And a few of them, I think, have actually ended up getting ported to some other. He did Color, or, uh, uh, Cat Color Caterpillar, one of, one of the ones? Not Color Caterpillar, just Caterpillar, which is actually one of the better-looking ones. Now, one thing Dave Edson will admit fully, he never really learned how to do sound on the Coco. So every single game he did had very simple beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing fancy. He said he took more time on the gameplay and on the graphics, but he just never got the hang of sound. It looks neat. I'd, I'd like to try it. Yeah, I do recommend, even though uh, the, the time will have already passed for the game on. It is a good game to just well, maybe try. Maybe I can and... take a page from the Nick Morenti's uh, playbook and Photoshop. Um, there you go. The timestamp <laughs> or something where I can post-date it. <laughs> or predated or something. It does, Stevie, it doesn't really matter because nobody could read the high scores this week anyway. So. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <sighs> this week in pallets. This week in pallets. <laughs> Would oh. you like me to redo the video Pal and uh, repost it? Well, then, then, then Stevie can sneak in a score, so that would work for him. There you go. And <laughs> it's a thankless job. Just please, please, <laughs> please choose a very soothing palais, if you would. Next week, <laughs> it is going to be um, dark blue with dark red. How's Ooh. that sound? Ooh. Remember to type RGB before you... <laughs> I just figured black on black works the best there, and it's uh, not so bright in the eyes. <laughs> Yeah, not so bright. That black. Not so bright. Uh, basically, is half the panel. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark. Uh, <laughs> I know which side of the panel I fall on that one. <laughs> All right. So as we've already said, I have no idea what what next week's game is. Please, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> Deskmate. No. <laughs> Deskmate. <laughs> Deskmate three. <laughs> 
So there we go. It is Space Raiders. Space Raiders. Now it is available in all of the regular places, but there are two Space Raiders games there, so you got to make sure you get the Mark Data one because there's also one from 1986 or 87 that same name different game same name different game okay yeah this is still one of my favorite space invaders clones of the coco it's one of the closest ones the arcade there's a one called super Vaders, which actually plays sideways and has a bunch of extra features and, and user selectable options but if you want a nice pure one this is this is probably one of the best ones on the Coco One and Two. Brian Bruderer, that name sounds really familiar. Have we? Yeah, have um, we, um, I don't know. So Bring, this is the screen that you should get when you load up the game. Yeah, not the one that says it's by John Crawford. That's a different yeah. one. Exactly. Okay. And uh, yeah. And, and so, so right now the gauntlet's already been thrown down. We have one person who stacked up twenty nine UFOs. So we need to see if we can't um, at least meet, if not beat, that. So. so Buck Owens, could you get on that? <laughs> <laughs> Home I don't know. Chris Poacher might be able to beat his own record there with a 29 too. Who knows? And yeah, just let you know, um, this game is works on the one two, Coco 1, 2, or 3 and only requires 16K. There you go. Yeah. That's beautiful. But I do believe you have to have a joystick to play it. I believe so. I don't think it has keyboard, I don't think it has keyboard controls. Okay. At least according to Curtis's site. I don't know if we can actually yeah. trust that Which or not. Which is occasionally correct. Yes. <laughs> hey, listen, a broken clock's correct twice a day, right? So <laughs> beautiful. In that case, beautiful. my clock's on twenty-four hour time. It's only once That's a day. It. That's it. And this uh, this game does not take advantage of artifact colors. Are you uh, there's a colors? little bit that when you there's when a little you, bit of colors on it. Yeah, when you when you kill the saucer, it'll turn into a, depending on your artifact mode, blue or red, and that's the one that'll crash on the side. And the uh, bad guys' bullets are blue, and yours are red. Or vice versa, depending on. Or vice versa, I think. No, it's a single yeah. single pixel P mode four pixel then thing. Yeah. Okay. But when you kill a saucer and it goes down to the side, and, you know, you get to see how many you killed. That that is in color. And remember, you can always use clear colored film that you can affix to the front of your display at any point <laughs> at any point in time. And that yeah. is, I recommend yes. crazy glue yes. so it doesn't that is, fall off. That is a period <laughs> correct solution. <laughs> the film will just stick there if you have a proper CRT. You just throw it up there and just zap. It sticks on there with static. Yes. By the way, uh, Paul Thayer said, didn't some Australian guy make a version that was better? Coco 3, yeah. <laughs> Brikey. Space and true. But he cheated, though. He kind of combined Phoenix with it, so I don't know if that counts. And plus, really, he could only make a game that just works on the Coco 3. This one works on all three that versions. That I can play. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to playing this one. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, so do we have Game On News from Al Curtis Boyle? Or you bet. All right. You want to take it away with that Game On News? We'll just keep this fun train rolling. Yep. I'll rip through it here. Woo-woo! <laughs> hey, you guys, seeing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this looks like Mr. Dave's thing. Yep. Oh, yeah, this is his uh, third update to Space Pirate Kamoko, showing the new cockpit view. So, uh, what, what kind of pit was that, Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> that Bruce, Rooster, Rooster pit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the old teens here on this. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this. We have uh, things scrolling in front of and behind of things. Nice. That is kind cool. of a fractalist look there with the little yeah, lines yeah. in the cockpit. Thing. Oh, yeah. 
We got Palais going on there. I wonder if he borrowed any of Ken Waters' palette suggestions for this game here. Oh, yeah, we can actually see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to ride this one. I'm never one living down this down, am I? This is going to be your streaming Ooh. thing for Grant. Pew, pew. Oh, man. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. We got music. Ooh, we got sound effects. Yeah, now this is based on the hardware card that he's also making for this game. Yeah, so. Pilot Amy. How did we get so far away? Chrissy. We are officially lost. Oh, wow. Oh, look, who's that guy? He <laughs> John looks John Motocar Schaller. Yeah. Ooh, he's warping. Dude, that is yeah. super cool, man. That is wicked he, bad. Was that one plane dancing to the beat? <laughs> could have been. Could have been. Does Stevie read all the text in the actual game? I can, for a fee. <laughs> I'll give you a dramatic reading if you'd like. So. No, it's looking like it's coming along pretty good there. So obviously some of this is like raw Coco 3 stuff, and then some of it's based on the hardware card that will be doing sound and all kinds of things in, in the background that he's demonstrated uh, the schematics and stuff on the show before. And like everybody else, you know, art shortages, etc. So nice update there. That is cool. <clears throat> Next, we've got two updates from Paris Rad and Keysbound Os. So the first one here is a second pack of the converted games for the Super Sprite FM Plus board. Lord. Being manufactured by John Whitworth at uh, Dragon Plus Electronics in the UK. And I'm still waiting. I'm hoping we can get somebody in the panel here. I think Ron Klein or somebody, or Brian Weasler, somebody has one of these boards already here in North America. So I'd love to see some of these demoed with the, you know, the multi-voice music from the sound chip plus all the graphics. But this uh, contains eon parts one through four <clears throat> and you can see some of the graphics and stuff here that is neat i like the multicolored uh, mountain range in the background yeah the, this part actually reminds me of the tandy coco 3 demo the first one. Oh yeah you know the bit. rainbow yeah. and the sun setting and stuff very interesting yeah aeon a little bit of shadowing and stuff there too which you yeah. don't see on the very interesting. It definitely doesn't look like anything you've really seen on a Coco or Dragon before, just because you have the 16 colors or colors we're not used to seeing, all that kind of stuff, you know, so. Yeah. Like, it, it reminds me of, like, a Coco 3 game, though, of course, the palettes are a little bit different than, yeah. than we've used in the 3, but. So that was the first update from him. And then a couple days later, of course, you got onto pack number 51. This is the whole, you know, two-year catch-up of everything done on AGD since the last time. Um, so this one's got six games. There's Little Dragon 2, Mystery Part 2, Mystery Part 3, The Day Before the Earth Stood Still. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, The Day Before the Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, so that's like so, two days before. Yeah. The, the day, day Before, before the, the Day, day the Earth Stood Still. Okay. <laughs> Three Octopuses and ZXS Spectrum Mission. Oh, that sounds like a beauty. Look at that. So This one looks a bit simpler graphic-wise. That looks cool, though. There's a little dragon little too. Little dragon. The ice king. He kind of looks back. like Yoshi, and looks like a Yoshi and a SpongeBob there. So uh, Yoshi. From... Yeah, a little bit. A little evil card guy or something. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it does kind of look a little looks bit like, like Yoshi, and the other guy's sunglasses looks like SpongeBob to me a little bit. So. Uh, There's mystery. Mystery. Okay. 
actually some pretty good back background yeah yeah interesting okay got some trees to climb here stick and keyboard sports okay it looks like he's it's going across a conveyor belt or something there huh this reminds me of dragon slayer a little bit yeah it does it does yeah okay that's cool the octopuses three octopuses oh, three octopuses is there is there a plural for octopus is it i believe it's octopi octopi yeah. but Mm, I, hi. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be under the sea. All right. An octopus's garden. Three octopuses' gardens in China. <laughs> I wonder if this is inspired by that. <laughs> Paul Thayer says, The day before the earth stood still, my friend's cousin's mother's brother. <laughs> 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 Ooh, who is this? Two, two, two X's, five spikes. Spike. Yeah, ZXS Spectrum Mission. I mean, of course, AGD originally had the Spectrum, so it's kind of a play okay. on ZX Spectrum. But. Okay. But you actually play the little face. This reminds me of Fang Man. Yeah, Fang Man. Do, 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 do. Yeah. That'd be a good game on Challenge One, Fang Man, especially if we can time it towards like October for Halloween. -y. Yeah, Halloween. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the new AGD cool. pack number 51. So there's a whack load of games there. Anybody who has the Super Sprite FM Plus board, there's now two game packs for that out now. So there's a, over 10 games and already supporting the new hardware. If you have the Coco <clears throat> Pie, uh, that is from the drop-down menu. You can launch uh, an emulated uh, Dragon with that emulated board already. Yeah, and in MAME it. supports it as well. So right, right. Yeah. MAME supports it, but if you don't know how to do the MAME command line type stuff, you can launch it straight from uh, the menu in the Coco Pie. Yeah, um, I, I do know there's a couple of them in North America, though, so I'd love to have one of them yes, on the show to actually yeah, demonstrate fact, I would thing. like one of them in North America to be in my house, so I need to work on that. Um, cool. Well, John, I know, uh, John Whitworth, uh, who's doing the boards there, has been, you know, having the same problems as everybody else, trying to get certain chips. And he, he actually has gotten a second source now, but the price is three times as much for certain chips, and he's not sure the market will take that much of a hit on the price. So that's kind of where he's at. Mm. His first batch is already done and gone right. and sold. So hopefully with, uh, you know, Hopefully, with COVID start to die off, and hopefully it keeps going that way, then maybe we can start getting things back to normal. I'd like right. to be under the sea in three octopuses' gardens. So we haven't got enough Wordle clones on the Cocos yet. So uh, our favorite uh, MC10 programmer, Jim Gary, of course, has now made a new one Home of for the MC10. Now this one's a bit more limited. It runs on a 20k uh, or higher. Uh, MC10, and it will, I think it's Word Dictionary is only like 2,697 words or some odd number like that. Whereas, um, 2,769, yeah. Whereas the you know, the ones on the Coco, the one that Rick Adams did, and then the port I did for Nitrous 9, it's got like 10,000 or something like that. So that was pretty cool. And he actually put up a little bit of a video. So I'll, I'll briefly play you a little bit of that too. You just kind of see how, how the gameplay goes. And he called it Mike Hodel. Now, if, if, for people in Australia. Uh, for Mick, Mick, or like Micro. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Well, basically, the Australian Rainbow, they nicknamed the, like, I think we called it the Pico or something is what a lot of people nicknamed it up here in North America. But in, in Australia, they called it the Michael. And they actually had columns in Rainbow there called Michael, and they were MC10 specific. So that's where Jim got this particular name from. But he's even got the color coding, like, for ones you've guessed and stuff. And he's got the, you know, the letters you've already guessed in the bottom, et cetera. So. Neat. Hold my beer. Now, somebody was then asking, well, how about, about doing a graphic version for one of the new enhanced MC10s, like with an MCX32SD or the MCX128? <clears throat> and uh, Jim Gary was actually thinking, I 
from what I gather, he was thinking about doing it. And then Darren Atkinson himself went and did it anyway. Well, Jim Gary says his words are not weird like Wordle, though. So while his library may be smaller, they're not weird. So Okay. <laughs> so this is the version that Darren Atkinson did. And you can download it right off of his blog here with some uh -huh. screenshots. But it's using the enhanced basic, basically the extended basic for the MC-10. So it obviously needs the MCX. Talking about hold my 32. beer. Man, this, yeah. this guy's got the hat with two cans of beer and a straw in it here. So he's got the... And this one has an almost 13,000 five-letter word and the 2,048 wow. words that are actually chosen. So it's a pretty full one. And actually, it uses the SD features to be able to get that huge dictionary. Because, okay. of course, you can't load that. So That is cool. I'm going to have to fire up an MC-10 and try that out. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty impressed that it came out that that quick, and it's as far as I can tell, this is not based on on Rick's code. It's the only okay. one on the Coco, the MC10, that's actually you know original besides Rick's original one. So. Uh huh. And then of course he did another one here called Knots and Crosses, which I think you guys will recognize under a different name if you're not familiar with it already. Uh, Knots and Crosses. Well, no, no, I don't get. It. Oh, this is the pound sign game. Is this hashtag? <laughs> Uh, Tic tac toe. Oh, it's a hashtag with an X in the middle. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Knots and crosses, huh? That sounds yeah, like a, sounds, sounds like something you get in an Irish pub or something, you know, like bangers and mash. You know, knots and crosses. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's on, it's on the lunch special menu. That's what the nuns in Catholic school gave you, right? <laughs> gave you crosses across your knuckles, right? So. Yeah, you're not doing that again. You get the cross up the side of the head. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this was actually a conversion from a Dragon uh, version. That was oh. actually the Dragon 32 Book of Games. So it's a Dragon 2 MC10 conversion. Cool. Next up, uh, this is actually a part of a two-part. So this is a part of the news, too. This is kind of like part uh, two. We so this little 8-bit computers that could. Yeah. So TJ Ferreira, he did a video that I we put up on the news a couple months ago where he got the MC10 and he was having trouble trying to load tapes, you know, from a, a smartphone or something. He was getting IOs and stuff, so he couldn't do too much with it. So he got an MCX 32SD, which you'll see there. This guy has but, an energy problem. Sorry, was that wrong? This guy has an energy problem. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he's, he's more over exuberant than David Ladd, if you can. I'll say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, the, the the other video up here on the regular news, but basically he got the he got the MCX and he actually tried. I think it was Christmas Rush on this first video just to get it to show that the MCX was actually working that you could during see cassette things. This is his follow up video because I he did that particular game and he was wondering if there was some other games because that's a pretty hard game. It's it's uh, it's not easy to win. It's it's pretty difficult. So I suggested a couple other games that he could try and he actually did both of them on this video and he also did this as a twofer. He also did some stuff on this time time Atomic Sinclair. Uh, which he's actually got a little add-on board that adds sound and stuff that the Sinclair doesn't normally have. So both of them have got these nice big upgrades that both read SD cards. But he ended up playing uh, Flag and Bird and uh, Pac-Man. Good choices. So I, I won't play the video here because it's kind of, um, like like Ron said, he gets quite over-exuberant, which is fine on its own. I would have no problem playing, but he also gets pretty upset. He's almost ready to throw a chair as a pacifist. Really? Mm. Yeah. So, the language gets a bit colorful, and I don't really want to catch him too much in the Calor, middle of the year because we're colorful. trying to be a family show. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll play just a little bit and kind of get an idea what let's, his let's style hear, is. Let's like. hear the energy, yes. Run colorful metaphors. M, quote, Pac-Man, dot W-A-V, uh, ending quote. 
He's good at narrating. Lights are blinking. Green lights are blinking on here. And it's a bigger game than normal for at least what I've played so far. So it may take a little bit more blinkity blink. But this is Pac Man. <laughs> a little bit we'll more blinkity blink, up. huh? And then we'll see if I, I can want focus some more in on it blink. well enough to where you can My actually see what I'm seeing. Yeah, the only problem he really has is that his camera hates green, so it washes everything yeah. out that has green on it. Worst camera for an MC10 or Coco ever, basically. Well, it's taking uh, a little bit, taking a little time. Well, the, the little blinkity Whoa. blink is a green, and that's coming through oh, fine. I, now, is this focusing in on here? Shadow blinky. It looks relatively good there. Okay, so characters, we got shadow blinky, speedy pinky. Right off the bat, the graphics on this are pretty damn good. You've got and there's an ad, so we'll stop All right. yeah, he's definitely, He definitely <laughs> has taken a page from the David Lag playbook on enthusiasm yeah. right there. So, yes. <laughs> hey, he's got an interesting channel, and he's actually planning on doing some more, because I've introduced him now to Jim Gary's collection and yeah. those other things that have been ported over. Oh, um, I watched this video when I was out of town last week, uh, Darren Ottery's River Raid. This looks really good. Really yeah, good. like we've, we've seen some still shots of it before. Now, this unfortunately doesn't have sound. And I don't know if the real game does. So this is actually a game written in BASIC and then compiled with Greg Dion's cross-compiler for the MC-10. So it actually runs at a pretty decent clip. I won't play the whole three and a half minutes here, but I'll play some of it to kind of get an idea. Look at that scrolling title screen. Yeah, this is a beauty. I think this really shows, effect. like, if you want to write a decent basic game for the MC10, but you're just not running fast enough, grab the compiler because you could do some pretty wicked stuff with this. Yeah. Uh, Jim Gary's commenting cool. on the lovely MC10 coverage you're providing. We try to do that uh, on a weekly basis, uh, Mr. Yeah. Gary. We are big fans of the MC10. Despite the vicious rumors where we spent years calling it a doorstop, those are all lies. <laughs> <laughs> those were all in jest. Those were all in jest. That was good. And plus, I think the MCX32 SD, the SD card solution for it, has really propelled it. That that really helped. Well, I mean, it still but is I, what it is. It's. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it adds it, extended basic. Yes, it adds 32K basic, of RAM. It adds in an SD card reader. I mean, the that's, compiler that's, opens up a ton of doors. Yep. The fact that uh, Robert Sieg's working on the whole tile library and being able to, you know, yep. do graphical which Jim's fonts. actually used already a few yeah. times. Yeah, no, there's there is so much activity going on in the MC10 space right now. And there's, I think there's might be they might be exceeding Coco activity right now. Um, oh, and with it's the definitely MCX exceeding Nitrous Nine activity right now because I'm not doing much of that. Yeah, all, so. well. Well, if you take the MCX128 and put it in the MC10, it makes a really good bookend. <laughs> <laughs> anybody had to put a fan in their mc10 because of overuse all right well I, you know so I, yeah i have um you know one of my projects is to get stuff back on the bench that i can play with I, i've got two different mc10s i've got one that has a composite mod and the extra ram that's wired where you can use it for high-res graphics because it's 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 graphically addressable on the vdg where the external is not and then i've got a stock mc10 that doesn't have that um that upgrade so I, I got some mc10 playing around to do and as you guys were talking about recently like how long is it going to be before the mc10 becomes like the coco 3 where they're going to be just you can't buy them you know yeah. it's a rarer machine than a coco yeah. 3 to begin with. yeah there weren't as many made um, there's a lot more going on peripheral wise software wise i think the demand of the the exposure is definitely increasing the um yeah the, 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 the one plus i guess in the mc10's favor is that the alice clone in in france at least that has an alternate market so the europeans can 
try to find analysis. So it, it it's not like the Coco Three, which is only sold in Australia, North America. Right, right. It was never sold in Europe, so there's a lot more competition to try to yeah, get. Yeah, the one. speed on this is really good. I mean, it's using that standard thing where you print to make it scroll, which is what we all did in Basic on our tech screens. Yeah. But the speed he's getting out of it, and the smoothness as he's like moving from side to side as it's scrolling, um, is really good. Good job, Daz. I yep. do, do I need the SD card version for this, or can I load this off of tape? Mm, uh, this one, I think you can play off of tape. I'm not sure, I don't but know the, the, the Wordle clone is. that um, they're now considered is requires the SD. Now, I have the MCX 128. I just don't have the SD card version. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it uses was... a, it uses a streaming off the SD to get the word dictionary, and and right. I know Jim's got a few games that require the SD too, because there's some okay. you know you're trying just, to access uh, large files. I don't want to speak it. out of place. It most likely will, but obviously you can just respond to Darren's post and find out, or just try it. You know, you know, try it and see. Um, now, yeah. I remember seeing this in the hotel when I was just like scrolling through Facebook. I saw this. I was really impressed. Yeah. Cool stuff. Good job, Daz. All right. The color computer has a version of Wordle? Question mark. Yeah, this I don't know who this guy there. is, but uh, I'm Ken, this is Canadian Retro Things, and today, Ken, I won't play the whole thing. Did you can, want to kind of quickly describe it? Can I get Nick Morota to troll this by any chance? Because I, I think Ken's content is served much better when Nick Morota comes in and just hijacks it all. <laughs> and so well, here to I, talk I was, about my video is Nick Morota. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say at least we can read his screen. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Ken, if you want to describe it here, I, like I know you covered both versions and, and uh, you recorded this a little bit earlier, so give us yeah. a brief description. Yeah, uh, so I just um, uh, showed everybody how to download the uh, copy of uh, Kokodo that Rick made. And, are you trying uh, to put an iPhone in your Coco? What are you doing there? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to play Wordle on a Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he's a bit of a greenhorn. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just pointing out that I've actually never played Wordle on my phone. I've only ever played it. I haven't on... either. I know you guys have been talking about this for weeks now, but I've never played it. And yeah. I would only probably play it now just because it's on the Coco. I would have no desire to play the real game. That's exactly the reason that I'm playing yeah. it. And I. You know, I do show the listing of it after I download it that it's an actual program running on my Coco 3 here. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's a beauty, eh? That's not very basic. basic. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. simple Now, game. why couldn't you have made your results look like this? We could have read them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to change things up. Oh, <laughs> look at what you get. Uh, <laughs> Does this feel familiar, I, Nick? <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe you just need your eyes checked because I could read it just fine. <laughs> I only know five words with five letters. Uh, maple. Oh. Okay. I'm being Canadian. I always start. So with yellow maple. means right letter, wrong place, right? Yeah, and green means right letter, right place. Most yeah, Stevie, words. you can think of this as a training ground for Nick Moranti's games where you have yeah. to learn to play Mastermind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, most of my words are four letters. <laughs> yeah, oh. special. <laughs> L-I. So I know there's an M in there somewhere. So is your next guess just M? Limes? What's he going to do here? Limbs. Ooh, I wouldn't. That's, ooh. Well, I know there's, ooh, there's no oh, S in but. Ooh, L-I-M. There you go. Just about there. Just about there. And oh. after this, I also show the L. Curtis Boyle oh, uh, port of limit. this for. Um, oh, he got it. Nitrous 9. 
Good job, Ken. And I did that on my first try. How's yeah, you did. That's the beauty, eh? All right. Yeah. I won't show the the Nitrostein version because I've we showed it already before. Nothing's yeah. changed. So. So yeah, I just uh, gave a quick little shot of the uh, Nitrostein version that uh, Curtis is doing and announced that it will be on the next. Uh, Update. You view pre-installed, double-clickable, launchable. From I think so. I think this could go viral if you just uh, tagged it. Hashtag guy tries to shove an iPhone in a color computer. That people would want to see. <laughs> Nobody wants to see a cocoodle video, but trying to put an iPhone in a cocoa—that's going to go viral. So. <laughs> I want to see blue smoke. <laughs> it was just having fun with the beginning. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is no fun allowed to be having on this show. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll cut that out. Cut it out. So, right. the, the next one here, this is Amigo Aaron. So <clears throat> he started a new uh, sub show. It's not like an official live stream show like most of those are. This is a one he kind of did in the side called Magazine Rack. And it's where he goes and picks up an old magazine. So we have to get them down to a fest and get him some old rainbows and color computer news and color computer magazine, hot cocoa, et cetera, at some point. But this one he picked up, he managed to find it locally in Hurricane a uh, number one issue of Electronic Fun Computing Games. And this is a magazine that actually I remember having growing up. In fact, this particular issue I remember, and I remember being pretty ticked off at it. So basically this is one that didn't cover just video games like a lot of the magazines at the time that were doing this. This covered uh, video games on home consoles. This covered video games on home computers. This also covered electronic handheld games too. Oh, neat. So like your Mattel footballs and stuff. So it was kind of a, a more wide ranging magazine. And in this first issue, he goes through the thing page by page, and he's going through the ads. You can see ads of stuff that never came out. You got ads of stuff that almost nobody remembers, like the Commodore Max. Um, but one thing that he gets to <clears throat> later on is that there's a bit of a comparison shopping guide for some of the 8-bit machines that are out, and includes the Coco, sort of. Um, and and the, the problem is, is that... Um, oh, Okay, so this is their gui buyer's guide. Okay. And you can see they've got a TI-994A, they've got an Atari 800, they've got an Apple II, uh, the Commodore VIC-20 because the 64 was an outjet, and the GSA color computer. And you figure, okay, that'll be a fair comparison. And then they have a little grid chart on the next page, and I'll play a little bit, you can just see it here. But all the specs on the grid page are based on the Model 1, so the price is $700. It comes with between 4 to 48K of RAM, which no Coco ever had. So they have um, so the wrong information. Yeah, and then when they start talking about the games, they're back to Coco again, because then they start talking about stuff like Poltergeist was released, you know, before they had a chance to put in the catalog, so it's a bit of a surprise type thing. So it's a, it's a completely mixed up mashup okay. that makes it look worse than it is, because it makes it look like three times as expensive. Okay. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, man, here we go. It's the 1982 Buyer's Guide. Uh, they're talking about uh, Atari, Texas Instruments, Radio Shack. Apple and Commodore, so this should be quite. So okay, so there's the chart. You can see right here we've got this big yeah. chart. Of course, it's and here they say Radio Shack, Cherry City Model Three, and then all so the specs are Model Three. The, oh, listen, look at who what they're comparing here. Now this, this is astounding to me. The comparisons between the uh, Radio Shack, Cherry City Model One, the Vic Twenty, the, the Commodore Max. There's the Max again. The Apple II Plus, the Atari 400, the Atari 800, and the TI-994A. Very interesting. It says the Commodore Max has 2K additional memory available. And what that, from what I read was the uh, that means they're going to have 
memory baked into the cartridges that are really <clears throat> anyway just to show you I mean, if you guys were wondering what prices were like back in the day for those who weren't around that time i mean the model 3 was 6.99 for a cassette based one the coco at this time would have been like what 200 and some maybe late 82 mm. so that's way out but the apple 2 1300 or 1500 dollars whatever that says there like, geez. Yep. even the atari 800 was 899 back at this point yeah that's a lot of money but if, it, if you go to the next page of the article where they start comparing games and they go to your city games, well, now we're back to like Polaris and Super Bust Out and uh, Poltergeist. So now all of a sudden we're back to the Coco again, except people reading this article would think the Coco was $700 for 4K system. Right. So just, I remember at the time when this came out, I was just mad because a lot of my friends were going to buy and go, well, how could you afford that stupid thing? Why did you get you know something like an Atari? Well, the sad thing is, is that if you only got your information from one source, yeah. you know, shame on you. I mean, uh, if you if you said, okay, well, this is cool, now let me just grab a Radio Shack catalog, you would quickly see how much it actually costs, too. So Yeah, and the fact uh, that they're talking about two different machines, depending on what part yeah, of the Yeah, if, if anybody was interested, the Yeah, if anybody was interested in a, in a Tandy computer, they, the neighborhood Radio Shack was never more than a few blocks away. You could go see it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, now I will mention I, I did get this magazine for about the first half a year it was out. They did improve, and they were one of the few that actually did Coco game reviews. Okay, that was not a Coco specific publication. No, no, this wasn't even a specific anything. It was yeah, like, no, like I said, is, handheld that electronic. Is, that games. is interesting. So maybe that's a source we can scour for future game on stuff. Where if there's a review on a game uh, from this magazine, we can include that. Yeah. Um. I don't know if Aaron's got any other issues with this one. I know Barkley, a friend of mine that lived a few doors down from me at the time, he actually bought all the video games. He had video player. Well, it's looking like he's got scans on the right-hand side, so it might be on an archive somewhere. Yeah. And it'd be kind of fun to go through those because those reviews generally tended, like Rainbow and stuff usually tended to give you a more gloss review if you paid more for advertising. Right. So these would be more honest because none of the right, people especially since here. this is a full spectrum look at the industry and not just the machine. A game could be a good Coco game in the context of other Coco games, but now when you're comparing against Atari and Apple and stuff, you hopefully get a little bit more broad spectrum comparison to other yeah. games, contemporary games. Bluntly honest reviews. Yeah, yeah. That's what you hope for. Yeah. But it, it did not set me off in right foot with this magazine when they couldn't even get Model 3 right, right, from Coco, yeah. which are completely different Fact-checking. Hello. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. This one here is the follow-up. Uh, so when Alan of AC's 8-Bit Zone popped on the show at the end of the show last week, uh, he mentioned that he found this thing that if you don't fire and you don't kill a lot of planes, right. that, uh, you'll get a massive bonus. And he was talking about he recorded a video for it. This is it. So I won't play the whole video, but I'll play a little bit here. So he's shooting, just not hitting anything. Oh, he hit one. Yeah. And there's the big ship. Okay, here. so now we're clearing the level. Plane shot down. Uh, score two seven two seven five zero. Yeah. Plane well, I'm trying to remember seven. Remember, he actually shows the. Does the game switch between the two color palettes between the green and the white? Yeah, every second level it. Oh, alternates. so it's like a nighttime view or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the exact same game. It just changed the palette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus feature. He started recording it after he hit the bonus. That's why his score is so super high. Like, the scores during the challenge, we didn't have any scores even near to Yeah, yeah I think because this is when he first discovered it. I, I think at first he was trying to figure yeah. out what had happened to cause it, and then he kind of got yeah. it predictable. And he just started recording it just to, to, to record that it happened. <laughs> yeah. 
And now they've since discovered, like, I know some people have gotten much, much higher scores knowing that little trick. So, yeah. And it shows, like, your your bonus is, like, I-000 points because <laughs> it wrapped into ASCII. <laughs> That's cool. And oh. then if Marlon's still in the chat here, this is his latest one where he does um, another Mark Data Products game, actually. The same guys that did the Space Riders. That's our feature Galaxians. game this upcoming week. Now, this one, he, uh, Marlon called it a clone of Galaxians, and it's mostly like that, but there's some there's some different things, too. Each player, if you play the two-player version, actually gets to choose their own skill level independently of each other, so it's a bit different that way. You can also fly vertically somewhat, uh, kind of like Centipede, where you can fly up and down up to a certain level, so it's 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 Galaxian Plus, I would call it. Okay. Mark Data. Hey, guys. Uh, today we have another Mark Data Products game for you. Galaxians. It's a Galaxian clone and a very good one. You set the speed of the game, and then you set your level for each player. Uh, took me a little while to figure out that how to play it as a single player because it kept wanting me to enter a level for uh, player two and then I soon realized that I could probably just enter zero for uh, player two and, and it wouldn't play it and which turned out to be the case. Then I tried another experiment. I tried uh, selecting uh, zero for player one and selected level for player two and Indeed, player one didn't play, only player two. That's actually a useful feature for this game because when uh, the color computer first came out, uh, the joysticks that any practically everybody was going to use was from Radio Shack, and they came as a pair. So it really didn't matter which game, you know, for a single player game, it really didn't matter which uh, joystick you used because you had two available but uh, I mean, I'll play the whole thing but basically what he's getting at here is that you got to pick right rather than picking a one player game it was always a left joystick or always right joystick depending on the game you got to pick you know the skill level for each player and if you put zero you'd shut that player off so if you had the joystick plugged into the right port you didn't have to swap ports you just had to you know zero at the first player right play player two and now you're playing right joystick if you chose player one skill level, then you played the left joystick. Yeah. So you could actually, without unplugging and swapping and stuff, they kind of got around the uh, Joey thing. Yeah, no, that's neat. And it is a cool looking, yeah, I, I see how you're going up higher too. So that's a nice feature that you didn't have in your Galaga, Galaxians, or Space Invader things. You were yeah, he's, on he's that pretty s- well at the maximum high year, but you can fly down to the bottom and come right, back right, up. Right, right, so right. Which gives you a little bit of more maneuverability if you're trying to get away from that shot that's coming down at you too. So, yeah. Um, and visually, it's quite nice. It's one of the better looking Galaxians. Yeah, the, yeah, you can see the different shapes and the yeah, the, the, the different uh, types of fighters you have and the formations and everything. Yeah, uh, the only disappointment I think I had with this game back in the day is that I was used to Galax attacks from Spectral, which ran at rocket speed. Yeah, <laughs> and I kind of got used to that when it came back to this one. I was like, this is kind of slow in the star field. In particular, is quite slow, but. The gameplay's fine. It, it yeah. actually is not a problem. It's very it's visually pleasing, for sure. And I yeah. like the effect of where you get hit. It doesn't kill you right away. It's just scraping away at your shield. So you can take multiple yeah. hits and not this insta-die explosion death on one hit. Um, so that's that's a nice little twist on the typical hit once and lose lose life, you know. Yeah. 
Also, we got a comment from Marlon. We're going back to the magazine reference. We we're talking about the, the chart there. He says, I'm glad I never spent that much for an Apple II back in the day, but I'm glad I have an Apple II yeah. now. Yeah, I spent 50 <laughs> bucks on my Apple IIc with a monitor, so I'm not complaining about that. Yeah, no, no, no $1,400 <laughs> back in the day, probably worth five grand now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and this is an interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So I figured this, and when I first looked at it, I was trying to read the title and go, Pengon title theme extended. I don't know what that means. What he's done here is he basically just lets the attract mode run. Okay. And this is a guy in Japan. If you guys can read this, you're way up on me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But basically, he wanted to show what the sound was, like the music background. And then it has a little demo where it goes through the different color sets, because I think this is the Dragon version. Okay. Um, so it shows you like a P-Mode forward, no artifact, and then it goes into the green screen, and it goes into the white screen, et cetera. So I'll just play a little bit for those who have not heard the, the music from Pengon. But it gets kind of monotonous, and he plays it for like 10 minutes. So I don't remember it being this clicky either. That might be the emulator it's using. Famous organy sound, yes. Yeah. Yeah, with a little bit of that clicking, which I think glee, some of the emulators glee, do. Glee, glee, glee. But basically, it goes through and shows you, like, that's what the uh, Narnet, you know, the PAL version in, in Pimo 4 look like, and then it switches Ooh. over to... Wow, that is a dramatic improvement right there. <laughs> yeah, this would have worked better if he just lined this up the like two pixels one odd pixel test, over. Yeah. This is a yeah. colorblind test. This is what this now, this is might like. work with 3D glasses this way. It might. I'm right. not sure. But. Squint one eye, turn your head sideways, and smoke some weed, and it'll look perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, this is one of my big disappointments. When they ported games over from the Coco to the Dragon PAL market, or even the, you know, the Australian PAL market, is that if they'd redone some of the graphics knowing it was going to be in PAL, they could have made these look a hell of a lot better. Right. Like, in this case here, they started on an odd pixel instead of an even pixel. And if they swapped it around or shifted everything over to the right, it would have been one nice solid color type thing versus yeah, yeah. You know, the shimmery mess we have there. Spared, and then of course you got spared the green all expense. <laughs> yeah. yeah at least this one is like almost, it's, it's a little bit more legible. It has a pseudo 3D drop shadow look to it because it's a... Yeah. 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 It's definitely more le legible than say, you know, a high score challenge thing. So uh, Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> yep. I'm sure Nick Morotis is sitting here on the pallet going, I'm so glad I'm not on the show anymore. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway. Cool stuff. So that, that was it for the game on news. And then I just got regular news. You want me to go straight in and plow through that? Yeah, let me, uh, I'll go ahead and do, I'll cue the intro for you. So when I say, go ahead and start screen sharing that. And when I say, take it away, Curtis Boyle, then you'll do just that. So I'll play our, our, our well-produced infographic here and just get ready there, Curtis. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis Boyle. And Muppet News Flash. All right, take it away, Curtis Boyle. Okay. So first up, this is a Sheldon McDonald's um, RSDOS tool download. So he's written a tool for dealing with RSDOS disk images and stuff, um, which he's actually got available for download here on his, his own forums. And this is kind of what the screen looks like. And this is also has stuff like PSG icons, which, of course, this is a custom GUI he's building for the PSG cartridge by Ed Snyder, which is a ROM cartridge with... 
uh, a sound chip and stuff in it here too but he's actually making that whole gooey so you can just pick with the joystick you, right. you want to play that's neat so he has a little sample here in the, the center showing it off anyway if you want to kind of grab that and give us some testing there he's got stuff for doing basic and ml and making new disk images and using existing ones etc let you take a look inside of them it lets you automatically compile with lw asm copy between etc it's a pretty nice little utility uh, I was going to ask Nick Marindis, you use some of these utilities. Are you using Sheldon's at all or are you using somebody else's these days? Is he still here and or awake, I guess, is the first question I should have asked. He's waxing his Ferrari right now. So. Oh. I always thought that was called L-WASM. You're saying it's L-W-ASM. I've been putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable this whole time. I so. have no idea. No, it I'm stands just, for Lost Wizard. I know but... what it stands for. I'm just being a jackass. Um, L-W-ASM. Yeah. You are a natural. I would yeah, say. thank you. <laughs> so guess. nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so go grab that if you want to grab it from his site. Of course, all the links to all the stories we do here are always in our Discord. You can catch up on our Discord there. I'll let Stevie promote the Discord later. My, Next one up, Dan, Danny Rafferty in the Cocoa Facebook group shared a link to Tim Brannon's blog, which is what we're showing here, where he stores a Cocoa 2 case given to him by his brother and then proceeds to call, install a Cocoa Pie into it, including a lit-up keyboard, which reminds me of Dave Veery's, many USB ports, etc. So this is the condition that the Cocoa 2 was in when he got it. It's a little bit messed up. So then he takes it apart, and then he starts cleaning and bleaching it out. You know, gets it a little bit more restored, does some UV light treatments. Comes up pretty darn good, I have to say. Considering it's a real condition. And this was a little 3D mock-up that he did uh, reduce scale of what he wants to do with it here. So then he starts working on it. You can see this keyboard's kind of like uh, Dave's got the lit up keyboards type thing. You can see his little mock-up proof of concept over here as well. Stalls a cocoa pie onto it. <clears throat> Make sure it's all up and running. Then he starts devising, like having USB ports stuff right out of the cartridge ports. The cartridge ports filled in with USB and SD cards and micro SDs and Type C USB, etc. He starts planning the cutting the holes in the back to add some ports and stuff there. Gets the keyboard to fit in nice and perfect. Start lining up the case there, so you can see where all the other slots are coming out. So it's obviously a, a bit of a hack to your case. Um, I like how it has the micro HDMI right there where the uh, little uh, the channel 3-4 switch was. That's the perfect yeah. placement for that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people view this as sacrilege, you're torturing a Cocoa case like this if you're a collector, but I, it's a hobby. You can do whatever you want. It's your hardware. But will they sell me the scraps? <laughs> <laughs> I love that RGB backlit keyboard. That is so cool. Yeah. And, and he's running Dragon DOS on it too, so. Yeah. That is a beauty. So that's that's the fixed up one. He's, it says eight thousand meg or something. Color computer pi. Yeah, I like that. Uh, uh, I like that label. Yeah. What does it say on the space bar there? What does that say? Sunjis. I can't even read that. There's a there's... sunrise or sun. Sir? Might be the brand name of the keyboard. Maybe. Okay. For 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 a second there, I thought that said boom. I thought that was a B. Like, what the hell does a color tandy boom mean? No, that's the eight thousand meg. So okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a neat placement of. Uh, oh, look! And of course, you can play Doom play, on it. Play too, Doom so. on it. Yeah, well, Nick Morentes has already proven that's possible, right? Playing Doom on a Coco. There's Adventure uh, and Yars Revenge, and it, it of... does look nice. though. that's a pretty nice use yeah. of a Coco case. Yeah. If you want to get into the, you know, more modern machinery, you've plumped into your Coco case there. And yeah. I know that's what Dave's been doing as well. Yeah, that's neat. Good job. Uh, once that USB uh, <clears throat> keyboard adapter is ready, you could do this with a. With real a real cocoa. cocoa. Yeah. 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 
That is absolutely true. I like it. Next up, uh, John Linville actually is doing working on a um, joystick butter button repeater circuit. So this will do auto fire basically. It has a little potentiometer where you can adjust the speed. Now actually he does a little bit of a demo here with Starblaze. Um, I guess I can play some of that. Now he's finding out that it actually, the way he's got it set up right now, it's actually um, a little bit too fast on the fastest setting. So it's actually overflowing Starblaze's buffer starts missing firing instead. Facebook's going to be a pain in the ass. So yeah. don't go to 11. Uh, anyway, I can still just show him the picture. So anyway, that's the circuit. Now, the way he's got it wired into the joystick button here, I'm sure hoping that's not the way the final product's going to look, but uh, I think this is more just a prototype to make sure it's working, sure. et cetera. But he does show it. You can adjust the speed of the fire. You just hold on the button. So for those button mashers, you don't have to mash anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's yeah. planning on getting Neil Blanchard to uh, start manufacturing these and start selling them um i'd love to see what the final result's going to look like yeah like how do you interface it do you have to rip apart your joystick to do it or is there some other way to do it maybe tapped off the wires instead or something i'm not sure maybe an adapter for the uh six pin din okay cool hmm. next up alexander Sidorenko. i hope i'm pronouncing that right so we actually covered him months ago like he's been working on duplicating the cocoa motherboard which is kind of like what, what pedro has done except he's doing it on a more breadboard model it's just for his own personal use and he's actually been spending you know quite a few months doing it and uh he's actually got it up and running now so he's got some screenshots here and you can see the board so he's basically duplicated and remade a cocoa just added the uh, cocoa one keyboard to it and he's actually got it you know running text there he's running speed racer there but uh, the, you know, having to go through and figure this all out on old breadboard style thing, it just it still boggles me that people like him and Pedro and and Alan and others can do this kind of thing. You guys obviously know my lack of hardware skills, so this That's is like name. magic to me. That is neat. They have a particular set of skills. Yes. Yeah, and I particularly don't. And that's uh, magic and tape. And even though, like, I don't really understand electronics that much, I would just think, and I'm going to assume here, that the breadboard makes it real easy to connect one thing to another because it's all very linear. And, you know, um, this kind of looking at that grid pattern of where everything goes, I guess underneath there, yeah. you could just run traces from one thing to the other pretty easily, right? It's, it's, it's great as long as you never make a mistake or snag a wire when you're moving it around. Ah, okay. Because okay. then you've just got a pile 12 wires deep that, Oh, when you start layering up all your bodge wires, huh? It works. It works good the first time, but gotcha. don't mess up. Okay, so wire <laughs> management becomes essential, right? And um, serviceability in as far as how your paths you take. It looks like he's got like almost everything is socketed here too, right? So everything is socketed on that breadboard. Um, yeah, and he's he hopefully labeled all the chips because obviously the layout's a bit different than extended basic COVID. and this and that. And the other. Yeah, no, that's neat. That's neat. It's it's almost easy to follow for the non-techie person. Oh, right? a little very visual. Yeah, yeah. Cocoa motherboard on perfboard. Oh my goodness. Ugh. Right, right. I just and cringe then, at that. And the nastiest part is the bodge into the mylar keyboard connector. Oh my! <laughs> Out of better him thing. than me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that. Wow. There's some skill involved there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, way beyond me. <laughs> okay. Now, this one's an interesting one here. I just found this. They did, this video just got released last night. And this is uh, Evie's review. And I think she's actually making this. So it's a cartridge, uh, single cartridge solution. 
that plugs into multiple systems. And she actually has a video here of 12 different systems from TIs to MSXs to ColecoVisions to everything else. <clears throat> and basically it's, it's one card and then you get little adapters. You, when you buy it, you get one with it for with the plug-in style to plug it into a particular computer, but you can add, get the other cards. So if you want to run the same adapter on all your old retro machines, this could be one way to get cartridges. Now on some of the other systems like the Apple II, this actually works with disk images and stuff too. Now she wasn't aware of all the Coco software that's available in disk. She thought the Coco had a pretty limited cartridge library. And she goes through a couple of games, like she plays a little bit of Rampage, a little bit of Super Pitfall, but she had the color monitor settings wrong, um, which I, I mentioned to her in, in a comment to the video. But uh, she actually got a comment back to me this morning saying she had no idea there was so much software because I directed to the Color Computer Archive. So now she knows Sierra games and all kinds of stuff. So she's going to start working on getting it to work with Cocoa Disk Images as well, too. So this might become a, a one-stop cartridge shop. If you have multiple retro systems hardware-wise and you want to make you know, an adapter that works with all of them because you basically just swap these card connectors. So this is the ad page for it. This is not a promo. I've never tested this or anything here, but this is basically what the, the main thing looks like. You plug in your LSD card here. This is a reset switch to get back to the main menu. And then you just plug in these little adapters. So depending on what type of machine you're plugging it into, it'll adapt to a ColecoVision, it'll adapt to an Atari, adapt to TI-99, adapt to a Coco. And you just plug that in and then away you go. So you just, you can use the same SD card actually. But it just you know, makes for, you wonder how does the firmware know what system it's running on? Cause it has to have localized software based on that platform. It's more than just modifying the edge connector. Yeah, it is. I'll show you a little bit here. So this is a tail end of the TI-99 test and it gets right to the Coco, so. Okay, what do we got here? We got Backbit on the Tandy Color Computer 3. It'll also work on the Color Computer 2. So this machine has a relatively small collection of games. I corrected that. But it does have some pretty good games. We got Tetris. Now this game is supposed to be in color. I think my video adapter needs to be rejiggered over here. We got Super Pitfall. So right okay, now it's pulling, it's pulling ROM images over the SD card. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you go back to some of the other ones like the Apple II, it'll actually will pull disk images and stuff too. So. Okay, so there's got to be some firmware that understands the hardware. There is. There's, a, there's firmware in there for handling all the different machines. So this is like an, an all one-stop shop. It's a one-stop firmware. It's a multi-boot um, yep. ROM. I would guess it just uses a different SD card for each system. Or is the not. software on the SD Actually, card? Actually, it, it does use separate SD cards uh, for each system. So it probably gets the boot files and stuff for whatever it needs okay. to do off the SD card. Yeah, that'd be my guess. That way you don't have to have multiple BIOS ROM through Doohickey. So. Yeah, because she's all mentioned right. that she's going to actually, she didn't know about the disk how many disc games we have in the Coco that if she does get that working, I think once that's working, we'll, we'll, I'll try to get her on the show. Okay. Uh, just to kind of talk about so it. Because a lot of the people uh, in our show audience do have multiple retro systems, not just Right. Coco. And if anybody owns a system, you probably are familiar with buying some type of multi-cart, right? So if you have an Atari or a Coleco or anything else, you've probably bought a multi-cart that lets you run images off an SD card or something else. So this seems like the universal one ring to rule them all, right? The epic multi-cart yeah. that you can run on all systems. Um, uh. now, and where where does this come in handy? Well, luckily, I don't think we have the shortage of SDCs that much now because of uh, RetroRewind.ca. But there's always a time in Coco uh, life cycles where products are hard to get, right? So just to have another source on a similar product to the Coco SDC, 
for the sake of loading software. Like this won't do things like DriveWire, I'm sure, built into the DOS like Coco SDC yeah, no. does. But to have a, a, a you know a TUI, a text menu to load disks and ROMs, that because Coco SDC doesn't load ROMs unless you burn them into a bank, right? So the fact that this can load a, a ROM cartridge or a disk image makes it a little bit more versatile than the SDC. Yeah, and the fact that it works in multi-platform. And works on multi-platforms, yeah. So uh, if the price is right, uh, this, this... And, and depending on how the software is written, you might even be able to put them all on the same SD card if it has some little ROM thing that it recognizes in unique to each machine. Mm, yeah, no, that is cool. That's compelling. Mm-hmm. Compelling. So like I said, once once she has it... Now, she does mention, too, in the video and, and also on the on the site, if you wanted to order it, they're, of course, having the same problem everybody else is, back order of chips. Right. She's not expecting to get chips until at least April at this point. Mm, um, chips... But I'll, I'll I'll keep in contact with her because she's actually fired me off a couple of uh, comments on the YouTube video. And so ironically, once... there's no shortage on dip, but there is a shortage on chips. So go figure. Well, yeah, we got dips on the panel like me. So obviously, <laughs> <laughs> there's an overabundance of dip. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I've never heard of this before, no, actually. No, uh, it's neat. It's... Uh, like the price here includes one adapter, and then you can adapt. You know, get as many for as many retro systems you want. You're not getting a bunch of extra stuff that's going to lie in a drawer somewhere because you don't have all these systems. You only get the ones you actually want to use. It's totally tubular, can... or at least totally modular. Yeah. Uh, and there's some other adapters here, just showing they can get Commodore with a straight or a right angle. Yeah, and I have some of these systems, so yes, this might work for me. Exactly. So I'll get one of these and, and then, a bunch of adapters and, and... Bunch of adapters. Yeah, call it a day. Boom, Bob's your uncle. Um, that is a beautiful thing. Nick Morota, it is so good to see you on the show. I could just look at your face all day. <laughs> you are so freaking beautiful, man. You're a beautiful human being, especially on the outside. And here's this guy. Here's the here's the guy who needs to curb his enthusiasm. Is this him? This is Mr. Yeah, MC that's 10? him. Yeah. Okay. So this is his first video when he first got the MC10 and first got the SDX, or the MCX32SD. I got to keep it straight. So this is basically him showing him running, and then he runs uh, Christmas Rush by uh, John Linville as a demo, uh, just to show that it works and how to do durs and stuff like that. Because he was trying to run everything on his previous video a couple months back, you know, taking a phone and plugging in a cassette cable, and he was having problems with the volume levels and clipping and all kinds of stuff. So it was really unreliable. And of course, this is much, much more reliable. Um, he also showed that it had the memory upgrade built in because his MC10, of course, had 4K, and now he's got you know, print mem gives you like 32K, etc. So. It's kind of a, just a quick review. I won't play the video because we already played yeah. his earlier video yeah, here, but yeah. uh, I, I'm very kind of a, a more base explanation of the, uh, yes. the SD card solution for the. MC10. I'm very happy that I have both of the MC um, expansion options, and they're both very cool. I like them. I'm, I'm glad I got them before the chip shortage. So, yeah. <clears> okay, <throat> hey, next up, this is a uh, <clears throat> a dragon story. We got a few dragon stories today, which is actually kind of cool. So this is user RetroCan in the World of Dragon Forms posted some photos and information on the Dragon RGB board he's working on, which will allow RGB output from PAL or CCAM based dragons. Now CCAM that's a bit more natural, um, but this will actually get it to work with the uh, the PAL based ones too. So you can get an absolute crystal clear picture on an RGB monitor. And he's actually been kind of keeping people up to date. And this was the first update in a while he's done. Now, just out of curiosity, and when we talk, we're talking about RGB, which uh, on the uh, high res screen would be a true black and white. But I know PAL does have PAL artifacting. Would this include any type of PAL artifacting or is em- via emulation? I would assume not, but I'm not sure. So it's going to be just straight up whatever the color the VDG could make on its own is what you yeah. get. But absolutely clean picture, of course. Right. So you get your choice of f- two two sets of four colors or pure black and white. Yeah. 
Okay. Or your semi graphics would give you a nine ten. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he kind of gave an update in the project showing the board status here, and then kind of go a little bit of uh, talking about it here, which is you know hardware, so it's above my pay grade. That's neat. This one here, I, I don't normally just show somebody acquiring something. So Jose Cabral got this uh, Dragon 200, which of course is what they rebranded Dragon 64 when you're a hard Spain, right? Is that the Spain Correct. version? Yeah. Yes. Now, this is something I did not know. I mean, I knew the case was a little bit redesigned. It looks almost but... Apple II-ish in the depth of it. Yeah. I almost so it's feel a, it's like I should be able to different. take that back cover off and stick some cards in there. <laughs> <laughs> PR number six. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did not know about the Dragon 200 until I saw this photo up close is the fact that it has a power LED above the keyboard on the left-hand side. And that was stock from your art. Mm. So that was a little add-on they did the Dragon 64 itself did not. And I, none of the Cocos did unless you added that yourself too. So you could actually tell if it was you know turned on or not without the screen. So I thought got, that was kind I of I like neat. the look of this machine. It's very sexy. Yeah, it's kind of got the actual white instead of that yellowish tinge that yeah, the plastic on the more, Dragon did. more platinum, less beige. Yeah, and I still love the keyboard. The Dragon keyboard was awesome. Oh, it looks so much like the uh, Mark Data Products Super Pro. It's a beauty. And I like that it's badge. It's a beauty, eh? Oh, so I was listening to the replay. You guys were talking about the uh, pseudo uh, TDP 100 thing and the badge on that. I, I yes. was listening. I didn't watch it. And is there a follow-up to that or no? Uh, unless Terry Steggy was on. He was going to try no. to do some okay. research on that. But, uh, but I think I think your conclusion was it looks like that is that was a legit product and not a, not a fudged product. Uh, yeah, like a, an early one or maybe even a prototype before they did official marketing. Okay, because just seeing that long, wide badge brought back that conversation you guys were having. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Ter Terry was going to follow up on that, and uh, I was on the show today. So. Bless his heart. All right, yeah, cool. Bless his heart. Bless his heart, Terry. Slacker. Terry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next up in the dragging is uh, Julian Brown, who's working on these boards here. And these boards here are basically a way to get... Uh, 64K of RAM onto a Dragon 32. Ooh. Now, the 32 normally only has a 32K of RAM, so this is basically upgrading it somewhat to a Dragon 64 minus the, the, or the yeah, serial port. Um, so basically, these these are using more modern chips, too, and these only work on the Mark II Dragon 32s, uh, but these don't require the really hard-to-find dynamic RAMs. Like, you can start using a bit more modern stuff here. So he's got his first batch of test boards in. He's actually starting to work with them, making sure that, you know, Bugs are kinked out and stuff, or <laughs> kinks are worked out, bugs are worked out. And uh, at the time that he got the boards here in, he doesn't have enough spare chips to fully populate it, though he did do a, a bit of a RAM test on the few chips he had, and they seem to be working fine. It seems to be communicating with the Dragon fine, but he's waiting for some other chips so we can get the full 64K in there and make sure that works correctly. So does this bypass all the onboard RAM completely, and you just run this whole RAM from this? I'm not sure if it bypasses or if you unplug the old and this plugs into the socket. I'm not sure exactly how this Okay, works. but I'm just trying to, trying to understand, is it using a hybrid of the onboard RAM and this RAM? Because that would seem to be counterproductive as far as I think it's throughput replacement, but Okay. I know John Whitworth and a few of the other, Phil Harvey Smith, a few of the other experts in the Dragon would know this stuff. And if any of them are in the chat, you know, please correct me. I'm, yeah, like I I'm the, getting wrong in this story. I know that the general idea behind going to static RAM is you don't have to worry about what the original RAM controller can refresh. You can have as much RAM as you want to stuff in there as long as you can address it somehow. Right. Yeah, because so, static so, RAM doesn't need refresh at all. Right. So, so, so you would want to. Sorry, go ahead. 
So I was just going to say, so you would want to get rid of the original RAM because it's a hindrance. Right. That's what I was thinking. Ever help. Yeah. And this is kind of like the Coco 3 philosophy, right? When you put a Coco 3 expansion board on, you're, you're basically, you got the RAM from the motherboard, right? So you Yeah, and then the, you give it to two people that have the uh, Coco 2s that handle the two chip upgrades. Yeah, it's yeah, free 64 yeah. upgrades. So that, that would make sense if you just gut the onboard RAM and use the newer RAM, you're getting straight contiguous performance on whatever technology that is. Yeah. If you look on the top there in the middle, I think that, pins are going into an actual existing dynamic RAM socket. So I think that's okay. Oh, there, so there, there's oh. where it's tapping into that. Yeah, yeah, that's And neat. all the other ones are empty now. Okay. In fact, okay. if you go back a slide, those yeah. are empty yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's just got one on, it's got just the uh, three corners, right? So you got the top left, uh, top right, bottom, top left, and bottom left, right? So you got those three, three points there where it's tapping into sockets possibly. Now, if you look at the bottom two there, uh, the sockets, you can actually see some solder. Now, yeah, you mentioned you had a couple chips on hand, yeah. and that's probably the ones you did. I'm assuming it's either upside down, and they're facing down, or maybe they took them up in the picture. Um, but once oh, he gets the rest oh, of them, that might be the sure leads where he's soldering on the actual RAM to the board. That yeah. might not be feeding into the motherboard. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm wondering if it's like, I know some of the Coco 3 RAM upgrades actually had the RAM on the underside. You wouldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's neat. It's kind a of neat idea. Thing. Really neat idea. And I like how that we've labeled what the chips are there, right? 6883P and 6847. That I'm, seems to be a common that, thing because that other guy who did the, the breadboard, yeah. Coco 2, did that too. So, Is there any other pictures of this board to see the other side? Uh, not in this story, no. But I, he's ah. just got the boards and he was waiting for the actual RAM chips to plug in. So oh, glad yeah, you're awake now, this. Nick, by the way. We called yeah. you out a few times there. Yeah, I, I was having breakfast, so I had you on on the loudspeaker while I was making breakfast. Uh, sure, sure, you were napping. Yeah, and I heard you say, I heard that, you know, they, they, they're bagging me again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, why don't you ever get your wife on camera? I'll get Ron DeVoe to, to, to harass her on camera. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see what Mrs. Marentes has to say about her husband. <laughs> You'd need a six-hour show. <laughs> I've never seen her. And an adult warning content oh, thing. Lord. <laughs> Well, it could be your girlfriend. All right, and we're so next step, oh, yeah, next step, uh, we got John Whitworth, of course, the guy behind uh, Dragon Electronics in the UK. Now, we covered the story here, uh, was it one week ago or two weeks ago, where he's actually taking the Dragon Beta, which is the one that has the MMU hardware. Can you pronounce dual it properly? Dual 6809s. It would be Beta. Can you say Beta, please? Beta. 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 Yes. Oh. It's Beta. Better. Come up with better jokes, Stevie. <laughs> hey, at least I can see the contrast in his in his image here. So. <laughs> so basically, he's got the he reports here as an update. He's got the PCB tracing is now about ninety five percent complete, and he's on deciphering the rest of the circuitry, so it makes sense. <clears throat> and he's figuring this should actually work with a super sprite board. So not only will you get up to a seven hundred sixty eight k dual cpu dragon out of this but you should be able to plug the super sprite board in to get hardware sprites the msx sound chip and everything else too which sounds like that would make a killer machine oh yeah and uh, tim gilbert says on that ram upgrade it does replace all the original ram okay thank you tim okay that is a beauty that's a small sample of trace rework on one layer so wow this is way above my paper. This is like looking at those internals of the gimme. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, yeah. Over my head. <laughs> what this I'm really like. interested where this is going to go because they actually do have pieces of the OS9 that was designed for this thing. 
And that means we may have drivers in existence for a multi 6809 system. So if Jim Brain finishes his uh, dual 6809 daughter cardy thing, so you can have all three CPUs in there at once, maybe we actually have some software kind of ready to go that just needs to be tweaked rather than starting from scratch. We need quad 6309, 16-pack MPIs, four different sound cards, real-time clocks, cats yeah, and dogs, David Ladd living in harmony. Where's David rattle this all off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so does this motherboard include a real-time clock? That is the important question. Right, so. I think it did. Uh, did didn't they show that on the, uh, the Dragon Meetup? Didn't they show that, that it had one? I think it was the battery was dead or something, okay. but I think it had one. All right. It was designed as a business machine, so it makes yeah. sense. So which Dragon is it based on? Uh, the... What's it the called? Beta. The Dragon. Ah, oh, the Beta that never came out. Yes. Officially. Yeah, they had a few prototypes made. They had a built-in floppy drive, three and a half, eighty ah. track, double-sided, seven sixty-eight, sixty-eight k RAM, MMU built-in, just a ton of stuff. So what video chip? The six eight four seven. It had an eighty column card built-in, and oh, then right. it also was going to work with the MSX Super Sprite board, which actually was out available back in the day for the original Dragon by another company. And, and John's kind of like redoing it nowadays for modern people because it didn't sell well back then because it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. But he figures, oh, this should all work at the same time. You could actually have dual displays with this. You could have oh. the MSX driving one screen and you'd have the onboard 80 column driving the other. That is a beauty. Beauty, eh? Mm -hmm. I'd nerd out on this thing, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can run Nitrous Nine on one monitor and run a real operating system on the other. <laughs> I should be running Nitrous on both of them and yeah. you like emulate CPM at full speed. On oh the yeah, oh beautiful. Dragon Thirty Two emulator, Raspberry Pi Zero, bare metal emulation software, Dragon Thirty Two peripherals. What are we talking about here? Cats and dogs living in harmony. So I'm not sure to pronounce this guy's first name. Is it Eow? Eow? Uh, who the hell knows? Uh, last name is Abraham. Yep, I got that. All right. Okay, so this is uh, his uh, Dragon 32 emulator running on Raspberry Pi hardware, supporting hardware added as well. And he shows it running a ROM and a couple of cassette images, including Kieran's Blockdown game, just to show that the higher semi-graphics mode works. And I'll just kind of jump through this here. Oh, wow. That's a real simple diagram there. Yeah. You guys catch up? Can you make it on your own now? Uh, All right, perfect. Yeah, snag a couple of those wires and put them back on, would you? Talk about breadboarding, huh? And there he shows you what all the different parts are. So this SD is hardware card. emulation, and the Raspberry Pi is probably used for video output, maybe in some communication. You betcha. Here you okay. Go. And so, hardware level. This is not running a software layer, software emulator. Um, okay. CAS. ROM. Flagonbird and Blockout. Cosmic Invaders. ROM image load complete. Cosmic Invaders. Spectrum. This is one of the ones Brian Bruder was talking about earlier. This is one of the two that beat him to market. Mm. And uh, frankly, I, I remember those screens. Look how nice the colors look in there, too. You get the full eight colors. Although, on on the U.S., would this would have been artifacted, at least? Nope. This was the way it looked in the in, really? the, in the U.S., too. Oh, yeah, this shame. was the color set. I This was really early. This was 1981. Originally, the Dragon one says 1982, but that was the cross-licensing deal with Microdeal. Okay. This came out in, like, mid-81. I okay. don't think we even no, knew about good. The graphics yet. are good. The, the movement's good. This is a very spot-on clone. Yeah. It's got that typical spectral sound. They use that same sound routine over and over and over again. Yeah. When you got something that works, stick with it, right? Right. Yeah. Control-C, Control-V. And you're going to load casts. 
cassette images from the SD card. Rondo Vaux has to leave. Goodbye, Ron. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. Claude. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for helping with the interview, Ron. Yeah, Claude him. Claude him. Wife on. <laughs> Ron, get your wife on here before you go. Uh, <laughs> software by MicroDL. Copyright 83. NB legal. NB illegal to copy, hire, or offer this tape for rental. How do you hire a tape for rental? I don't understand. Uh, Is that some British parliament? The official Frogger. Cornsoft. Mm. Oh, I don't remember that screen. That one, I don't remember seeing. I don't remember seeing that screen on the Frogger that I had. Ding. That looks pretty good. And then yeah. I'll just quickly show the loads mm. of uh, Karens. Semi graphics 12 mode game. Clodum. Fast forward. Block down. Dun, 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 dun. Seismic brains, eh? Ooh, I like the fonts. Yeah, the way the fonts showing up here, I'm wondering if he's emulating the wrong VDG. Because it looks like it's not quite lining up the text characters. The graphics blocks are fine, I like the but T1. the level and stuff there at the bottom right is a little bit off, it looks like to me. Mm. Unless that's just the camera. Anyway, it looks like a pretty pretty yeah. neat project. So yeah. I've never heard of the guy before, so I'm gonna kinda of follow some of his progresses. That's a beauty, eh? Yep. And that's it for the news. Rush through it for you. That is all she wrote, folks. Um, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Thank you, Curtis, as always, for all you do and procuring all that news. Um so we will, um, I just thought, you know, we're gonna, we'll do op updates and acquisitions. And if anybody had any further lamenting they wanted to do about uh, the ride we've been on doing this show for 250 episodes, five years and counting, feel free um, to chime in with more of those fond or maybe not so fond memories. Um, does anybody have an update or acquisition they would like to share? Well, I guess I got this really cool um, TDD slash ASCII terminal device. Which let me sure uh, let me get. spotlight you real quick. Okay, there. Hold it up again. Now we can see you nice and big. So, yeah, we'll get a lot of great use out of this. I'm sure it's a printer. It's got a screen. That's yeah, neat. It's got. I like that great. keyboard. I, yeah, it's it's got a nice keyboard. Yeah. I just need to print a little uh, plastic. It's just getting hard to find phones like that anymore. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to print a 3D plastic thing so my iPhone fits. Over the, you know. Yeah, don't try to plug it in like Ken did in like, his video. You know, yeah, right. Like and and then we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's fun. It works. I mean, oh, it's got phone jacks in the back, so you can play with it ah, with your okay. modem one, and all, life they is good. Finding ones. Right, right, right. But it, it's <laughs> it's a, not only a TDD, but it's an ASCII terminal. So it, it's it's near and dear to my heart. I lived my life on single line ASCII terminals for oh, a wow. while. That's hard to imagine. So life is fun. Yes. Yeah. I have more. Where don't worry, I can make it worse. Oh, that's cool, <laughs> Nate. Where'd you get that? Just random Goodwill things. You guys find the coolest stuff. Like Ron Delvaux's got the greatest Goodwill freaking ever. I don't know where he gets his stuff from, but um, well, yeah. But you learn to go to the rich suburbs around the cities okay uh, they give away nice stuff there mm. 
I guess I'm in the wrong city. I don't think we have any rich suburbs. <laughs> yeah, that would be your problem. Yeah. You probably uh, have hillbilly flea markets like Aaron and Boat have. Uh-oh, we're getting raided by the Amigos. All right, from the Crabs. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Uh, cool stuff. Who else has got an update or acquisition? Is anything to share? Anyone? Anyone? I have a few. Jason, did you have anything you grabbed last weekend that you wanted to show off? Jason, not there? All right, while we're waiting on that, I'll show you two things I got from our, our, our Orlando trip. So last week, I met Jason and Sarah in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, which is close enough to Orlando. Um, and uh, we ended up going to a Hamcation event, and we posted a few pictures in Discord. Hamcation is the second largest ham event, where Hamvention in Dayton, Ohio, is the largest. Um, first time I met him there was two years ago, 2019. That was my first ever ham event, and it turns out I got a $15 Cocoa 2 while I was there. I think it even came off a floppy drive or something like that. So I got the steal of a lifetime there. Um, but if you, I'm not, I'm not a ham. I've never been a ham. But I know there are a lot of. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. Uh, at least, <laughs> at least, at least for the radio, right? So. Um, <laughs> But I think there's a lot of crossovers in that hobby, right? Because it's it's yeah. a special interest group type thing. There are people who are loyalists to it. And you go to these things to find out not only all the cool deals on parts and doodads that you need, but what's new in this hobby, right? And just like anything else, they've got like high-tech virtual software-based radios and all kinds of cool spectrographs. And you can see stuff on visual vivid displays or you can see the old-fashioned analog tube type stuff and VU meters. And it goes from like the 1930s to the 2030s. You know, it's just the whole full spectrum of old analog to high-tech digital. Um, if you ever needed a coax cable or BNC connector, this is the place to go. There were just miles of those things there. Um, all kinds of cool stuff. So so this was my second ever ham thing. Um, we went there on a Friday, and we were able to see the whole thing in a day and didn't need to go back. And, but it was still cool. The, the, the flea market to me, the outdoor flea market, which is just a mixed bag of who knows what, was the most interesting thing. But this year it was a little spread out and disjointed. It wasn't as contiguous as it was a few years ago. We had to kind of hunt and peck and find things and not a lot of stuff cocoa wise or retro computing wise, but there were still some old Tandy products and uh, things like that. So it was kind of cool. Um, have I done a good job setting it up so far, Jason, since you were on mute? Uh, yeah, I think so. I had to step away for a minute, but I heard I heard everything. So okay, yes, uh, okay. That, did that I miss anything? Good. Have I missed anything or have I misrepresented anything? No, it was it was it was down from it was down from 2019. So, yeah. but uh... um, so so I'll just I'll spotlight myself here. So one of the things mm -hmm. I I did get though, and I think Curtis will appreciate this, but this is a hardware project that even Curtis and mm -hmm. I can do. So this is the Radio Shack <laughs> Science Fair, AM no FM. No soldering. Can't, no soldering required. Everything well, is kind of just little don't spring get clips. Don't on those springs. Right. But, well, they're pretty weak. You can pull your hair right out right. of them. So, but I think everything's here, right? So the manual's here. The parts are here. Oh, nice. Everything yeah. was here. So it's the whole kit, including wires. It's the whole kit and caboodle. It may have been put together once before. It looks like I've got a head start on this, on the assembly. But uh, a lot of stuff <laughs> That's in That's the here. types of kits I like. Yeah. Um, but this was 5 bucks, And it, it's a radio shot. You should thing, check so. the work, though. Yeah, I will do that. I'll get that. 
Um, so yeah, what I'll do is I'll put this schematic up on GitHub, uh, make it open source as soon as I get done with that. Um, so yeah, um, but no, so this was five bucks, you know, so that was kind of cool. And it says it's, it's a Radio Shack product and it's, it's cool. So that was the one takeaway that I got from Hamcation. And then we went to this really cool flea market in Orlando that had all kinds of really cool Chinese knockoff versions of everything. And one of the things I got here is what I like to call my non-tendo. So this is like a, a, um, a Chinese knockoff of like the Super Mini NES type things, right? So you can see here, Super Mini SN02, home, 821 classic games where 821 of them are completely bootlegged. Um, but it actually has HDMI out. It uses like a USB power adapter. And, and this is what the little thing looks like. I actually did a quick video on this the other day on my OG channel. But it looks like a little SNES. It's got the little, uh, like, Atari-style connectors, and you guys were talking about Rapid Fire, so it only plays classic NES games, and there's, it's got a four-button Super NES controller, so the bottom two are single-pressed, the top two are Rapid Fire, so it's got a built-in Rapid Fire thing, HDMI out. And I remember you guys were talking about with um, uh, uh, AC's 8-Bit Zone last week about the licensing of HDMI or something. Uh, this is from China, so I don't think and every game on here is bootlegged. I don't think they care about licensing at all. But the thing I noticed, though, is trying to connect this to my TV, the audio stutters. And if I try to run it through a capture device, I got no audio. But what I ended up doing is I ran it through the SCART to HDMI box that we use for the Switcheroo because it has HDMI in and HDMI out. And then I was able to get consistent audio. So I don't know why that is. Um, and I'm pretty sure this was uh, not really an exchange policy type situation. <laughs> I can bring this back. So, but, um, but it's neat. It's got 800 games. Some of them are in English. Uh, you know, all of them are pirated. I actually found a ton of variants on, on Super Mario's that I didn't even know existed. They, people have basically taken Super Mario and converted it to everything under the sun. So there's a lot of, to- a lot of uh, Super Mario variants on here of different characters and artwork and music and stuff. So whatever. This was 30 bucks, right? So, um, so I think this is generically a Famiclone. A Famiclone, huh? Okay. Which is the Famicon. But okay. Every game with, yeah. Mario with the, um, so, you know, Sonic pasted in is the yeah character. yeah. There's a Sonico and there's a, there's one that's got Mario with Excite bike. So there's like the motorcycles coming after you. There's oh, there's so many ones. There's a lot of them that are just in Japanese and not even in English cool. and stuff. So, uh, but Game whatever. Gold there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are my acquisitions. Did you get anything over the weekend, Jason? I did. It's nothing all that exciting, but I did. I did pick up one thing at Hamcase. Did you get bed bugs from the hotel by any chance, sir? <laughs> no, it, I, it, it wasn't the. Well, let's just say I don't plan on staying there again. But um, you know, the stellar service. And while and while you have me spotlighted, you can see the wonderful no expenses been spared on the two five and zero. Oh, yes. Yeah. The the. Uh, the, uh, these are these are uh, I guess inflatable cake toppers. So mm. I didn't. I forgot to buy a cake, so I just used a little packing tape and taped them. To the you're top you're of supposed to say you ate it already because you're bored waiting for <laughs> us to get finished. So. Well, I could have done that. Either that, or I was just going to go get some Hostess cupcakes, one for each digit, and just stick it on top right. of the monitor. But I and of course, you're demonstrating this week's uh, game on challenge game by the person yeah. we interviewed earlier. Yeah, absolutely, I am. And um, but I did pick up one thing. I picked up. And I, I picked up a whole pound of it. I picked up a pound of Kester Kester solder, lead oh. solder like I usually do. This is the uh, Kester. What is it? It's the sixty forty. It is. A, it was. Well, it's, it's a point oh three one uh, or point eight millimeter. Size, and yeah. 
Yeah, I do believe. Stevie, it is. do you have any idea what these numbers mean? Because I'm, I'm. Oh, cool. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> 0.031 is a, is a very good refinement. Uh, <laughs> that's just a yeah. That's just a diet. <laughs> okay, not what, to speak on a term here, but it's the diameter it, of the It solder. runs through a pasteurization homogenization process yeah, and it has sure 0.31 less impurities. It's getting deep in here. Yeah, I didn't bring a shovel, Steve. <laughs> if others say 60 slash 40 or 63. Yeah, 60 does. I, I believe it is a 60 40. It is the tin lead, and yeah. it's the same stuff I've been using before. But the the, the cool part is about this is oh of course i see my light is just wiping it out but the cool part about this is as i got a good deal on this because i don't know if anyone's bought solder lately but it's, it's darn expensive indeed. right a, I chinese bought, spool, is, a chinese spool that looks like that will have a quarter inch of solder around the outside edge and about the label will be the inside of the spool and they will charge you full price for that right but a pound of this and this is caster 25 bucks okay that's and that's, i'll take it that's a deal. I almost bought two. It's like, do I really want to drop fifty dollars on solder? Because the last I bought, I, I bought another spool of this just recently on Amazon. It cost me forty bucks. So you know, and I hadn't bought, I hadn't purchased solder in years. So I, I, I was getting low. It's like I have to buy some. I, I need it in a couple of days. And I, had, but yeah, so right. it's a good deal. But then again, I didn't have to pay twenty dollars for the ticket too. So I guess it's kind of a wash. But uh, <laughs> give it the hair test. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, that just involves the iron, not the solder itself. Just, oh. Yeah, just put it on the iron and just fling it a little bit, you know. It's 0.31 of my forehead I burned with the soldering iron. Yes. Does anybody yeah, else have an update or acquisition story to share? I guess it's actually 6337. Yeah. Oh, Tim uh, Franklin said he, he enjoyed actually. the car show. So we went to a place in Orlando called Old Town, and on Friday and Saturday night, all the classic cars. And for a while, they're all parked out in the parking lot, and you kind of walk up to them and ooh and ah, and then they do kind of a little tour where they drive through the, the middle of the thing there. And so I did a live stream of that on my personal Facebook. Um, if, you're, if you're privileged enough to be personal friends with me on Facebook, then uh, you might have seen that feed. I think all three of them did. Um, so, um, but yeah, it was there. It was there, yeah. and we I went think it to was a, a cruise. We went to a um, British store <laughs> that was not run by a British guy. He was very Spanish. When <laughs> 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 we were looking for the Kit Kats that uh, Curtis it. brought back, there was no British Kit Kats there. Actually, no I've got British a, Kit Kats. There's there was a lot of I should I should put some of those pictures in Discord. There was a bunch of different types of candies and stuff I was not familiar with that we should probably throw up in there. Um, I, I bought hey, a couple come up here bars. sometime and check them all out. Here we got a yeah. lot of unique ones. Yeah, I did. I did get a couple Aero bars there, and then I bought this. I bought this like Oreo. Oh, I had a weird name. It was like Dairy Milk, but it was a chocolate bar with Oreo in it. You know, Oreo cookie bits in it, and I didn't pay attention to the price, but that was an eight dollar candy bar. Mm. Yeah, it was wow. good, but I it wasn't eight dollars good. And, and as it That's, turned out, uh, this weekend that we were there last weekend, it was Valentine's Day weekend. Oh. So anywhere we were thinking about going, like on the weekend, we were trying, we were thinking about going back to the uh, medieval times because we were there two years ago, and it was like you couldn't get a reservation anywhere. Everything was like just sold out and booked up and everything else. So we hung out in Old Town, which was you know it's free and there's lots of to see and do there. So it was kind of cool. And there's uh, a there's an amusement park adjacent too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I wanted to mention here concerning our 250th episode here because I just noticed in uh, private planning on the Discord here that Robert Allen Murphy who couldn't make it today, Exile in Paradise, 
uh, had a message for us. He said, I can't make the show today. Reality interrupt. Congratulations on 250. You guys do an awesome and amazing job keeping the cocoa kettle bubbling and keeping the cocoa community the best out there. Looking forward to 300 and beyond. Thank you, Alan. That's very nice of you to say. Mr. Murphy. And uh, talking about a guy who does a lot. He, he does a lot. He does a lot not only with his own projects, but he helps us out on the show a lot too with things. Yeah. And with the newsletter and all kinds of other stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Nick, I can't, Nick Murray, I cannot tell you how good it is to see you because it's been a while. To see your face, to see that smiling face, it just does my heart good. I'll, un, I'll unmute this time and say thank you. I said yeah. thank you last time yeah. you said that, but I was muted. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that. It has been a joy having you on the show and be part of this experience with us, this journey. Um, and yeah, you're definitely a value-added uh, value member of this collective. So thank you. Thank you. Cool stuff. Um, but it is five o'clock. We, we've, we've done a four hour show and we've, I think we got everything done. We didn't rush through anything. We did not short change anything. I rushed through the news a little bit. Oh, did you? Well, thank you. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you guys didn't I, have long enough to sleep. So you yeah, no, I, especially Mark B. I cannot thank you enough for as many times if you've had to run the show because I was unable to. And sometimes unwilling to, whatever the excuse may have been. <laughs> but um, no, I mean that's 250. That's that's an achievement, and it's just been, it's been fun. And um, and then there were different people putting comments saying that they kind of look forward to doing this on Saturday. And 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 some of us were not here all the time because of life and work and other things like that. So for me, especially right now, my life is so complicated. I don't have time to do anything during the week, but I make time to do the show most of the time, except when I have to have Mark do it. But um, but this is the thing I look forward to because of all the insanity that we have to deal with every day to have a couple of hours once a week to forget all of that and just have fun um, is worth it for me. And this is one thing I look forward to doing. And when I can't do it, at least I look forward to hearing the replay and especially last week uh, just listening to the show. You guys did a great job. This show has just been a, a, a joy to be part of. And I'm proud of everything that we've been able to achieve together. And I look forward to many, many, many more. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, we have a question. Yeah, I, for I will honestly say that during COVID, this has been part of my sanity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It gave me, because you know, like, my work completely died. My entire industry died overnight when, when everything shut down and stayed that way up until recently. And uh, this gave me purpose. And yeah. Now, now, and, and now I'm going to swamp and, with work again. And though. honestly, Curtis, you are a huge part of this because between procuring the interviews and, and managing the interviews and handling the news, the amount of news you manage to wrangle on a weekly basis is staggering. You know what I mean? So the fact Some that of it's you even do, true. Yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> fact that you do it, you, you just do a ton of stuff. So you're a huge, huge uh, important part of this, uh, as we all are. But you, I just want to give special thanks to you because you do a ton. And you definitely Thanks. add some credibility and respectability to the show. Well, um, let's not go so, too over yeah, here. No, seriously. So <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. So we did have a request from uh, Paul Thayer. Will there be a Coco Talk after dark? I think tonight we need to make one. It's two hundred and fifty. I need. I need to break. I need to have dinner. I need to do things. But um, yes, we'll do an after dark tonight. And maybe we'll I will do listen it in. I, I've actually got work this weekend. And so we'll I just do it on Discord in. so it'll be easy to join. So yeah, we'll mm. do we'll do an uh, drinking drinking encouraged episode of Coco mm. Talk where we'll let our hair down. We won't necessarily be as family friendly. That's what Coco yeah. Talk After Dark was. Let your hair down. Um, let it all hang out, or at least the parts that you can show without getting arrested. Um, <laughs> Is it, isn't so. he dreamy? <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
So we're going to run the outro and then we'll be back for final, final thoughts after these. Here we go. Cue outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Well, you got to buy more than that because right. you'll have duplicate digits. All right. So, yeah, we've decided we were going to try. We're going to do an after dark tonight. A tentative time will be 8 p.m. Uh, Stevie time, Eastern Standard Time. Um, uh, subject to give or take a little bit. And I think to keep it simple, we'll do it on Discord so nobody has to worry about joining Zoom. So if you want to join the panel and we will live stream it on the usual places, too. So it'll be the first time we've done an official after dark and i can't remember how long but it's it, year it is, or two at least yeah it's definitely this is this is an occasion worth celebrating nick Morota is here that is worth that is cause for celebration we can do a nine hour show talking about how excited we were to see nick Morota today Ooh. live and in person Ooh. yeah the average looks of the whole show went up when he joined so. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be the topic for after dark is what you think about seeing nick Morota? wasn't he dreamy <laughs> Wasn't that ripping his collar so chic? <laughs> uh, Next week we're all gonna he have. Still has, he still has the MC10 behind him. Yeah, and what, 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 weren't those game on result palette contrasts so <laughs> hard to read? <laughs> oh my goodness! I feel sorry for you, Ken. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you, you can join us again stream. in a couple hours, Nick. Um, I'll, I might. Yeah, and alcohol, alcohol is not alcohol is not mandatory or required, but highly encouraged both for the panel and the audience at home. 
Um, we don't want to force anybody. Especially down for to, the audience. Yeah, for well, the I audience. I think the so. audience pretty much has alcohol in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how they stick I, with I us both, through the whole thing. I think for that because yeah. you get drunk in the way. Way. So. All right. We're going to press the button for now. Say goodbye, everybody. Push Bye, the everybody. Bye, everybody. Good tonight. Bye-bye now. Oh, the uh, the stop recording does not stop automatically. <laughs>